if Joe Fleck Meyer, I'd probably conk him in the forehead. are back. It's Monday morning. Uh, we've got the great Chris Rowe to my left, the great Frank Peralta in front of me, and the professional varsity level drinker, Jerry Shaw with Photo Lab Studios. Geralt of South Dakota. Uh, Geralt is actually editing the podcast Chris and I did Saturday, which was three hours and 48 minutes long. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, so this is going to be a trend because so i just uploaded my podcast today which is three hours and 40 minutes we did three hours and 40 minutes uh, let's see what today brings i know uh well we've got on this card four hours and 22 minutes so uh we're good um <laughs> so what's on your mind today chris <laughs> well let's let's hit what we were just talking about before we dive too deep what is wrong with starburst c4 or monster rehab now tune into the first one for chris to you know, tell his full story of right. uh, the monster rehab. But I will say with these, why are it they is... called rehab? Uh, there, they were non-carbonated, and there was marketing. Much, you know, marketing, but it was, <laughs> it was basically a hydration. I'm thing. quitting. All... I'm quitting energy drinks. So I'm drinking rehab. It's like uh, those Zen packets for chewing. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm going to quit uh, energy drinks. Start snorting, snorting cocaine. So it's Correct. you know, gradual process. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But these, I order them by the case, and I put them in that Yeti 160, you know, for everybody down at camp to drink. And so, I and then I, you're like, no pressure, go shoot this big ass ram at 30 yards, <laughs> shoot already. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, down down there, um, it is uh pretty cut and dry. Frank's been down there, Jerry's been down there. Uh, you know, you got a house, limited bedding, but you, we can fit a few people in there. And then we got a fridge full of food and a bunch of alcohol, a bunch of energy drinks. So all of us try to eat relatively healthy. Um, now these, cause there's zero sugars, it's got aspartame or sucralose or some shit to make it. Nothing tastes this good and is healthy. Not totally. Cause you drink ghosts, right? Ghosts are good yeah, too. And these, They're yeah. good. I want to know how they... They made them taste so accurate, like you know, sucralose. This does taste like Skittles. That does taste like Starburst. Oh, there, and that's the the problem is is not only does it make you. I I like being a little bit itchy with the niacin or whatever that shits in there, but they taste good <laughs> and they give you energy. So literally, there's this cooler calling your name to come drink me. Um, so in the okay, morning. so let's, let's so again what, what we just talked about the, the full circle here. I vividly remember catching a <laughs> ration of shit at that end of the table oh, that's about the, the monster energy it, drinks it, that I was it drinking. It wasn't just the monster. It was like it three was of them. You, yeah. And you were giving me a rash of shit because I was pounding down a gallon of water. And I'm like, who the fuck are like you a, drinking? Like a little, I had to balance the table. That's what I said. Uh, you, here you are drinking a gallon. I mean, I drink that much across the course of a day. But you're sitting here with this jug. Anyway, so here I am. Is that perception? I'm off. Now I'm not drinking the energy drinks. And here you guys are on either side of me justifying energy. Well, it has no sugar. That's what I said about the rehab. You know what this reminds me of? You are the guy that just found religion and has to tell everyone. And you're the ones that fell off the wagon and bounced into the ditch. I didn't fall off the wagon because I've always drinking pre-workouts. I honestly don't even like the way these make me feel. They just taste good. That's And see, that's that was my addiction. It's like coffee. 
coffee, though. I don't like the way coffee makes me feel. I think it just tastes good. See, I can't stand coffee, but that was my issue with the monsters. I mean, that legitimately is the, that's why I got so bad with them because, uh, and I don't even know if Monster makes the rehabs anymore. I, I can't find them anywhere, but they started making, uh, it had to have been a limited run of this uh, strawberry lemonade. Yeah. Oh, shoot me in the head. Dude, that stuff is freaking just it's, it's it's insanely good. It's and that's, cocaine, that's Dewey. Why, it is. Yeah. I mean, I would drink I would just that's two, three, just so, because I like the taste of it. It's funny with addictions in general. And we talked about yep, this some yep. on the last podcast. Frank, you're probably the cleanest one in the group. Um <laughs> overall when it when it comes to or at least <laughs> to the uh to the to the outside world looking in. Um I, I told Amy, I was like, I'm not going to drink any, not drink, but drink alcohol. I was like, I'm just not going to drink anymore again. I went 18 years without drinking. And I don't know, I'd went four or five days and then we drank at the podcast. And then, uh, you know, the next day I didn't want to drink or it wasn't like I'm like looking at the bottle like a movie, you know. But then yesterday was a bit stressful with the water heater. And I come upstairs. I'm like, I can see how people become alcoholics because I want to fucking drink. And she was laughing and, and and it was it was more of a comical thing. But we talked about um, ibuprofen on the podcast that, that Jerry's uh, Gerald is uh, editing and in caffeine, nicotine, food. I mean, there's all kinds of uh, uh, addictions. And he stopped drinking caffeine and uh, wow. alcohol all at one time. And you're drinking four bottles of wine a night sometimes. To, well, me personally, too. Yeah. Let's, let's, Damn, let's I want to go to <laughs> dinner at Chris's we house. We don't have that sounds to fun. embellish that yeah. shit. <laughs> Pump the brakes there, buddy. But how yeah, two often... Is, two is good enough. How often do you hear a hunting podcast? We talked about this. Yeah. People relate to this. Like, And, and that's you, why I did it. You were wondering if people would... On your podcast, Correct. you did, which... Um, you, it's a risk. You, you're, you're taking a risk. You're like, what the hell is Chris Rowe talking about? But then again, when you... When you you come out the other end of it, and you you talk to so many people. They're like, "Dude, man." Well, we did that one with Abby uh, about uh, my anger management issues and other things like that. I was overwhelmed with the amount of people that were like, "Dude, good on you for talking about it." And I'm like, "We're all human." Well, and it's not like it takes courage to be vulnerable. Well, Frank, how many times since you've known me have you seen me lose it? A few. And then, how many times have you heard about me losing it? A few, probably. Would you say ten, maybe total? I mean, I just try to count. Like, what would you? Yeah, probably. So, and you've known me how many years? About eight. So that's one point three a year. That's not bad, <laughs> right? Look at it. But look at mathematician oh, over here yeah. just so, rattles it out. But the thing is, is when I when I it, it is a it's a problem. Like yeah. it is yeah. something I need to be self aware. I mean, Abby told me to get a code word. I'm like, no offense, Frank. I'm Peanut like. Butter. What the hell is Pineapples. what is Frank going to do when you hit that level? Like I'm like Frank would have to hit me in the head with a sledgehammer. Like, oh fair, like, yeah, fair, yeah, exactly. Let, let me give my code nothing against you. Like, hey, Chris, peanut butter. I'm about to lose it. Yeah. You're going to need to grab a shovel. Yeah. And so I it's tried like, to uh, because self-help. if you're if you're at the if you're at that level of of recognition, you're you're all, you've already jumped off the platform. Yeah, the it's train like is waking, off the track. Waking somebody up that's sleepwalking, you just kind of just. Yeah, you might be better off just letting it. Just, yeah. just guide, just guide <laughs> them in a safe direction. Let it ride, b- bounce them, off the bumpers. <laughs> guide them in a safe direction. And uh, so it was something I wanted to talk about because it's like, I mean, I don't, whatever, you don't like me because yeah. I have a, a temper at times, so fuck, so be it. It is me. That That's part of it. And so same thing with drinking, right? That yeah. was a overwhelming response about, you know, hey, I've got the same problem. 
And then I was able to talk to a bunch of people. It actually benefited me too because Correct. I'm like, oh, no shit. Correct. You do that. Because so Chad, my business partner, he's got some of the same things going on. And he's like, so, and he'll tell me a story. I'm like, yeah, I'm, yeah I've been there. Yeah, I, I feel your pain. So, and, and that's the thing that really hit home for me is, you know, I did it. You know, and we, we had talked about the fact that, you know, you know, Joe Rogan and other people, you know, do the Sober October or whatever. Um, and I always just kind of thought it was funny. And, and I decided, you know, and, and the joke was I did it during the month of February, which is the shortest, you know, month of the year. I'm like, right, I'll try it for February. It was, <laughs> it was when I told my friends what I was doing, the number of people that quietly had done it themselves already to where it was, okay, you're, you're, we're not all in this individually. We're not, you know, moving through a, a, a landscape on our own. We, there's a hell of a lot of us that have been down that same road and decided to make some changes. So I was like, well, let's give it a try. And, that, and now coming out the backside of it, the reality is I really have no desire for, I, I mean, it, quite, let me put it this way trying to have a glass of wine and I can have a glass of wine for dinner, but if I drink any more than that, I, it just, my gut kills me. I can't, I, I feel sleep. I hundred percent. I, I have, I think over the past, what is it? So today is the seventh. I think I've nursed like maybe four, uh, energy drinks across these seven days. Cause I can't even drink one can now without a gut ache. Yeah. So it's like, okay. Th- so I did it just to see if I had the willpower to do it. What I came, what came out of it was, holy shit! I I was not doing. You'll well. probably drop a bunch of weight from the sugar content we're gonna, we're gonna too. Find out. Yeah, just the last sugar. I look so much better, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, gray hair's gone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Self assessment is, and and I don't want to rehash this too much. We yeah, talked yeah, yeah, about yeah, yeah. self assessment's a bitch. It's it's yeah. difficult to. Um, look in the mirror and be like, okay, rather than thinking about you know X, Y, and Z of how last week went by how month, what, what I did good of saying, God, what all did I fuck up on in the last year or whatever, or what do I need to work on the last 10 years? And so it, that's uh, that one thing, like we were just talking about with Frank and this isn't a downside, your communication's gotten better. That's good. Right. Um, I would like to say I've self-assessed. I suck at paperwork and I've made improvements. I haven't, I'm just not going to, I don't, I don't care. Um, other things though, you know, tr- trying to stay off face forums and, getting in shit shows and and just little things that make your life more more peaceful i mean well we were talking the other i just don't i don't get on forums anymore and you know i don't either that's how i got to where i'm at with forums in the beginning i can't get on them now now is this this groundbreaking change like i quit doing cocaine no but it's more peaceful in my life to not be on those things and i mean you don't you only get on them when you're reading about us getting bashed, right? I mean, I don't think you get on them much, do you? Or if someone pulls you into a discussion. Yeah, yeah, we don't, I don't spend too much time on it. Yeah, same. I, I, I can't do it anymore. Yeah. It just, yeah. And even like the uh, looking at comments and then replying to comments and getting in these battles with people online, it's it's very pointless. Yeah, it is. It generally doesn't go anywhere. We had, I just. No, I will say we were making some pretty, some pretty good memes recently. And that is, that's enjoyable, actually. I I like making memes. Yeah. I've seen, yeah, I've seen some, it sucks because you, if you post those memes, no matter where you're coming from, you look like maybe a, a hater, right? Or, or you're rebutting something someone said. You know, so there was one that I had seen that was epic, that it was some Cheetos and some man titties on a couch. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I really wanted to post that on my page. I'm like, fuck it. 
Because then people are going to say, oh, you're sensitive. You know, Cam yeah, gets yeah, a yeah. rash of shit about being too sensitive. It takes a lot. And we talked about that. There's a few things. But overall, I don't get too riled up about anything. Sometimes I will. But you post that. Oh, he's so sensitive. And it's like, no. I just want to know, well, when, it, when did it become wrong to defend yourself when, bingo. when, when you felt the need to? Yeah. Because everyone can have their comment. And then when you say if you went back at them personally, well, you're in the wrong. If, if you went back at them in the generality of just defending what's, yourself, it's, if you're still if, in the wrong. But why? why? If you're in the position you're in, I'm in, or you're in, yeah. anybody can say anything about you they want. But if you return fire, yeah, it's the, unprofessional. You're not. And it is what it is. Reflection on your company. Well, yeah. it, why, but, but that's a, it, it's it's just human nature and the fact that when we look at look at bullying, we, we sit there and we tell our kids and, we, and, you know, schools and everything else, bullying, anti-bullying campaigns and all this other crap, blah, 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 blah. When when a bully comes up to a kid and wants to bully that kid and the kid finally steps up and punches him in the nose, who gets in trouble? Yeah. The kid that punches the bully in the nose. No one. It's like, no, that's bass backwards. But it's it's human nature. But you're absolutely Frank. You're absolutely right. I mean, that, and this is why. You know how it, you solve it, 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 though. Don't get on the fucking forum. That's what well, I have figured out. But th- okay. <laughs> well, that's that's a fair point. But I I I will say this. I'm, I'm going to rebut that, and I'm going to go with what you just said. There's so many people that say, you know, always take the high ground. They say, you know, don't don't get down in the mud with them. Don't you know? Don't don't don't. You know, blah blah blah. You you know the. Keep the high ground. You 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 maintain this door. Okay, that's fine. You don't have to volunteer to step down into the mud with them. But if they drag you into the mud, you better damn well at least stand up. You better because get ready gonna, for some memes. They're they're yeah. they're gonna tra- they're gonna they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna stomp you into the mud I, unless you stand up and at least claw your way out of the mud puddle. And so the pig pen. So you're going to have to do something to climb out. Now I'm guilty of. Doing what you're saying is just let it go, just let it go, just let it go, just let it go. But sometimes, some people, all that does is just give them more. They just want to keep coming at you. I got to bring one up, and then we'll move on to what we should. So about a year ago or so, I was um, just at the house. I had just gotten back from Arizona. I don't know, wherever. Yeah, Arizona. Anyway, I get screenshots of some Facebook page, and I'm getting blasted. And I'm like reading through it and I can't even make sense of where it started. Normally, as you, you know me longer than anyone, I have a pretty good idea when I'm getting blasted. Why I, I, and I'm like, yep, that was, yep, that was me. Right. I said that or whatever. And I'm like, so the guy says, um, there was a guy that was on Kafaru insiders and a guy said, Hey, can we get a, can I get a comparison of a Kafaru and a Kuyu guy hops on there? You know, there was several, you know, back and forth of guys that had used both. And I am totally okay with that as yeah. well as Frank. Yeah. There's a guy that hops on there and just gives rave reviews about Kuyu. I shoot him a message and said, Hey man, have you used both? Yeah. And he said, no. And I said, well, okay, then I'm, I'm going to pull your posts off because that's, I mean, it's a Kafaru page. I pay people to run it. We're nice enough to let people do comparisons, but I'm like, dude, if you just use one, I'm not, it's he's not on compa- there. It's, it's not a comparison. At that point, all you're doing is advertising. He's on there, the guy on this Facebook, and, you know, I won't kiss the ring. I'm an ass. Aaron's an asshole, whatever. I look his name up, Google. That's the guy. I, I, for that reason. And he's biased. He's whatever, which I am. I own Kafaro. I'm biased sure. to a certain degree. So another guy hops on and says, I was in camp with him, which I'm not in many camps unless I'm, I stay he, at the he, camp. He was in camp with you or this other guy? Um, so. Not the backpack guy. Another guy, totally separate, hops on, 
I was in camp with him. He acted like he was better than everyone. He even had his Raptor delivered because he wouldn't ride with the guys. Like he's <laughs> saying shit that. So okay. <laughs> I literally, there's only two <laughs> camps be I've been in. The one I run yeah, and JP with Big Chino. I called JP, do you know this guy? JP's like, yeah, that's a, he's under a fake name. I know exactly who that is. So he's on social under a fake name. First red flag. Right. Oh, yeah. He's on there, and, he, and I'm, I call JP. I'm like, dude, I left so early in the morning, and I got back at night. You know, and I, he, JP has me stay with the guides. And I was like, you know, I, I can Do think I I'm. know who this is? Yeah. Well, and I'm like, Did, was I a dick? He goes, no. And I was thinking, because I gave a guy a rangefinder, and I gave one guy a battery pack, and another guy a, a jacket. You know, just a ton of clothing. I'm like, I don't think I was overly personable, because I'm never, until I get to know you, yeah. I, I don't shut up at that point. So he calls the guy, and the guy's name was Richard Rayburn. That was his fake name. And he just calls him, and he's like, hey. What's the deal? And I'm on the phone. And I, was, I wasn't screaming at the guy. I was like, hey, man. I said, if I wasn't overly personable to you, I said, I just don't talk a lot until I get to know you. But I was like, I wasn't no. I, I, and I, he goes, well, that was the general consensus in the camp. And I was like, was that the same consensus that said I had the Raptor delivered? Uh, because that kind of, kind of crazy. Like I would even have the money to have that fucker put on a flatbed and delivered. And I, and, and uh, so JP's like, look, man, the other guys in camp like you. I'm like, well, they messaged me. I was yeah. like, yeah, they seem cool. And they were, most of them were back in camp this year. And it was obviously that guy. Yeah. So I called the guy and I'm like back after I said, Hey dude, I'm really not happy with this situation. I said, normally I avoid this stuff. But I will fucking run into you one day. What do you think is going to happen? You have to be held accountable. Like, it would be one thing to say, yeah, I heard he's a dick. I'm not going to argue with that, right? I'm sure people have, and I have been. But what you said was, do not buy his packs. He's an asshole. Everybody in camp hated him. I'm like, that's a lot. That's a different. Yeah. And my fucking Raptor was delivered because I wouldn't ride with the guides. And I'm like, dude, that's so, like, that is. It's slander and defamation at this point. Well, then it, it, it was purposely then created it came to, to diminish your anonymity. He can be whoever he wants, and he oh, was. Yeah. Put a fake name on there, and that is what gets irritated. Because I like, I'll debate with you all day long. I like debate. I like to talk and come to a consensus on a general problem. If it's an honest intellectual exchange. Yeah. Yep. And if it's, it's based when, on fraud, no. That's where I, I struggle. So, and, and that happens easily on social media platforms and, you know, forums. And it is what it is. I just would say the goat hunt, for example, I know Brady extremely well. I know Frank like a brother. I could not believe the shit what was being said. Now, I have a bit more of thicker skin because I've gotten, I've had people hate on me more. But when you're a person that, donates a ton of time and helping people or, or I know how Frank is and I see these people saying things about him some of it was just general constructive criticism some of the other things I'm like what the fuck do you think would happen if I was with Frank standing in front of you like that's how you should treat the the conversation is I would have any like Frank you're or, uh, Chris you're a horrible businessman have I told you that <laughs> okay All right. well we you've come back and said Aaron yeah, you're yeah, arrogant yeah. I'm like ah Validity to that, you know. Well, I'll I'll own my own shit. Yeah, that's the thing. But I would not 
I try to take on conversations on social as if the person was standing in front of me. But you need to. That's the thing. is, And that's where society has just gone right into the shitter because it, so many people have gotten so used. Well, I mean, it's the joke is, you know, a lot of people have gotten used to to being, I guess, treacherous individuals because they're, they just haven't had their skulls bashed in. You know what I mean? I mean, that's just really the case that it is. I mean, and, and that's the thing is I, I deal with the same thing in, in where I live in the small town. I mean. There's a, a hand, I call them Logan's treacherous class. I mean, there's a handful of people that just, they cannot, I mean, from day one that I got there, they hate me because uh, I, I, I represent an outsider moving in, being successful and just cut. I'm doing things that has interfered with their ability to be treacherous on the landscape. And so they just can't stand me. And it's just like, you know, this is where that fine line of it, you know, some of the things you just ignore and just move on. Other things that ha they have to be addressed. And I'm guilty of not addressing things uh, as soon as they probably needed to be addressed. So things just kind of blew up and got out of hand. But, you know, to to the point with you, Frank, um, we were talking yesterday or yesterday, um, was it yesterday or two days ago, two days ago. Um, that The thing is, is you know, when, when those type of things happen, and I think this is a good segue, well, it's, it kind of overlaps what we were talking about, what I just talked about in the podcast I just released today. Um, you know, self-reflection is hard. And when someone comes at you and levies uh, accusations at you, there's there's multiple different types. There's, there's those types that are just absolutely bullshit and you're like, whatever. And it, 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 just, it just rolls off your back. The ones that sting are the ones that, that you know, in your, you know, like we talked about before with Jordan Peterson, you know, if you sit on the corner of your bed and what one, if I wanted to improve my life, what one thing could I do that I would do that would improve my life? You're going to get that answer that fast. The same thing goes with criticism. criticism. The ones that really resonate might be something that just, there might be even the even if it's not a kernel of truth, and maybe there's like a little little paper cut of truth in there to where you're like, and and it, the only thing that I have have realized is the best way to navigate through it, and this is kind of what I talked about on on mine, and and maybe we'll talk about this and we'll segue into our topic today is, quite honestly, sometimes we just have to own it. You know, if if we if we screwed up, you know, or or if we allowed the perception of of a, of a screw up. Sometimes the only way that we can wrestle our head around, especially if, and I'm, I'm betting you're like me, I, I fall into that. For my personality, I have a very a high degree of agreeableness. I, 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 I like people liking me, period. That, and that's just, a, it's just how it is. And so if I do get levied with a massive criticism, if there's a kernel of truth in there, man, it'll just burrow in the back of my mind and work on me. The only thing that helps me get through it and, and really tackle it is like, okay, own it. If if I did that one little thing, and maybe it was just the one little thing that I overlooked that allowed them to attack me, but at the same token, own it, reflect on it, internalize it and say, okay, how do I make sure that doesn't happen again? But to your point, Frank, at some point, it does need to be addressed. And I think if we just address our, our those type of issues with just memes are good because you, if you can make a joke about it, it it's a lot it's it's a lot better but if you're just constant now to what you said earlier with Cameron Haynes the one criticism with with Cameron I think is and I don't know if he does this these days but it wasn't for me when I what we know that there was that period of time in his life where he was just getting chewed you know just people were criticizing him left and right it seemed like he dwelled on it too long yeah, you know, it's one thing to say, okay, I got it, I, 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 I hear your criticism, I internalize it. Maybe I don't agree with it, but I can see how it's like pleading no let, contest. Let, let me rebut that. The only thing I would say is, in your this room, who has walked in his shoes? 
No, no, no. Yeah, no. Anybody got a million followers? Yeah, no, no. But right. anybody written, you know, public editor, right? And I'm not defending him, or and I'm not opposing him. Yeah. But what I am saying is, my views ten years ago were a lot fucking different than they are today because. Oh yeah. I, uh, and not even this doesn't have anything to do with Cam because I went from kind of hater of Cam or defender to a certain degree of Cam. Not saying everything he does is right, and that's another thing people like I can't wrap their head around. You don't have to like everything that a guy does. No. Like, I would say on a course of a day, I do at least 10 things Frank doesn't like, but he still somewhat likes me, right? I mean, <laughs> I, there are things that Cam does that I'm like, nah, that's not for me. I mean, I dislike him, and I'm sure there's shit I do where Cam will be like, oh, what, whatever, you know, and I, we're just using Cam. He's a known person, and it fits. What I can say is when I read what people say about me or you or Frank or Cam or Rogan is how would that, Fast forward and let's put that person in the, in in the, in the current position of, of of me or a Cam or a Rogan or a Dudley or a Pickett, whoever. How are they going to have the same views and that that they did with two hundred and thirty followers and one animal on the ground or or whatever? And you talk about jealousy. Yeah, I don't care where the fuck Cam hunts right now. He can hunt. Uh, and, he's earned it. Yeah, he's got it. I mean, he did his thing and he's he's got it where he wants. Once he's got he's. Worked his entire life to get to where he is now. Does that mean we should all bash him because he hunts private land for elk? I don't give a shit. I, I doesn't matter to me. Matters to a lot of fucking people, though. I can tell you that because I read all the horrible <laughs> shit about him, and I'm like, well, I personally don't really, um, at this point right now, like to do, as I say that, I'll pay seven grand for a landowner tag, but I want to backpack in and, and hunt elk or take llamas or get dropped off. Not that I give a shit what somebody else does. That is me. But I'll fucking damn sure pay some money to go hunt on private land for mule deer in Alberta. I mean, without a doubt. Does that make me less of a man? Well, if it, I mean, Frank, what, what's your take on this? If I said tomorrow you can hunt the most coveted mule deer private land in the world, but it's 15 grand, but you can afford it. Are you going to turn it down because of public opinion or are you going to go? Depends. <clears throat> Depends on what it conflicts with, but... Um... Yeah, I mean, well, exactly what it is. Look at it tomorrow, Frank. Let's say I'm going to pay for it. I was it. just going to say, you, you say Merry Christmas or Happy <laughs> yeah. Birthday. I is got that you. my last fifteen thousand. No, yeah, he, no. He, <laughs> can he, we he, assess he, that? Yeah. 50, yeah. Yeah. Can I split it three ways and yeah. half-ass <laughs> mule deer in three spots? Can I yeah, pay exactly. in payments over five years? But no, um, I'm going to pay for you to go yeah. to. Uh, yeah, I mean, to, you're not going to turn it down. That's that'd just be insane. But yeah. Um, yeah, I'd like to. I like to do the high country Colorado thing every year. So. Um, well, but, I mean, the, these opportunities come up. Of course, you're not going to pass them up. You'd be crazy to. Yeah. Well, and that, uh, that's the average person. We were talking about that the, uh, the other day with the landowner vouchers and the people just bitching about that. It's like, all right, well, if you walked up to the same people that were bitching about landowner vouchers and, and private land hunting and you said, well, here's a voucher if you want it, yeah. how many are going to say no? Yeah. No, bullshit. None. If, if, I, if, if someone walked up and said, hey, uh, there's an extra slot at San Carlos to go down uh, to hunt some 400-inch bulls, I, I don't have anybody go. Do you, do you want to go? There's not a single person that's going to be like, no, it's not actual public land. So, Well, and that, no. when you were talking about reflection and self-assessing, that was fucking me. When I say what's changed over 10 years is 10 or maybe more years ago, I was the guy thinking, oh, he's had everything, whatever, hatred. Yeah. And then I started thinking of like, okay, well, it's what that, if? It's that must be nice thing that Cam talks about. Oh, yeah. They don't see the, the process. Well, maybe they, some people have seen the process, and now it's more obvious, but the process of what it took him to get there. Yeah, Cody Covey's he like. He didn't start 
yeah, hunting, you know, start hunting those ranches we first started hunting. There was something going on, Cody, and I can't remember what I, we were hiking in, and Cody said exactly what it is. He goes, everybody sees once you get up there, nobody saw the come up. Nobody saw what it oh. took to get where you're at. And so <clears throat> having said that, the goat hunt that you got bashed for like crazy, that was a hunt I was supposed to go on. I've been on goat hunts. I wanted Frank to go. It's like, Frank, you want to go? Yes. Would you go on that hunt again? Yeah, for sure. What would you do different? <laughs> uh, it was just a, like we already talked about this. It was the circumstance of that's where the goats were. We had nowhere else to go. He had clients in his other spots. And basically with that outfitter, what he normally does is he, he has landing strips higher up. Well, it hit snowed. So those were all off limits. You couldn't land up there. So we were, we had to let hike me, from, from the coast. Let me reword this. Yeah. If you had to do the exact same hunt again and the exact same thing, everything's the same, but you know now the end outcome of that film. What would you have to do different now? You wouldn't probably do anything different that you did, but oh, public perception, what would you itself? do? Everything. Yeah, I think we would have would have had more voiceover work and told a better story of it. Um, that's about it, but... Yeah, but I, you wouldn't do anything different because everything you did was fucking right because yeah. of a fucking. F- yeah. <laughs> because of a forum. Yeah. Well, I, I think the thing that. Peanut bought, butter. I think, yeah. yeah. Peanut, peanut butter. Peanut butter. Peanut butter. Hit him with a sledgehammer. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. I think the thing that bothered me the most, uh, if if anything, was just um, there was a lot of people that worked really hard. Like Jerry, you said right here, you worked really hard on editing the video. Dave was there videoing and, um, you know, Brady and the guides. They, they put in hard work physically. Um, there as well so i think it was a it bothered me that it was a bad reflection on those guys um because i mean i can take the criticism i didn't care i'm obviously i'm posting fucking memes about it but you know, <laughs> these, these guys put in a lot of hard work um well and you put film. a lot of hard work on the hunt too. yeah yeah so i think that that was kind of what was bothersome well, to me but but, you, but again this is where we're getting at though this is where you say okay you know it's kind of like well, that's, this is what we did. This is, I mean, uh, there was a, an, an initial um, forum posting on Rockslide. I responded, you know, I take full responsibility for this. You guys are exact, completely right. Should have, should have told a better story. Um, this is what happened. Should have told. Which should story. have ended it. Which should have ended it. Well, you know, forums are forums, and but now you're weak. <laughs> now, but 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 they see they, yeah. they smell a little well, bit. Well, and blood a lot of people water. said that. Why did you even post on there? Well, that was the reason why I wanted to defend. Correct. Defend these guys' honor more so than even myself. I'm on the end of the spectrum, I'm not going to post. <laughs> well, here, here's something. Here's something I, that I've learned, and, and I, it, I felt bad because also it was a it was a reflection on the company. Yeah. Some people were posting, oh, "I'll never buy Kafaro now." After seeing that, it's like, dude, what? Yeah. Well, and again, that's what I mean, though, is I don't know after watching the video in the heat of the moment, the reality of everything and knowing being on you've killed a lot of animals, you've killed a lot, we've all hunted a lot. Um, what were Brady's two shots, the ones he missed? Hi. They were pretty far, four or 500 yards, but we probably could have shown that a little bit better. We just didn't have the, the camera angles. It was crazy steep on a scree field. He kept sliding down every time he could get set. You know, it wasn't it wasn't ideal conditions, but that was something that I tried to so talk it, about it, in the forum is how often do you get a 100% ideal conditions when you're hunting? Well, and it, not, not especially the, goats. Not all the time, right? I'm going to breathe deep then, here. I've guided a lot. <laughs> Mountain goat, good one, 400 and let's say just say 450. We've got the gun. We've The guy's comfortable. We're shooting. Oh, yeah. I don't know anyone, including on that forum, that wouldn't take that shot. Now, well, the, if it's a lever action 30-30. that for a white tail. But the thing is, though, like, 
people are saying, well, I've hunted goats before and they're not, they're not that hard to get to. Well, I will, oh, I'll agree with it. We yeah. went, well, we went on a, a goat hunt two years before that. Uh, I shot a goat at 40 yards with my bow. Yes. You were on in, one. I shot it at In the eight right yards. circumstances. <laughs> oh. Circumstantially, yes, you can get very close to them. Where we were, we, that was, I mean, if dude, if you had to go on that hunt with your recurve, 100%, there's no way you would have been able to get I've close freaking, enough because I, of the terrain. But, but, I, but we hunted, we hunted uh, in that same area with a different outfitter. And the training was completely different. It was a lot more. Um, it was better for for archery hunting. So, and, circumstantially, and, yes, you could fucking do a lot of things differently. And, and that statement's bullshit anyway, because I I missed out on on two or my uh, a legit world class Billy in Colorado because I went in with a mindset. Everybody kept telling me the same thing. Oh, goats are the hardest part about goat <laughs> yeah, hunting is drawing Mount, the tag on Mount Evans. Yeah, I was on Mount Massive. Yeah, and so I had found two just monster billies uh, i'm not going to go through the whole story but long story short i was in camp with a buddy who also had a tag everybody kept telling us it's oh the, oh they're easy they're easy they're easy they don't give a crap about people or whatever and so uh, another billy showed up i had my sights on these two monsters another nine-year-old nine and three nine and a half nine and three quarter inch billy shows up so greg i'm like dude smoke that one you know it's halfway to camp smoke him and then we'll go after mine Boom, first shot, he hits it, but it was a bad hit. Goat starts running, boom, second shot, misses it. Boom, third shot, misses it. I'm like, oh, crap, hold that. Goat comes up, stops, boom, puts it on the ground. So four shots ring out in the valley. We go over there, high five, okay, let's go after mine. We walk over the hill, and those two goats are doing Mach 30 up the street. (laughs) They left the unit. Yeah, I'm like, I, I just I, I I self-destructed on the mountain because I was like, I just spent all summer oh. and I had I had this right in my hand. And because I went into the thinking, oh, these are easy. We shot a goat we didn't need to shoot when we should have gone up and yeah. we could have laid right back Ooh. side by side and gone boom boom and got two world class billies. So I oh that pisses me off when people tell me that about goat hunts. If you've never been on goat hunts, and especially depending on the, the animal you're after, you have no you have no concept. So it's just such I, a generalization. There's, I, there's it's an incorrect that, generalization. That could, that could go for any animal. I I, I, ha- I have been on a lot of goat hunts, like forty or fifty. Um, and so I when you're not there, right? It's it's easy to cast stones and and say certain things, especially but you're if you're not... just watching the YouTube videos where you're t- just looking at the highlight reel and you're looking at everything compressed. And I, I am not. Um, we should have done a best, a little bit better job with voiceover. I think in my thing, it's kind of implied. So I didn't, you know what I mean? Like obviously, you went and looked for it or whatever. But I. Having been on a lot of hunts, having guided and, and been all over the place, not as much as others, but there are times like in the position like you're talking about the bad terrain and everything else and um, a, a mule deer, a goat, a sheep, or let's say a sheep, let's say a once in a lifetime, Randy Cooling shot his big horn in Wyoming at 525 yards. He's a recurve shooter. Only time he's picked up a gun, 525. Okay, well- once in a lifetime hunt. So I, I guess what I'm saying is if you had this one chance to go on a goat hunt and you knew your um the terrain around you and, and everything else, as Frank did, because he was there, whether we should have done voiceover or not, the goat hunt isn't part of this equation right now. It's the reality of we have Thor, my rifle. We know my rifle and we know the holdover, the ballistic turret. The guy hasn't shot a gun past 300 and the animal's at 480. Are you going to shoot that 
And yes, you are going one percent won't, maybe less. Correct. And so when the people cast stones on that stuff, it's like you weren't there. Like, right? You can ask the question. I don't see any issue with that, especially if Frank's going to reply. How bad was it, Frank? How bad? Whatever. I mean, and it, there was no. There was some. There was people on there that did not want any dialect. They did not want any questions answered. They didn't want to assess and talk about it. They just wanted to hate. Would you say that that was? That's irritating in general. So as, and I talked about it on a podcast. We talked about it before. Day seven, day nine. Uh, I'm with Jerry. Jerry's worked his ass off to go on this high country mule deer hunt. Let's say Luke. Let's not say Jerry because Luke said he could do it, right? Luke said, for yeah. day five, I'm killing. Day what, three. Day three. Yeah, yeah. day three. So Luke backpacks in. He gets in shape. We're nine miles in. Luke is, is crushing himself for eight, nine days. We pull up over. Luke takes a 34-yard shot, hits it in the liver. I'm going to hug Luke and high-five him. We're good, dude. We'll get it. I'll watch him. That doesn't mean I'm happy that he hit it in the liver. That does not mean that was the best shot in the world, and that doesn't mean that shot placement should be celebrated. But we're going to find that animal in the elation of that moment, and if you haven't been in it, you should shut the fuck up because there's no way you're not going to high-five your buddy. Would you disagree no, or agree? No, absolutely. I mean, no, that's exactly it. The, the, the issue comes down to, and this it's unfortunate as it is, it comes down to if you're recording that and you're showing it, it's the storytelling that goes behind it because they're like what we, I gave you the example of the deer this past year having to drown him. It, it's are, is there, it, it, is there empathy involved in the taking of that animal? And sometimes storytelling, and I'm guilty of it as well, doesn't reflect the true nature of everything going on there. And that's where you say, okay, no, we're not celebrating that he killed, that he hit it in the liver. What we're celebrating is the fact that this guy, who is not usually known for going nine miles back in anywhere, yeah. did it, and then ground out for seven to nine, whatever, however many yeah. ever days, and then got up and got himself into position on a high country mule deer to make a 30-some-odd yard shot, which is an incredible feat to begin with. And then, okay, it wasn't perfect, but it still was a lethal shot, and we the hunt was successful, and it, it checked all the boxes, except maybe one box yeah. down there where you didn't yeah, 12. We needed to be five inches to the right. Sure. Now- and as I say that, I, I agree, right? The And I said my fix to that is I just won't be on film. That solves everything, right? I mean, you don't, would, would you, or uh, do you lie? Would you agree with the people that say that anybody that puts out a hunting video or film is a representation of hunting or they have a responsibility to represent hunting in a certain way? My opinion? Mm-hmm. At this point in, in, in my development, yes, I do. I, 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 I really do. Um, simply because, and we talked about this two days ago, um, simply because now you're not buying a DVD. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's not the hunting community going and buying a hunting thing. We're on YouTube. We're on social media to where a non-hunter or an anti-hunter can either stumble upon your stuff with no effort or worse yet, it can be sent to just easily within a couple of clicks, instantaneously sent to someone who wants to purposely bastardize it. So at this point, because our actions, I, I, if you are going to, and again, this is not something that, I feel, that I'm, I'm happy about, but it's the reality, in my opinion. If we are going to share information publicly, then we, I, I, what is it, how do I want to put it? 
we basically have given up all uh, what, what's it uh, expectation of privacy, so to speak, to where you know we. So now we do have a higher bar, I think, from a, 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 a there you go. We have a higher bar that we must meet simply because of the of the avenues that we're that we're putting our stuff out there. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I, so and, and to your point, just a minute ago, what you're saying, um, I had a situation at home where. Well, let me rewind. So hold does hold, hold, does Frank lie? In what way do we lie about <laughs> what happened? No, you don't lie about it. So you, you, you message it. You're just more careful about how you wrap that message to it. And this right, is what we were right. talking about in the first podcast with you the other day yeah. is, you know, if you go through your pie chart of your social media, what if someone just takes a, a, a surface level glimpse of what your world is about, what do they come away with? So and, I guess what I'm getting at, well, let finish what you were saying. So I, I no, I don't think you lie. I think you I think you show and this is what and we can we, slope. we can we can get down the <laughs> we can get down the discussion on is omission if you, I admit something am I lying that was a, a discussion with Matt Ranella but, yeah he was talking about that with Steve right he said correct. he knew of sev- several situations that Steve left out on hunts oh and and I, I I I see some of the again anybody that guides for a living or is that goes out there and and runs a lot of different hunters. You're going to see the good and the bad and the ugly, and and that's just intrinsic and intrinsic in human nature. But let me just say this one thing because this is I think this is important. Um, we we have to do number one. I think we do have a responsibility to do the best that we can. But here's the thing: as long as we are striving to the best of our ability to be honest about what's going on, and then sharing the the substantive part of the truth of the entire ordeal. We don't have to go and show the bloody, you know, you don't have to show the blood just pouring out, you know, the big, the big bolus of coagulated blood fall out of the animal's mouth. And okay, we don't need to show that crap. But some of the stuff of the reality of the hunt, the, the goods and the bads and the uglies, I think it does, it does need to be shared or it, it, let me rephrase that. I think there's a value of sharing it if it's shared in a tasteful, ethical, or an empathetic way used for an educational purpose. Um, but here's the thing. We're going to make mistakes. We're, we're going we're gonna to fall short of, of our ultimate goal. And everybody is going to always do that. I had a situation at home recently that, that I got myself in a, in, embroiled in a controversy because I, I allowed myself to be to, to, to the, the situations. doesn't matter. It, it became controversial for a bullshit reason. But... I saw where I left the door open for them to do it. Mm-hmm. And so what I, to, what I told the neighbors there, and I said, listen, I would rather people think that, I would rather make a mistake trying to help someone than make a mistake by not helping someone. And in the, in the case here, I would rather make a mistake trying to share an honest story as long again, if we're, again, I'm I'm always going to harp on, is it an empathetical representation of our interaction with that animal? I would rather make a mistake trying to show this in a good light and and help people than make the mistake of whether it's omitting stuff or you know, again, we don't have to put the graphic, but Luke 
shot, shot it in the liver. Okay, that was not that was not the point. I, hell, I've got a YouTube video of my. Well, I've got the. It, I showed the real, the full version, full version on on my website, on my the one of the last high country bulls I shot. I thought I 12 ringed him. And what it ended up being is I got a liver in one lung, the way his angle was and when he was moving. I found that bull 16 hours later and had to sneak in on him over the course, of I don't know how long, and then put another shot in him. I, I was a, an emotional wreck. I bawled like a baby. I just, and now, did I show all the details of what was going on with the bull? No, but I shared everything that I went through. And I and I I shared the whole story for that community because it was like okay this is educational. But to your point, what we talked about two days ago was I didn't put all that on YouTube yeah. because it it wasn't important for the 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 audience that could grab it from YouTube. There was more risk involved with putting it there than reward or or constructive benefit. So I I took the good version of it, the just the the gloss version, put it there. But in that video, I said, if you want to see the full version of, of all the emotional stuff that went through, come on over to my side and, and you can watch the whole thing. Let, let me pull up a hypothetical and, and we'll, we'll dissect it from there. Um, let, we'll use my wife, Amy. Amy draws a mountain goat tag. Um, and we'll say rifle, right? Let's say I just, we, we're going to do it with a rifle. Um, you get that? Are you good? No, 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 no. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Frank, probably the standard crew is going to go. Frank and I, David will film it, right? We hike in, pick another. Let's say you go. Okay, the, the, the mountain goat is in a good spot to take a shot bedded. Generally, what's going to happen, Frank and I are going to be on the spotter, and let's say you are the one coaching Amy shooting because she doesn't do well when I do it. Mm-hmm. She takes a shot. Generally, Frank and I are going to say, hit, stomach, your, your back, your back, stomach, put another bullet in, another bullet. You're going to coach her through it. Hit, liver, liver, one more, one more. Third shot's a hit. Falls down a cliff, rolls down, right? Okay, we high-five, we hug her. Should all of that be newer hunter, right? Amy's a newer hunter. She's excited. One, not once in a lifetime tag, but you, you know what I mean. But probably only going to drop once in Colorado. We're moving, whatever, if you want to make it up. Do we, do we talk about all that? Or do you cut all of it out to the third shot? Or do you not post anything because there's going to be a hundred thousand husbands watching this that their wives are going to do it. They're going to go through the same thing. Not everybody's going to be a crack shot the first time out. You're at 13,000 feet or whatever. Do we leave all that out or do we post everything and talk about every portion of that? Why did she hit right? Did we not have her on the range enough? Was she just excited and pulled? I mean, that's generally what happens. You just shank the trigger a little bit. And do we post that video to where I have to watch on a social media forum, potentially my wife getting crushed by haters or do we just leave it off because i personally would hunt down people if they were talking shit about my wife on uh (laughs) so i think (laughs) i just think in in general i think we uh as a our film team or marketing team we just need it need to now identify the purpose of the video and the message that we're going to put out going forward let's leave kafaro out of this oh okay because we know we have the possibility of people bashing us, threatening us. We're not going to buy Kafaru packs, you know, threatening all of our employees' livelihood or whatever else. Let's leave that out. No company, right? Just we're out hunting, and let's say we have some sponsors or something. I don't know. Do we post all that or do we not? My opinion? Yeah. Well, I'm asking you, yes. I th- Well, <laughs> my opinion would be you do two edits. Yeah. 
And, and again, I'm obviously I'm biased. I've been in the world of education for now. I don't know how many years, but there is a value to have that ed- educational benefit. However, from a public consumption standpoint, just the surf, the, just the Joe Schmedley that stumbles into your video, they don't care. Again, we were talking about value sets. If, if someone doesn't value facts and logic, no amount of facts and logic is going to convince them that they need to listen to facts and logic. So if someone, is th- someone takes that video and thrusts it in their eyes and they see it and they, don't, and they just want to have an emotion – Having all the nitty-gritty details is going to be lost on them anyway. It, it's not a part of their their wheelhouse and what they're going to see. They're just going to latch onto the emotion. So, in my opinion, I think you do what I just t- what I said and what we were talking about with you and and what you kind of maybe want to do in the future with your stuff. You have two evidence. You have the 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 clean, you know, just here's here's the hunt and here's what it was going blah blah blah, and you skip a lot of that version. Maybe you don't even you maybe you just have the the close up of her on the rifle shooting. And then you're like, yes, or maybe maybe you do show. Maybe there's another shot or whatever. And then you just skip to, we've got the goat. Here it is. Boo-boo, we had a successful hunt. And then you put a little thing in the end and said, if you would like to see the full version, come on over to your private page where you have to be either a subscriber or a now member. You're, or you're looking at it from the consumption of the non and anti-hunters. Both. I'm, I'm looking at it from a both, both standpoint. The non or the anti hunter is going to they're, they're going to I, I agree with emotion. everything that you're saying. What I am talking about, and I don't disagree with I mean, I agree hundred percent with what you're talking about. You're still gonna get bashed from the one edition on a social media page. Yeah, but <laughs> but but if you but if you post the clean quote unquote version on the social media page, anybody that's going to bash you is gonna be bashing you off of bullshit. Because you're not showing them anything, it, it's just it's kind of my be hyperbole. It's just be like, oh, I I think that's bullshit, but you didn't show this. You show what, man? Because because we have the second edit. Yeah. yeah. At any mo- at any moment, you can go over and you can actually watch the whole damn thing. But we're just showing this one here for everybody to be able to enjoy to to, to go along the adventure. We were talking about Donnie Vincent. We were yeah. talking about Remy Warren. Warren, it, let's go on. Let's show the adventure. Let's show that a new hunter went on this adventure and all the teamwork and everybody there to to be there for her. And yes, the adventure paid off and she was able to get this magnificent animal and all that. Now, if you want to see how the sausage was made. We'll take you back in the in the the butcher shop, and we'll we'll go into the Which, packaging plant, and we'll show you. With the but, right person, can take that video and still post it on a forum because so then you become cowed uh, because of the potential mm, blowback. And, I, and, I agree, I, but I think you're. I think it's less, and I think the vast majority of the public is going to just look at them as more bullshit than anything else. Possibly, I, I might I, be wrong. But. No, I don't. I don't. I don't know, but I would say that when you become cowed for, and this doesn't have anything to do with the goat hunt, just in general. When you become cowed to teach people what went on because of the potential blowback, there is loss in learning from that. Yeah, Meaning, but let me let me let me push back on that real quick, a little bit. I don't think it's cowed. I, I don't think I don't think you're you're castrating yourself. Let's let's not say cowed for you become yeah. scared or Correct. you castrate yourself and and the ability to 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 relay a full story because you're worried about blowback i think we have to be again because of the how's anybody going to learn to do when a gut shot, an animal gets gut shot they're going to ha- i think that's where if they are and and i'm not i'm not i'm i'm being not just the devil's advocate i'm curious cuz i've thought about this a lot lately cuz i want people how many animals are lost because they don't understand how to read where the animal got hit in the blood trail 
and how to track it. And so hypothetically, if um, we're on a mule deer hunt with you up in South Dakota and Rotier, and this just happened to me this year, my first shot, I, I wasn't a killing shot. I'd put more in it. What we did from the moment that animal hit, you would have to do dissect so much and take away so much from what you could learn rather than just showing everything. And that's public consumption. And I get that in the anti portion of it. Um, do we just give up on certain teachings um, because of the potential blowback on a, on a forum? We, we just may agree to disagree. I think you do both. I think you just have it in a different place. Yeah. I, oh, I th- no. I think, I, I think you do the clean version, quote unquote, the clean version that, that easily, oh, if, you're, if you're going to put it on YouTube or anything else, but at the end, you put that that little caveat there where there was a lot to unpack in this hunt and there's a lot of learning things. And so if you are the person that is going down the road of wanting I'm, to be a hunter, you're saying I'm disagreeing here. with you. I'm not. I'm okay. throwing this right. out in the open right. because I don't know the answer. I do know that. When you um, have less than perfect hits, there's a lot to learn from that. Oh, that, it, it, for me, I run my hunts in Kansas this way. I, I don't just – anyway, there's a lot of hands-on with me because even if you're an experienced hunter, I, I come across times where it's, it's me going out there and saying, okay, this is why we're going to do what we're going to do to recover this animal or this is what we're going to do for the sampling. Or blah, blah. And, and the, even the most experienced hunters – oftentimes come away learning something and and quite honestly and, and i'm not saying that i'm this some guru i'm just saying there are people that come to camp and i learn something from let, them let, let me rewind some more and you, don't look at this i'm disagreeing with no, you no, i'm we're, being we're, i'm yeah, being yeah, the normal good. chris Rowe. i'm throwing shit out there for people to think about <laughs> I, tell, I, um, did, I didn't bring my black hat today I, so my, we're good. a deer hunt that i was on this year with with the guiding outfit i wasn't hunting i was helping uh put an arrow into an animal archery right animal gets hit i immediately say liver guts liver guts uh, he's like, no, I think it was farther back. And I'm like, let me look, let me look. We're dissecting it. Generally, with liver guts, blood's coming out. If the onside hole was liver, you're going to see some blood. If it's guts and guts, liquid, nothing. Yep. Very easy to dissect. All right, guts and guts, you know, it's, all right, it's a gut shot. It's watery. No. And I was, I was fairly certain there was liver on the onside. And I'm like, hold on, man, hold on. So spotting scopes out, we're watching, and again, what you should do, and if you're a rookie, you do not do this shit. You just don't, because you, you learn over time. You're excited, yeah, and it looked, I mean, honestly, the, when I thought it hit the liver. So, but I was smart enough to watch it. All right, it's guts, it's guts. What are we going to do? Are we going to pull out? Are we going to come back? Are we going to come out at midnight with headlamps? What are you going to do? Well, and you and I talked about this on the last one. We're in a high coyote populated area. This deer is going to get run for four counties. Let's push it. We got to push it. The coyotes are going to eat it anyway. It's a buck. I don't worry. I'm not worried about the horns. I want the meat. Let's run it down. You run it down and you lose it. You're going to get fucking blasted. Yeah, yeah. You don't run it down and coyotes eat it. You're going to get blasted. You're going to get blasted. You're not getting around that. We're, we're humans. Do we post why we did it? And the event, I mean, you don't want to post with headlamps running across the, sure. the four, you know, but you're, that is very, would you guys agree that that would be very informational to a new guy or a new gal? Correct. I think right it, now it I just comes down to the way the story's told. Is, I think what it comes down and to told, it. story's told and it's especially now in this video that's, and it's shown. The, yes. Yeah. That's a crock of shit to a certain degree because no matter how <laughs> you tell it. What you did, you'll be yeah. judged for. I think you, I, but I th- also think just putting the content out there, you have to be uh, 
you have to be ready to take the the flack regardless even if even if it is a perfect film you're gonna get the flack so i think putting yourself out there in general if you're gonna put if you're gonna put the video out there you're you're voluntarily putting yourself into the public in the arena for criticism and you know damn well that it was not a good shot so I am guilty, or whoever, yeah. of of making a mistake, and so go ahead and three, sling but, your arrows. But here's what I'm going to do: I'm going to I'm going to put this out here for an educational educational standpoint. I'm going to be as empathetic for the critter as I can. I'm going to be as honest about showing the educational component as I can, and I will stand here and take the 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 sling, you know receive the slung arrows at me because I if we're going to put ourselves on that landscape, I think we have to be emotionally mature enough to be the leader and say, I can, I will do it. I, I will take the arrows in the back and I will shield that or I will present that just so at least those other people that are consuming it don't end up being in the in the situation I'm in. Or, now, the, the other thing too, I wanted to declare, I'm glad you brought that up because I did forget about this. Uh, I was thinking about this yesterday. Part of the criticism that may come from that is, it, it, and again, it all comes down to how you tell the story. If we're back east and we're hunting five-acre eight, 10 acre parcels. That's a hell of a lot different than you're on a private, you know, 30,000 acre, whatever, how many acres ranches you're in in Texas. If you're in a monstrous property, like some of our properties are, I can run that deer down and he's not going to leave my property. But if I'm hunting a five acre chunk, juke back the freaking hell out because I, you know, I I know I'm going to push it and it's going to go five neighbors over and it's going to die in someone's backyard. And that's going to look so there are those qualifications on when you're what your that leads into every. Yeah, that leads into everything I'm talking about. You know why? And when I talked assessing it, why I ran after it, why I didn't and in discussing it or you just get to the point where I'm at and. You just don't do shit, because yeah. is it worth it? Um, but you, but you have a wealth of knowledge that is beneficial to a lot of people. You're saying it, that, and it's going to sound extremely needle. arrogant, with about ninety percent less of a following than me. How big is your back for arrows? And how much these do days, you take before you say fuck it? Been bulking <laughs> like that. But you how notice? much? Thanks, man. Se- seriously notice. though, and and I'm not. Um, I and I hold on. I, let me I let can, me finish. I can real say quick. this from well, good. I'm not. This, I'm not crying or whining about this because obviously I'm out there for informational, you know, I want to teach people. There are certain things to a point now, it's not worth it for me. It's not worth it. And when I say it's not worth it, I'll talk about it in a seminar. I'll post a photo, you know, whatever. We'll talk about it in a podcast to a certain degree. It is not worth the effort and heartache for what I get out of it teaching someone for what I get beat up on for it, it's not worth it. And it's fucking not going to be worth it. It's not going to get any better because as many times as I've tried to help people, and others have, that it turns around and blows back on them, I'm to the point now I'm just not going to do those portions of teaching, even though I think they're the most vital because it's not worth the hate. Go ahead. And and I can understand that. (laughs) No, I I absolutely can. So to to answer your question – I do not get a lot of hate publicly. Now, granted, my my footprint on followership is not as large as yours, but I don't get a lot of hate publicly, um, which is interesting given the – it seems like the people that end up following me are just kind of a different I, – I think only because I've always been in the public sphere as an educator. I mean, that was the whole point, you know? I mean, so um, now – 
as far as being able to, to suck up arrows thrown at me, what a lot of people haven't seen the past eight years living in an environment where I have a cadre of just, like I said, the treacherous class and where I live, it's constant to where my shell has grown. Now, I'm still like you. I mean, 99% of the arrows that get slung to me, they might bounce off my back. And I'm like, fuck, I don't give a shit. But every now and then there's one that comes in, it stinks. Yeah. And, it, and it's like, <laughs> God damn, you know, to where, again, that's where I go, I'm, what I've learned is, okay, I understand where it came from. All I can say is I plead no contest because it's bullshit. It's wrong, but I can't prove otherwise. And I can see how they came to it. So I'm going to internalize them and say, I'm guilty for allowing myself to get trapped into that type of situation. So I'm going to use it as a learning curve for me. Now to you, I understand where you're coming from because, and, and I don't know this, but I, I would like to see what your reaction is. My opinion of you across your career in hunting, education and helping people has always been secondary to your passion of doing those things for your, how do I put this? You went up and started backcountry camping, hiking, um, testing gear, uh, all that stuff, because that is what you enjoy doing. You went up and started doing all your hunts and going up and just just hunt, 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 hunt. Because for you, the hunt, the adventure, the all of that thing around hunting is that is what your priority is. And while you are on that adventure, you will share information for folks because hell, people are going to ask you anyway. And so it seems to me over your career, education has increased its footprint within your sphere, but it's always been a secondary motivating factor. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Pro, for yeah. me, now for me, I'm finding myself these days having a, uh, and I, I got better this past year. I have literally not killed, now I killed my whitetails this year, uh, does, um, but I have not killed an elk in a couple years and, and I've really not killed a buck in a couple years I have always been more of an educator to the to the point where if I'm not going out for an educational purpose, I just don't go out. And so it's it's like a it's a different your underlying motivational uh so for you, it's your under, underlying motivation is you want to go hunt, you want to have that adventure, you want to spend time with friends, you want to go up and just have a good time and get your wife involved with it, your daughter involved with it if she's going to have a little one yet or what you know, grandkids later on blah blah. Education I can put that aside. It all depends on what your motivating factor is and your underlying value set for what you do. And so I can understand your point, your point of view. I would just say, don't get discouraged and throw it away. I think you're on the right track of what we talked about before of you find a different outcome. avenue yeah. to put that out there. That was the only way I've been able to wrap my head around yeah. doing don't, it was what we had discussed when I was talking to you guys about this morning. So the the thing is, and don't, I ab do. don't abandon the education. You've got a lot to give. Just rechannel oh, and, and put it in a different I'm place. I'm not going to abandon all of it, but there's some of it. It's not worth it. And it sucks that we eat our own. But like I had talked with next year, maybe guiding more um, in other areas and hunting less. Uh, just doing a couple big hunts and helping Ryan Rotier with mule deer and antelope. And then Scotty, obviously, with our thing we got going down, being able to teach people that way. The thing that, that does suck is is some of the most vital things to learn in hunting. Gear, 
is not that big of a deal. It's just what everybody wants. Fitness, that's important. People want that. Dieting, that's important. But when it comes to putting an animal on the ground and doing it, good shot, bad shot, breaking the animal into pieces, what meat's still good, what's bad, there's a nasty side to that. And that nasty side, I don't want to fucking deal with with the public anymore because it is not worth it. And, and when I say that, you shoot an animal and you there's some bone spoilage. You don't find it overnight. Is the meat still good? I mean, and this happens every day, and we're in la-la land that it doesn't. You shoot an animal, how long is that animal going to sit there before the meat's bad? Okay, you gut shot animal, right? We talk tracking. All of those things, there's a nasty side to that. I'm not willing to fuck with it anymore. It's it's not worth it. To but me. you've been but you've been throwing all of that into the public sphere, not knowing who's down there wanting to to chew on it. What I'm saying and what I and maybe this is maybe this is why mine is a little different. I've never really done that. I did that a little bit on the forums and we talked about the app and all that. And I in 2010, I abandoned that and I went to the subscription-based model. So if you want to consume my material, well, we, we talked you about already that. have a value set and you're coming through my door rather than me just throwing it on I, your everything I on your porch. I don't so know about subscription-based, but what we were talking about doing is making it to where if you you have to put some effort to come you're gonna, and find yeah it. you're going to have to have a threshold you're going to have to ha you, there's going to have to be buy in coming through not monetarily because if you just say well it's just inside this room here everybody in their freaking Joe Schmedlier is going to come through there but if yeah. you say it's it's 5 bucks 10 bucks 25 bucks or whatever the I, haters are going to be I, like I'm not spent I'm not going to give him any goddamn money well good I stay the freaking hell out there I don't want to charge for this that's not I don't want to do that um Whatever your threshold is, it needs to be something that they have buy-in. Because it is, it is, it is Skin important. Yeah, it is important that the ugly parts get talked about. And when I say I'm not willing to do it, I'm not willing to do it on a, um, a place that would reach the most people at one time. Because it also reaches people that are going to find a way to bitch Frank your smile. What are you thinking? Oh, I'm just thinking... I think people are a lot more likely to tell you something, tell you about something they don't like than they do. But like the uh, goat film, for instance, we oh, had hundreds a, we of had, messages. Yeah, that were we good. had a lot of of bad feedback initially, um, but after we posted the the podcast about it, yeah, hundreds of messages came through. It could have been thousands. Yeah. I, I got hundreds easy yeah. and just like keep doing what you're doing. You know, I, I'm a silent supporter. Blah blah blah. You know, yeah. all this and that, which we really appreciate and didn't really even realize those people were out there, but. It's just like you're coming back to what Chris was saying, like human nature. People are more likely to, to whine about something than, than give you positive feedback. Let's, let's get off the, the negative side of this. Let's talk about the good side of what I'd like to talk about and, and don't as much. Um, and, and this is real-world, everyday shit. Ass shots. What do you do, right? You get, I mean, and I, I want to get to the important shit here. Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm starting at the back of the body and working forward. When you get back there, and uh, how many times have you been guiding and somebody shot something in the ass? Uh, not, we're not, not the Texas heart shot. No, I've, no, I've had him hit him, hit him in the back. Anywhere in, I mean, let's not, don't, let's not turn this into a thousand dollar microwave. Ass, cheeks, leg, oh, in yeah, the yeah, back. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. How yep. many fucking tutorial videos are there of what to do on an ass shot? Z what, zero maybe? And how many shots every season does somebody hit something in the ass? Or, or, or the example of two days ago where, the, where you hit lower shank, lower, lo lower legs and, and really get so. But we're starting at yeah, the, yeah. this is why I said ass. We're starting right. at the back of the bus. All right, working our way up. 
That's yeah, no. 50 per, well, that's 33.33% of the animal. Yeah, and, 33%. And right. No one talks about it. How many animals do you think are lost by guys that hit that portion and don't know what to do? Oh, a hell of a lot more than a lot of people are willing to admit. That's my point. And so because of what we deal with, Agreed. we are not able to talk about that, and that fucking kills me. We are. You just have to do it in a dip either. Have a, you done it? Have no, you talked it, no, about be, it? Then how do you know? Be, because it's, <laughs> my entire website's based off of education. The issue is- Is, is it you educational to, ass shots? Because that might change the fucking well, flavor of the soup. Well, the, the issue, well, we, we'll see what I've got. I'm going to change the nature of my whitetail stuff, where it's you know, Western you. Plains whitetails. Where, but that's the thing. If- I, I think it's a valid discussion. For me, it never hit the radar screen because I never have. I don't have a lot of it that happens. But you know, I had an elk hunter in Arizona that one year. I mean, shanked the shot and hit him in the back leg and blew a chunk of bone out of his freaking back leg. And then we, I mean, the the bull just kept on going after his cows. It's like, how are you even walking? Yeah. And and so, but anyway, no. To your point, think I think it's valid. How informational would that be? It for is, four... but you don't throw that on YouTube and show all the sausage making. But but I'm not. That, I already said that. That's no, not I going know. to the happen. The crazy thing about it is, like, you could say if you did post the video, it would be better to show a diagram of an animal and where the shot hit, hit. and actually show Correct. the that, actual shot. Yeah, exactly. It's how you tell. Yeah. It's how you tell the story. But as as uh, as as hunters and in 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 if you're an educational type person, and and I have changed a lot over the last ten years, um, or twenty or whatever. The questions I get and that I see on Q&As and messages are guys scared to death, rightfully so, because if you post that on a forum to try to get info, you're, you're going to get blasted. I mean, it's how it is. If you could have a place, do you remember when I did the 3D target with the arrow angles? Yeah. I, I had approached that as this is like uh, talking to your kids about safe sex and premarital sex. You're not condoning it. But if you're going to do it, I want you to know the repercussions and if you're, safety. If you're going to go down that road, here's how you do it a little safer. Yeah, so I did a 3D from frontal shots all the way around. For the most part, it was good, right? Uh, but I got some hate mail about it. I'm condoning different angles. Yeah, and Yeah, and I didn't care. You know, it is what it is, but... I would really like to, and in the course of a season, if you're seeing 100 to 200 animals hit the ground, all the, you know, pinwheel shots don't really, you don't learn a lot from those. It runs a little ways, it falls over. Be able to go on a step-by-step basis from every possible scenario and document that. 100%. I would like to do that. And I was giving you shit earlier, when it's when it's a subscription base, that, that weeds out the some bad people. Correct. Right. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna weed out but almost every hater because no one the hater isn't damn I'm not gonna give you a dime. Good. Stay the freaking hell out in the you know in it. I don't know, Jerry, what your thoughts on this are, but um I I would I don't want to charge people for this info. You know, I don't I don't want to do that. But I do want to be able to help people out on those different scenarios and aspects because I would say and I'd be interested to get your thought process on this. Probably the most overlooked thing is animal anatomy and blood trailing. One hundred percent. And I was, and I'm glad you said that because what I was going to uh, add on to what you're saying, people can 
uh, be haters and bitch and complain about, you know, condoning all this, that, and the other thing. For me, two, this, I had two hunters this past year that are very well-accomplished hunters. Uh, one of them is somewhat new, but, I mean, he's very, very, very accomplished. And then another guy that hunts all over the world that came out to hunt with me. Both of the animals that were taken were a quartering shot. One was archery, and it was quartering two, or excuse me, excuse me, one, the archery one was a quartering away shot, and then the rifle shot was a, a hard quartering two angle. Both of those individuals always thought, okay, the, the common, if it's, a, if it's a quartering, well, no, no, not if it's quartering. The, the common uh, statement is hold behind the shoulder, hold behind the shoulder. Always just, you know, hold tight behind the shoulder. Which now, is not what correct. <laughs> what, not if it's if they're broadside, yes. But if they're quartering, no. Dude, and I have so, had clients beside me, corner and two, and I'm like, all right, shoot it right between the neck or the, the shoulder blade the and the neck. chest. Yep. Yeah, neck. Yep. And they're like, What? And yep. I'm like, shoot it now. Shoot it now. Yep. Where again? And I'm like, Shoot it in the front of the shoulder, and how and and (laughs) you and I are sitting there like, how is this difficult? Just, just where's the heart? Where's the body cap? Put the put the arrow, put the bullet through the. But they are so programmed to hold behind the shoulder that so which is at best liver, at best, and generally it's guts. At best, exactly. (laughs) Or or in the case of this archery, he hit a little. The the deer reacted and he hit a little high. Caught that thing square in the back strap, right above the hip bone. Yeah, and it just and he was mortified, and I'm like, okay, listen, you're talking with the angle of that animal, you're talking just literally plus or minus a couple inches. So if the animal was broadside, you would have just smoked him. But because he was quartering the way he was, yeah, just an inch or two off is it throws that arrow completely out of the ballpark. And same with the rifle hunter. Yep. The rifle hunter, I asked him, I, 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 he's using this freaking. It doesn't matter what he's using. He, when he shot that deer, that should that thing should have just pile drive. So he says, "Boom, I got him." I'm like, "All right, I'm on my way." And he's like, "Yeah, it, it ran off." And as soon as he said it ran off, I'm like, "What do you mean it ran off?" Because he showed me, he told me how it was facing him. It, it should have just the, the impact with a, with the if he had held in the front of the shoulder at the neck, it should have just with a I don't know a seven millimeter mag or seven millimeter out eight or whatever. It, it should have just dropped him at a, like a hundred yards. So. I get up there and I'm like, all right, how was he facing? Where was he? How did he come in? Okay, where did you hold? I held right behind the shoulder. And as soon as he said that, I'm like, so we've got a liver and a gut shot. And sure enough, that's what it ended up being. Is and and I now that's the interesting thing is it was a liver and gut shot. We found the deer. It only ran like 60 yards. And the interesting thing was is when I gutted him out, opened him up, there was not a whole, there wasn't anything in the liver. There was the liver was completely intact and fine. I was like, how, how did this thing tip over? Yeah, it the bullet went right through the artery that feeds into the liver. The liver. Yep. And so that de- that deer was stone cold dead in a seconds, seconds. But again, if you don't talk about these things, and that was literally one of it's going to be. You know, you don't. You said about ass shots. No, that didn't hit my radar screen. But for Western Plains whitetails, that is going to be a discussion on my side of the equation because we've got more and more hunters coming out. It, it's exactly what you said with a mountain goat. You've got a world class mount, or you've got a once in a lifetime tag, and the the goat is out there four hundred and fifty yards. Do you take the shot? Okay, you can bitch and complain or, or be critical of that scenario if you want. But okay, here we have a, a beautiful mid one forties to you know 
doesn't matter, a trophy buck standing at 100 yards quartering. Do you even know how to take that shot? Or yeah. are you going to sh- are you going to you know hold behind the shoulder and liver and gut shoot that animal? It's only 100 yards, but you still gut shot the animal because you didn't this is where the educational component comes in and where again depending on how the story and the, and the educational component is relayed and the empathy shown to the animal is, is relayed, you can either take the haters and say, shut the fuck up, or you could say, I understand where you're coming from, but let's go down this road and have an honest discussion, intellectual discussion here, so that way, if you're upset about it, I think it's okay, that's fine, we can have, we can come at this discussion from two different value sets, but the benefit of having a constructive professional discussion is that those people that do have the integrity that want to learn will come out better at the other end no and i gotta i'm gonna hop we're gonna pause this here in a sec i'm gonna hop on this meeting shouldn't take me more than 10 minutes i think the route that with everything we've said or whatever so nothing's taken out of context i think the best thing for what i'm wanting to do and dissect maybe into more of the ugly portion of it is set up a separate website and i don't want to charge for it to where i can be have a safety factor not because i you know I, haters are haters but so it's not lost um the the general value of the conversation isn't lost in bullshit there is no haters it is all constructive dialect to where you can get on and have somebody say man that happened to me this is what i did and it worked you know what i mean you can then, you can then talk go, then i tell you what go to your meeting let's let's knock that out because i've got some ideas i i, I understand where you're coming from but I, I think I may have a solution for you that you can consider, but yeah. Okay, I'll be back in a minute. We are back with snacks, and um, I had to hop on a Zoom call there real quick. I'm not sure where we ended up exactly, but I think it was talking mm-hmm. about being able to get more informational, uh, the informational side of the potentially maybe dirty side of finding an animal or breaking it down and uh, keeping it, where people can still learn, but not having to interrupt some of that with unneeded comments and things like that. Just keep it as informational and as positive as it can be. Talking about maybe bad hits, blood trailing, things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And really, the, uh, the conversation ended where what you were talking about is you wanted to have a place. You, you felt, A, we both agreed that it's important that that type of stuff it, is shared. My argument was it needs to be in a platform both of us, we agreed that it needs to be in a platform where uh, a different platform than just thrown out in the in the public uh, sphere. Now, what I said is, in my opinion, if you're going to have that type of platform, a different uh, website or whatever, you're going to need a threshold. There, there's going to have to be some way of gatekeeping on keeping the haters out and the people that you want in there coming in. Um, you can do that in a number of different ways, but you know, you said you don't want to have to have people pay for it. Well, consider this. The, the paywall type of deal is is nice because it's an easy self-regulating. You don't have to you don't have to have Gerald or anybody else, you know, vetting people as they come through the door. A lot of times if you have to pay a five, ten, whatever bucks to come through the door, people are going to self-regulate. Your haters aren't going to give you a dime. All right. So to your point, you what I hear you saying you you're saying well I don't you know I don't want to have to be have people pay, have to pay for it well okay what if you just take what if you have a and I'm not saying this is what you do but what if you 
took that paywall, so to speak, the money that's generated off that paywall, depending on what your what how many people come through that door and how much money is generated, you turn around and you say, okay, then we'll do a drawing and and you'll pay for a deer hunt down on Tapo, or you'll you know you turn around and say, hey, there's a conservation project going on and we're gonna take that money and we're gonna dump it over there for you know to sponsor you know five ladies to go to a, a hunt camp and learn blah blah take that money. You don't have, I mean, obviously you're, you're doing well. You don't need to have that money doing stuff in your pocket, turn around and use it as a scholarship, use it as a platform to help promote the educational stuff that you want to do. You know what I mean? Parlay that into a, a secondary layer, uh, or benefit to the people that actually do come through the door. No, I think it's a good idea as I'm stuffing my face. Um, I I think that would work in, uh, on on and, and as you've talked about, you know, over the years or whatever, obviously the the adventure hunting has been primary, and then you know the educational secondary. And I've always obviously you know had educational. Yeah, it's it's, it? it's it's like hands a, out there, but yeah, your adventure is is one point oh, and your your education is like one point two. It's just, it's just a it's a it's a it's a close sub it's a subset, but it's it's close. And as time's gone on, like I think that. The more the larger platform I get, the more I see, and the more I see helps me steer a boat in a certain direction. And it's easy to talk about photography, right? There's nothing, nothing. There's no. It's neg- really not controversial. Yep. Um, Aeroflight and broadheads really still not that controversial, but you know, I mean, it is what it is. Common sense kind of dictates when it comes to um, taking the life of an animal. And how you've done it and what you did from A to Z, there's a lot of controversy in that. And so I, w- being on forums for so long and seeing there's a lot of very hypocritical people on there that aren't maybe in the reality of um, w- what actually happens at, at times, right? Like, you know, the, what, what the, the down and dirty of, of being on the side of a mountain or in a tree stand you know, things, things happen and, and you don't want to give antis ammo by any stretch, but you also want people to be able to learn and learning the hard way does kind of suck. You do learn, um, you know, better when you learn the hard way, but you also want to make sure, sh- or I would like to, I don't know how many zoom, uh, FaceTime blood trails I was involved in last year of people. I have no idea who they are, but a lot, um, where they showed me and I'm like, did you bump it? Yep. You're probably not going to find it, bro. Like, I'm yeah. sorry. I, I don't, how big's your property? Whatever. Oh, it, it's, it was an elk. He went uphill. Yeah. You're in trouble. Uh, you know what I mean? Just yeah. things like that. Or, oh, he's yeah. not feeling bad. He's going to go a long way. Yeah. Or hang back, give him some time. You know, you bumped him with a liver hit. Still probably not going to go more than another couple hundred yards. Right. I haven't seen too many liver, yeah. hit, you know, where they don't know. Right. If you haven't hit an animal in the liver, you you don't know. And you can't Google. I mean, you could. Who knows what you'll find on the side of a mountain? Google liver hit bull. Who knows what will pop up? But being able and the, to. And, and in that, who knows what's going to pop up? Who knows what the quality of what pops up is going to pop up? Yeah. Yeah. That you don't even know if you want to follow it. And so, you know, having that uh, ability like you talked about where maybe you do have to pay uh, to cross the toll road, you know, or to, to cross the bridge. Um, and you donate it back or, or you do giveaways or whatever, um, would be good. I just blood trailing and bad shots aren't talked about a whole lot. And when they are, it's really like not constructive. And so 
again, anytime you and I've talked about this, we said the same thing. Like, oh, yeah, you want to do this. Or, oh, yep, back, or whatever. Most people, well, I would say the time to go after a gut shot animal in comparison to a intestine shot animal is even different. I will push the issue far quicker with an intestine shot animal than I will from a straight gut bag punch. With the intestines, I've heard people say gray matter, there's more damage, they, they hit la-la land quicker. Um, probably going to die quicker. I'm not saying charge after them in 20 minutes, but in compared to a stomach hit animal. Now, if you've never hit an animal in the stomach or the intestines and had to watch it because you can't push it because you may lose it, it's a bad, I mean, it's not, it's not great, not pleasant. No, it's not pleasant at all. But for those of you that have had, and again, the dirty side of this, this isn't even going to be probably a well-perceived portion of this podcast, but it's very real and it happens every year. When you've had to sit there and watch that, you learn a lot. It's not something you want to learn again. You only need to learn it once. But... Oh, yeah, yeah. You're, you're going you're gonna to have plenty of time to reflect on your actions. Yeah, and, and what, you know, and if you, if you hunt a lot or you guide or you do both, you may have that happen four times in a year where you might be able to get eyes on that animal and watch what it's doing and how quick you could go after it. What it did, right? And how quick coyotes got on it, which is another thing that is a very real world. I mean, you want to say you back off 400 yards and watching the binos of what this thing's doing and coyotes hit it in 35 minutes. I don't think people realize how fast coyotes can come on an animal. And what's more important, not just that, how far they push them. There you go. And that was, and, that was just going to be my follow-up. Yeah. So you hit a liver shot and a coyote gets on that animal. It just went from a... 75 to 200 yard, I'm, it's going to bed up and it's not happy, to two miles. They'll run. I mean, they, they, they run like their life depends on it because they, it does. It does. And so that's another thing. All right, did you find hair where it was bedded? Yeah. Well, something bit it, right? I mean, I mean, little little keys. Is there coyote tracks every coyote? Okay. You think I'll find it? Grit out, man, but it's, I don't want to give you false hope, but, but that's going to be a tough one. They could have pushed it. Don't go off of what the animal should have done sick. Go off of that animal should have done to survive to survive with coyotes behind it. One of them is rivers. You may be a, a gut shot or a liver hit. He may not go the 600 yards to the river. He may bed before that. You put coyotes behind him, he's, coming to the, he's going to the river quick, like fast. And so I'd like to be able to teach that and not get bashed over it. <laughs> I... I think the only way you do that is exactly what you're talking about is, is have a different platform. Number one, it's going to have to have a threshold of, you're going to have to have skin in the game to come through the door. You, there's going to be some motivating factor so that just the haters don't come through, but still remember if you're voluntarily putting yourself out there in the public forum, however, that public forum is structured, you are putting yourself out there, quote unquote, to some level of risk of criticism. And you just have to be, have the emotional maturity and 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 experience you're, to be able to weather that criticism. You're losing my point on this. No, no, no. I, no, I'm I'm with you. I, I see the value. No, no, that's not it. I don't care about the criticism. It's that nothing is learned in the middle of it. No, no, I, I know, I know, I <laughs> yeah. know. I, yeah, all right. Yeah, no, I can get around the crit. I mean, obviously, I can get. A, I'm still here, right? Um, I can get around the criticism. It's when it's not worth it because nothing is learned from it. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I would like to be able to... It becomes an exercise in arguing rather than an exercise in learning. Learning. Yeah, exactly. And when I say that, 
if you've hunted for 20 years and you've never wounded an animal, I don't know anyone like that, but you've been really lucky. Um, or you just haven't killed anything. Shit happens, right? I mean, there's no way around it. And I think that, um, through the course of, of time, um, Jerry, this year, did you wound anything? This year. (laughs) Last year? What year did I hunt with the stick bow? Okay. Exactly. Stick bow, whatever. Would you say at a, at any time you or any of your friends could have used help in blood trailing, having hit something and you just didn't know what the animal was going to do? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Um, well, it's two. Was it last year? Or two years ago, I hit a buck. Um, would have been my biggest one. I hit it. I think high in the shoulder. Took off, no blood, and I. I mean, I had no idea what to. I mean, if you've seen where mom lives, those yeah. thick trees. Um, so it was just. No blood, trying to follow tracks, and, and uh, yeah, I mean, just not having the experience of, you know, blood trail and stuff like that. Yeah, well, and, and we don't need to cover this too, too much more. I think we've we've made kind of the point or, or discussed this enough that, um, you know, on, on my side of the fence, I just want to help people not lose animals, and I don't want to get beat up in the middle and then them get nothing from it. Right. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, you run into gunfire to save your buddy and you take up a couple rounds yourself and you both come out alive. It's a victory. But if you go in there and you get shot, too, well, fuck. Right. Nothing good came out of that. Generally, on a lot of public forums, the bad is going to outweigh the good or or when I say good, it turns into such a shit show other than comical value. No one's going to read it anyway. And and this has nothing to do with a goat hunt. This is just life in general. And seeing amount, a large amount of animals hit the ground and, and what what they did at that time, I thought I knew what I was doing 15 years ago. I know nothing 15 years ago compared to what I know now. Correct. And you see more animals hit the ground, you learn a lot more. And so I, 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 would, like to, I would like to be able to convey that message and teach people to the best of my knowledge and have other people on. I mean, there's nothing better than having two guys discuss this that have both seen a lot of, or having two, Elk callers, you and pick another one, discuss back and forth uh, your techniques and and sequence calling in a bull. You know, you, well, you and I did a a seminar, which you got, it was hilarious. It was funny. That thing's still getting views, man. Yeah, that thing's viewed a lot. You, in the, what, first 30 minutes, were talking about how to kill a big bull. Well, ish, ish. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. in the middle of it, I just said, who's going to shoot the first uh, bull that walks in front of them? I, what, everybody, but probably two Correct. people raised their hand. And I said, well, I'm going to tell you how to kill that bull. Yeah. And as a kind of a joke, but also true. Um, He's submarined you. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> was, what the yeah. funny part was, is because we, we went into it. We had a great, he was going to talk gear and all that type of stuff. And I was going to call, talk, talk, talk Colin. And, and he jumps in. He's like, all right, this is what I do for Colin. I'm like, motherfucker, what the f- what are you doing? <laughs> it was it was comical, and it was standing room only in that yeah, building. Was. There was people sitting on targets. All, and... Well, all the way to the back, the storage room in the back. Yeah. I mean, they were down the hall. The that thing, was awesome. The thing was, is when you're calling, we'll get off the other stuff. When you're talking about calling, I am not heavily reliant on calling. I'm he- heavily reliant on making an occasional call at the right time um, to get me closer to the animal, but I am not. Sometimes you are right when you hit that circle of life and they're coming in screaming. You're, but in general, I just want to find where they are, get a little closer, not blow them out, and then get in and shoot them. Um, so 
The thing is, is calling in a raghorn is much different than calling in a herd bull. Very rarely do you cold call a dominant bull in or even a mature bull. You can cold call a mature bull in, but more than most likely a spike comes in and then a raghorn and generally somebody shoots it. Um, again, if Aaron is in, if Aaron was in in camp, yes, it, yeah. there's there's an animal dead, and we're packing it out before the bo- the big bull actually shows up. Well, and it's funny. So two years ago, um, when I had this tag, uh, the one you asked me about, oh, okay, I was trying to shoot a, I mean, a, a big bull, and I had passed up a lot of the. I should have shot some elk that I did not shoot. Um, one was a three by five that was probably five years old that I just didn't oh, shoot. Cool bull, uh, yeah, yeah, Character very cool. Bull. Mike Hearn called it in, um, but there was a 360 bull about 40. Honestly, compound in my hand, done deal, right? Had a stick bow in my hand, so it's at 14 yards just looking because it's trying to find Mike. Mike's behind a root wad, and then it just, <laughs> show yourself bark. Yeah. And and there's two barks. People don't understand this. One's is show me, show me the money bark. It's like saying, hey, show yourself, and one's I'm getting the fuck out of Dodge. One you can deal with. The other one you're probably not gonna have great success with and so that bark mike hit the ground because he thought it was the herd bull and did exactly what he should have done he started making distance because he thought it just wasn't close enough to me so mike low crawls down the mountain behind that root wog trying to pull it in what he didn't know is the herd bull had 30 cows yeah that was his satellite yeah you gotta you gotta call the entire group. he didn't know they were up there he just was trying you know he's doing what what you can do with limited knowledge you have sounds good so this bull's 12 14 yards five minutes it it, five minutes it barks mike hits the ground herd bull doesn't care what's going on he's got all the cows in the world now i could have launched the 78 yard bomb which i probably would have done with a compound but instead i had to wait i would say the pri the 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 um most people are going to shoot that first bull coming to Colorado. Oh right? yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially and, if he's standing there and vocalizing in front of him. Yep. Yeah, and and that's there's nothing wrong with that. And I ninety nine point nine every time, but that time I would have shot that bull. I was just trying yeah, to shoot right. a bigger bull than the one I shot the year before. Sure. Um, when you're calling elk, I always bring it up to the bar scenario, which you may have to edit some of this out. If you have got game in a bar, um. And when I say a bar, club, whatever, and 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 you generally are not unless you're both heavily inebriated. That's me getting ready. Um, not going to. Well, you're going to agree with all this because it's the number one thing people do too much. If a chick walks up to you in a bar and screams, "I'm going to get in trouble." Screw uh, you, screw. Screw me in a hole that I don't talk about frequently. You are probably going to be at the very least nervous. What the hell she said that for, and why? Yeah. And yeah. so when you are the caller that's going, yeah, yeah, there's going to be some crazy ex girlfriend shit going on where that bull is like, that's not normal, right? You, you gotta, you, you gotta caress the woman, right? You can't just blow on a. What do you, uh, estrus, whatever you call it, uh, the excited cow call, the <laughs> mew, what, whatever I mean, it is. I, I crucify that because that's bullshit. Anyway, What's no. that? Oh, there the is est- no, there is no estrus Excited, call. there is an excited cow yeah, call. Yeah, um, yeah. people and, talk about it all the time. Yeah, well, no, I mean, I've heard it. There is a higher pitched cow call that bulls will come to a cow, but there is also, they'll just come to a cow just meh, mewing, right? I mean, there's cow talk. And again, I'm going to, in a minute, you're going to do your thing, but- 
it is more important to not call, in my opinion, than make the wrong call. Not calling, the elk are still there. Correct. And they're not alert. The wrong call, not only do they know you're there, it changes the behavior. This is how I've been able to kill elk. It's not becoming a Chris Rowe and a professional master caller. It's to know when to shut the fuck up. And and knowing I may not make the right call or playing the safe bet. Yeah. Meow, meow, meow. You know, just, oh, let me come over and take a look what's going on here. I can tell you I've seen more elk run away from a, whatever you call it, estrus call or a excited cow call. What other people say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Than, than what, than them come in. Correct. Um, Because literally it would be like you walking into a, a, a bar and have someone just screaming out of the blue that you've never met. Take me home. Yeah, right now, right now, it, yeah. or that's what that's what people say it is. And it, yeah, there's so much that yeah. Don't go into too much depth, but take it from here. No, it, it, I talk. Jeez, oh, Pete, I've got volumes of discussion on this. You know, there it, the estrus call. There is no such thing from an elk's world. Now, the vocalization that you're talking about, you know, whether you want whatever you want to call it, I, I don't mind when people you know claim you know you know call it that so to speak the issue that i have with it is because the interpretation of it and, and people get uh wrapped around the axle of what it means and then they don't use it appropriately but that's what i call the selfish muse selfish scream or whatever no it's a it's an absolute legit vocalization and quite honestly you actually hear it more during the summer it's just a cow that's desperate to contact another member of the herd Needs or attention calf. yeah it's exactly it and so yes and during the rut if you want to use that vocalization sure it, it absolutely is going to garner attention but you're absolutely right it's not a common vocalization on the landscape. So you start getting out there and yelling it, you better be you better be using it in the right context, number one. And you better be on the right chunk of realist you better have your setup correct. I'm wait, I'm gonna stop you here so people listening in, especially guys that haven't hunted elk a lot for the bar scene in comparison. Because no, there's people it, yeah, listening yeah. in right now saying, I've blown that estrus call and they come screaming. Correct. The thing is, is my yeah. scenario, and I just, because I've this has been taken very well. If you're both sober and the lady's screaming at you, you're not, and she, or excuse me, if the lady's drunk and you're sober and she's screaming at you, in her mind it's normal, your mind you're scared. If you're both drunk, which would be you're both ruddy, it works better. Go ahead. From Cor- correct, yeah. correct. My what I was getting at is is a lot of people want to associate it with what you're talking about with your bar bar scene. Yeah. It, it from an elk standpoint, that's not what it's actually doing. But if but again, you're it right. Just, yeah, it just gets a point it, across. It, it, exactly. Yeah. So um and and yeah, you're right. I mean, I I've got a chunk of discussion on this on the elk hunting institute, the elk module on my side of the the, the website. Um. But to your bar scene type of deal, the, the other thing, the reason why I love that discussion that comes up, and we don't have to dive deep dive into that discussion, but, you know, everybody loves to, to go to the bar scene type of deal, but completely forgets the entire dynamic of what, and you just alluded to, how you are and your disposition in that bar. If you're with your girlfriend or maybe you're trying to pick up a girl or that girl is with another guy and everybody wants to talk about the testosterone side of the bar scene, you know, you, you brought in an interesting side of, of the, the, the crazy woman, you know, but everybody jumps in on the bar scene and, and quote unquote going after that testosterone, you know, philosophy, but 
everybody forgets all of the other behavior that's in there. Cause there's so many people who are like, Oh yeah. If someone comes up there and, and says, you know, I, I want to screw your woman or, you know, I, I you know, Oh, I, I'd fight him. No, you wouldn't. So you know, Dan, you know, damn well, you wouldn't. Let's, let's, uh, bring that into the numbers. When you have a high bull to cow ratio, in my opinion, and I would argue this to the end, they don't want to fight. There's too many bulls. <laughs> they got three cows, and they're happy with those cows. So if, especially when you're in a unit that now where where we're talking, you have a, a mix, or where what you were just mentioning, you have a good age a mix of age class. But where the average hunter is hunting on over the counter unit, you're dealing with two and a half year old bulls. Yeah. You're, you're or three and a half year old bulls. But, they're younger age class. No, they don't. Talking about the big dynamic of. Who's got a high test drop? Who's a badass? Yep. Who's a, so? Just because you're a big bull doesn't necessarily mean you're Not the baddest all. in the bunch. In fact, I've seen five by six, six year old bulls crush a three and a half year old three forty bull. Just destroy. I mean, the bull won't even fight. I mean, he just runs away. So, as you said, if you've got, if you're a, I'm not going to put a job behind it. You are a less than intimidating man. Sure. But you got game, you got money, and let's say you're slinging a yard of cock, and you've got a hot-ass girlfriend or a wife, and some neo-Nazi Cro-Magnum-looking fucker comes up and wants to... He's not fighting. He's getting the fuck out of the bar, and he's taking what he's got, or he will lose it. Or he'll get get embarrassed. Correct. Now, here's the the thing that people don't understand. Let's use your example. Let's... and, And I have no problems doing this. Let's look at you and I, okay? You have a hell of a lot more strength than I do. You have a much more aggressive look to you than I do, right? So if if I'm sitting in in the bar with my wife or whatever, girlfriend, whatever, if I'm sitting in the in the bar with my wife, and you come in, and you're all jacked up or whatever, and you look at my wife, she's like, "I'm taking you home." I might want to verbally, you know, address you. Yes, but. If especially if you're ramped up, if you're drunk or if you're on drugs or whatever, if you're or just either you're just jacked up, you've had a good day or whatever, and you're rocking. It's unlikely that in a physical confrontation, I'm going to now you might get hurt, but I'm probably going to lose the physical confrontation. Here's the issue, though. No one ever thinks about the woman. Yeah. My wife is there with me. And so if you come in or some other jackass comes in and starts making a pass at my wife and talking inappropriately to my wife, how many of our spouses or our girlfriends are going to be like, oh, okay, honey, never mind. I don't like you anymore. I'm going to go with this Only jackass. Only the ones in the first scenario I talked about, the yeah, crazy ones. Which, yeah. which exactly <laughs> raise more red flags than what yep. – yeah. So a lot of times what people don't understand is the, the personality behind the bulls is one thing. But if a bull already is with cows, you are most of these guys are overlooking the fact that the behavior of the cows are going to d- dictate it. How many of our wives and girlfriends are going to be like, "This is a bunch of bullshit. We're out." I'm or or I'm out of here, and sh- they leave. So I just say, let's talk about that. And uh, uh, even uh, uh, watching elk is something I've done a lot of, and the more I listen to you, the more I I pay attention, um, especially earlier in the years, because you knew how much I was in the field. Correct. One of the things was the first time I heard the estrus call in fucking June. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh, Chris was right. Damn it. Yeah. And Damn or, or blankety, blankety. yeah, no, no, I didn't care. I mean, I, I was never against what you said. I was no, just I, like, yep, yeah, <laughs> I certainly heard that in June. So as the rut, and this is deer or elk, come on, 
you can watch, especially when you watch these tame ones around here, because you're seeing yeah, which is awesome, true dynamics of a herd. Yep, which I think is better to learn, and then you just kind of reinvent the wheel when you head into the public land. But you will see a cow that is tails up and <laughs> gotten like she's she's getting close. She generally has already chosen her bull. Hundred um, percent. And when I say generally, you can see it with a human eye. You're watching. Like, Correct. Okay. So. And and most with, and most of the time, like you said, already it's probably been several weeks. She's already identified which bull she's she's I, willing I, to be around. I I haven't watched him enough for for that to sure. even speak on it. But I have watched that. Uh, you know, as far as just size, didn't matter. She was nope. with a mature bull, but another bigger bull chasing her, chasing her, wearing himself out, and that other bull didn't do a whole lot of defense with that. I mean, he'd run a little bit or whatever. Well, what was amazing, if you watched long enough, no matter who came, that bull bred her. Yeah, and it, it, people discount. It, it, that's the thing that I, the thing that, and you know this, the thing that separates running resources and what I teach from everybody else is I do not focus on testosterone. I don't, I don't play to the testosterone. I want to understand the female component. I, I understand both sides, but I actually will utilize more of the female behavior and component because a lot of times that is, most of the time, that's what is the fundamental driver of everything that you let's, see on the landscape let's do a hypothetical and uh and we're going to keep the wind out of this because that's what sure. blew this up we get to our camp our bivy camp where we have some food stashed and there's a herd below us i mean a i don't know how much was down there but a lot so we i you know I, i'm not knowing exactly what to do because you don't run into that very often Oh, there's seven bulls screaming, and I can hear Outside what excited camp. cow calls, and we're three miles in. But I mean, we're like they're like 300 yards below us. So, do you sneak in? Out of the question. We're in an aspen grove. You're not sneaking into shit. Too many eyes. Do you call them in? Well, mm -hmm. what call do you make? A first thing in the history of mankind. Reef on the bugle as loud as you can, and the S testosterone. <laughs> that shit does not work in a high bull to cow rate. It doesn't work. I no, mean, they'll stand. That, that's the thing is, people. They'll uh, talk keep, to you. Keep going. Keep so, going, man. And I, I'm only saying this, and I'm sure there's people listening where something worked. I'm just saying, sure. in general, um, I'm going to give two scenarios, and I'll take give it to you. This one, we just did a little bull, just a little bugle, a little cow call, let, you know, some calf talk, and the whole herd came. Yeah. Now, the wind changed and they blew out, but we did not do anything aggressive. I didn't honk on that bugle like it was money. We just literally, just like a standard, we're here. And then I, you know, and then uh, Mike, calf, cow, calf, calf called, just herd talk. Yeah. Nothing aggressive. They just were like, oh, there's other elk over here. And they worked their way to us. They were calling at the same time. They just... 300 yards, and might as well check it out. And, and who knows? They may have already been working their way to you, and what you ended up inadvertently doing is sounding like a chunk of the, that existing herd had already made it up to up that there. saddle or bench or wherever you were, and they're like, oh, okay, they're up there already. Let's go. That's the safe for me. That's the safe bet. Yeah. When in doubt, neutral calls. Yeah. Let me go back to the Goliath bull and this SF dude I met on the mountain. We are calling in, and I had said multiple times, the guy I was hunting with, we do not – scream at these giant bulls when they have cows we just we are not going to do that other than communication but not the challenge the, bugle, yeah, challenge. The dominant, or the yeah, yeah exactly yeah. display bugles and all whatever people could say yeah so it was working he had 15 cows and he was 380 yards out and he'd gotten down to maybe 100 he was coming slowly he was just 
working his way. He had to go into timber anyway. Sure. We were in timber. He was in an open, it's this giant meadow. And uh, it, he, we would have killed him. I mean, he was coming. Wind was great. And it went, we may not have shot him at 15 yards screaming on our face, but at first he bugled back a few times. And then they just all kind of fed, chasing cows, and just worked to us. Out of the blue, a, another hunter, best bugle I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> just, I mean, and I was like, there's another bull. And, and so immediately I'm like, one of these bulls is dying. Okay, I mean, one of them's going to die because we sound like cows over here. One of them's coming. The actual bull, how long do you think he stayed there? Oh, I bet. My experience, I bet he did not stay there very long. About seven seconds. He literally, he made that, uh, whatever the call, come on, ladies, the, the group together, whatever. Okay. He made some call, and then they left. Yeah, And out. I was like, okay, that confirms, you know, whatever. But now on the, the theory. And that was a good bull. 370? Yeah. 360. Biggest, one of the biggest bulls in the group I've ever seen in that, in that area. Which, I mean, there's Which bigger. conventional uh, dogma would be, oh, well, he's going to come in looking for a fight. And that is what that guy did. Yeah. Was now, when I, for people listening in, and the it generally, it inadvertently shut that whole thing down. Oh, it totally fucked us. So, <laughs> generally speaking, when people talk about this, there is an et- internal trigger which is somewhat true from my experience in the right scenario that uh, he hears another dominant bull. He is going to defend his herd. Generally speaking in a high bull to cow ratio arrow, that is a crock of shit. He's going to defend the herd by running it away. He's not going to fight. Now, maybe you sneak into 50. I'd say your chances, then he has to, but if, if you get it, it, if if you're in that tight where your hope is to make the bull react without having to think about it, but yeah. even then you have to have the terrain and vegetation correct. No, I fucked that up too. Because yeah. a lot of times all they need to do is come smoking by, round them up, and just push yeah. them. I, I, I had the same scenario happen with what you're talking about. Inside of 50, couldn't get a shot. Bull screaming, pissing on himself, everything you would. Yeah. All the sexy you want. And I... I crank on the bugle as loud as humanly possible. I shot a raghorn because that was the only thing that was left when I was done. Um, and now I, when I got in there, I'm generally like, okay, I'm going to go after this big bull. But if another one walks in for you, you know, my yeah. mantra. So I scream on this thing and literally he gathers his cows. We're at 50 to 60 yards. Well, 50 to 70 with the cows. He wasn't like, there was no trigger tripped and hit. Now maybe I just suck at bugling, Right. He just gathered them up. He went in the timber line. He bugled back a few times, but the only thing that was left was four raghorns. Like, yeah. saddle, you know, the bulls that are no threat at the, all. The idiots, uh, the, the, the youngsters or, and or the idiots in, in the herd. Yeah. Because this, I, I, I don't, you know me, and we've talked about this how many times. I laugh and I enjoy this because the conventional discussion in the elk hunting industry is all about bugling. I'm one of the only people, one of the few people that talks about cow using more cow vocalization strategies. But more importantly, I'm almost the only person from a scientific and a behavioral standpoint talks about what the hell is going on in the brain of an elk and and also considering the personalities engaged in it. And the funny part about what you just said and the dogma of of this bugling and this, you know, challenging blah, 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 blah. Let's look. Let's let's take a look at uh, of what we see today. Uh, let's take uh, Mike Glover. 
uh, let's take Andy Stump. Let's take Jocko. Let's take uh, pick any of the DevGrew guys that are now doing uh, educational stuff and, yep. and uh, uh, Pat McNamara and all the. I mean, do those guys know how to kill people? Yep. And can do you think those guys would be quite skilled in hand to hand combat? Yes. And if you decided to lip off with them or you wanted to be a dumbass, could they neutralize you in relative quickness? Yes. Okay. In any of their educational stuff that they talk about, uh, when a threat presents itself, what is the first thing they say to do? You want me to say it or you're going to say it? Go ahead. Well, it depends on the threat is threat. the biggest one. But if, if you have the ability to do what? You need to get to safe. You need to get, get the, the hell safety. out of there. Yeah, get safety. You you don't you don't just jump in and start throwing. You yeah. don't pull your knife. You don't run in there with your gun and you're like, ah, oh, fuck you. Yeah. Gonna you get yourself to safety. You, pre, these are the top. These are people that have actually gone out there and done the shit. These people have the skills to do it, and even they will say, you even as good as I am, skilled as I am, and have actually done it. You have no idea. The person you're dealing with on the other end. Or what he has. Or what he has, what he's ramped up. You don't know. So the first default situation is, I'm going to back out and evaluate. Now, again, if you're sitting there pumping gas. Somebody grabs you. Yeah. yeah, Someone comes around the pump and, and they're like right there. Okay. You have no time but to react. But what do you do? You watch those guys. You keep kicking the, you know, you, you kick them in the solar plexus. And then you get yourself back. Now, if you have to pull and boom, boom, okay, that's fine. But you, you, you react, separate distance, evaluate, and then you have to deal with it. So this is no different. This is just basic animal, mammal, conflict resolution pattern. This is no different than humans and no different what our elk are going to do, especially when we're talking about here we've got the guys that actually know how to do their shit. I don't know what their innate personalities are, but they have the skill set. Now you take a guy like me, I don't have the skill set, and my personality is not a confrontational type of guy. So no, it's just going to be exacerbated. Let, let's keep as this confrontation happens, okay? At the fuel pump. Two rows over or one row. Jerry's pumping gas, okay? That's the raghorn. Yep. He's just kind of hanging out watching. Like, Dude, I got to get my phone and watch this <laughs> yeah. shit. That's the dumb one, right? Correct. And, it hung around. And, it hung around. And I, and, and I am no giant bull killer by any stretch. I've killed a few big ones. Generally, like when I talk to guys and something pans out for them and calling, and some of the people listening into this right now that says what Chris is saying is bullshit, I did this and this happened. I agree Correct. with them. They did. It did. It happened. And it used to happen to me every year. I would get lucky. <laughs> Depending on the, her dynamics and where you are, sure. Can, I, the, can those things happen? Yes. But if we're going to go in the law of averages yeah. across the landscape in many areas, the average person, is that what's going to happen? No. If you do it enough, it'll eventually happen. It, it'll eventually show yourself. Yeah. And, and I can think back on all the places that I've hunted and all the elk that I've been in. It's a handful of times. Yeah. Now, is it sexy when it happens? Oh, shit. Yes, it is. Yeah. But if you're... If you're, if what you want to do is go up and put an elk on the ground, what again? I we've talked about before. My my example of the Valley of the Ten Bulls. It, you got ten bulls in a in a particular mountainside or valley complex. It may maybe 
there's one in there that wants to play that type uh, of game. Let me get back to that because that's the whole other scenario that that other people do looking for that one bugle. Correct. That so, one. That one in, engagement. Mike and I this year we're in a unit. Um, high point draws. Lots of bulls. And but it's like one bull, three cows, right? Yeah. You'll hear bugles yep. all day yep. from literally morning, noon, and night. And that's so, more and more across the, the, especially Colorado. More and more is that yeah. right now. And we go in, and bulls not coming. We can hear them. I'm like, Mike, just stay here, keep them making noise. I'm gonna sneak around the behind them and kill them. And uh, and I do. Well, I don't kill it, but I sneak around behind him. Mike's doing everything he's got. I need him to do. He's just getting it to make noise because no matter where you think that bull is, he's generally not quite where you think he is. It's hard to find him exactly in timber. It, he's in deadfall timber. Um, I get 16 yards behind him. I still can't see him. He has. He's in his bed. Occasionally, he stands up, bugles, lays down. I mean, he has no ambition to come to Mike. And it's not Mike's calling. It's just the bull. He's got three cows with him now. Could we have gotten him to move if we got closer? Maybe, but it was Mike Field Timber, right? He would have to cross 300 yards of field. We were not getting him to, we were not trying to get him to come across that. We were just locating elk. Yeah, you're, you're keeping him active, and in, in, in quite honestly, in this case, you want him to stay in the same spot yep. so you can get closer. And we made that assessment. I got behind him. You know, I, what I ended up doing is I, I when I got behind him, I just cow called, hoping he'd stand up. He did, and then he laid back down. And now I've got the the cows are looking at me. Of course, didn't they moved a little bit? This went on for thirty minutes, where I was between sixteen and thirty yards from. Him. I just couldn't get a shot. Eventually, he winded me. The moral of that story is, I know a lot of people that would call that elk for four hours and hoping he would come, or, oh, yeah, or an yeah, hour, yeah, or, and he's not coming. Now you have the other mentality of walk around in the woods all day, bugle all day. And eventually get the specific bugle back you want that is that one bull you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. It works. Some, 100% some, it works. Some, no. It, it, about 20% of the time, it works 100% of the time if you find the right spot and you're in the right spot. Well, let me, let me add context to that when it works. If you're in an area with enough bulls, you will, bull, in, in a course of one to three days, the probability of a bull bugling back in the aggression or the manner or the noise you want is high. You also are going to blow pretty much every elk out of the unit oh, while yeah. you're doing that. <clears throat> yep. Now, when I say it works, or, or can yeah, yeah. If you're a good enough caller, it is an effective method to kill a bull. Eventually, it'll work. You will potentially. Blow pretty much everything else out of that area. It's a Would, high risk uh, strategy. Yeah. Would you? Are you agreeing so far? Absolutely, one hundred percent. Now, walking around in the woods, mildly bugling occasionally to get a response, is totally different than um, basically assault tactic. You know, screaming everywhere. Right. If you're creeping through the woods, bugling every now and then, and cow calling, hoping for a response, there's not really a lot of harm in that. In the, in the sense of like, you're not blowing everything out of off of off the mountain now when you and this is these are questions i'm asking you're wandering through the woods most people do with the wind in your face and you're bugling you're waiting for a response how many elk would you say on average that respond are willing to come in everyone 
fifty percent? No, I I bet it'd be lower than that because depending on how you're, especially if you're doing what you're talking about, just using a contact bugle and you're just sounding like a bolt that's just prospecting across the landscape. A lot of them are just gonna stand right where they are. You're not asking them to do anything. You're asking them for a response. That's what that vocal. It's like the does. roofers in that one deal. Yeah, what's your name? Yeah, you're, you're hey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're just saying hello. It's basically well, hi. Exactly. Um, and and I'm oversimplifying that. What's your name? Yeah, my name's Toby. <laughs> yeah, what's your name? Um, <laughs> so when you when you when you're doing that, what what I've I've tried to because I I don't get touch on calling very much when guys ask. When you're doing that and you're getting a bull to bugle, my first what I do, if it just made noise, I'm just going to shut up and get closer. Correct. If, if you've if you've been able if you're paying attention, that's the other thing too. Is a lot of people are just walking across the landscape and and. This, there's a lot to this, but anyway, yes. If you're moving on that note, that row stuff, hunting resources, you can get all the other info. We're leaving. Oh yeah, out. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we, yeah, we can. I can talk about that at the end too. But uh, no, you're absolutely right. It, the, the the if you're going to do it right, you want to be stationary and you want to be listening because if you do and give it give it some time. Sometimes people will bugle and then they'll give it thirty seconds or a minute and then they start walking. Then another minute later, a, a bull bugles and you're moving and you don't know where it went. That would be me. Okay, so. Yep. Give it some time so that way when that bull does respond, if it does, or even a cow call, a cow response to you, you have the ability to pinpoint where that sound is. And I'm with you, man. Our strategies at this point are going to be identical. I'm going to keep my mouth. If I've pinpointed where that animal is, I'm shut up and I'm going to close the distance. Now, when you close the distance, keep in mind that bull could potentially come closer yep. and you need to keep eyes on. You need to you need to be aware because then, you know, he'll blow out. So that like... Best case scenario for a lot of these situations for me is if I'm on a um, a ridge line, for example, and he's down in the bottom. I'm gonna be I'm gonna have a lot easier time going down and not making noise than he is coming up and make noise. Or you know, there's different topography, but the bottom line: once he bugles, I wait a little bit to see because if he's coming closer, my experience has been he's probably gonna make noise again if there was a decent distance between you. Now, when you get really, sometimes they just shut up yep. and, and, and they're coming. But a lot of scenarios, the, the, the general rule of thumb, whether he was 150 or 400 yards away, get closer if yeah. you can. The, the, you can call a bull in from great distances. I've done it. You've done it. It's just not, it's, it's more the exception than the rule. Now, you can get the right bull. I probably, the farthest one away I've called was probably 500 yards maybe away. Um, and, and that, that was a one-time uh, occurrence, but it, it can't happen. What I think does happen is people watch Primos, which is private land, and they'll watch these highlight reels of the unicorn time, that one yes. time. And that one time is not, that is not what happens. Like you said, it's sexy, looks oh, yeah. good, but you know how many times I've had a bull on public land run and scream in my face and, and yeah. shoot him at 20 yards like a video in comparison to they were just bugling and I snuck in and shot them or, or whatever. Or, or it slips in quietly curious and all of a sudden you're like, oh, shit, he's, he's right there. Well, let's, let's, let's break down, um, well, ones that make sense. In 2016 with Gritty, we split a herd up on accident in the dark. And one way, the bull is screaming his head off as the sun or the, the day comes up, pissing on himself. His yeah. herd split. That's a done deal. You're probably going to kill that bull. Yeah. I told Gritty or he did it, whatever. He bugled. Bull came in. We shot it. 
it was pretty cut and dry. I mean, he thought a bull had taken some of his cows, so he ran over to see what the hell was going on. That bull was not a giant bull. How the hell he had 16 cows that late in the season, I have no idea. Or he might have had more than that. But he came over to see what the hell is going on, and I, I shot him. Now, the key to that, what was it, would you say? Circumstance. The fact that he, his entire herd, his entire cow herd dynamic had changed, and he was desperate to get his ladies back. And so that's why Split he's broadcasting. That's why he's broadcasting. He's trying to get his girls back. And it sounded like someone else came in. So he's like, oh, shit, I've got it. Now it's in his best interest. I talk about this all the time on from the behavior side. You never make an elk do anything. All you can do is suggest what might be their best interest. In that case, you know, again, if we're talking about bugles, especially the contact type bugles, it's not asking for an action. It's, that, it's asking for a vocal response, really. But sometimes... It's actually in because they communicate largely by body language primarily, it's oftentimes can be in their best interest to be the first one visually on scene because then that individual has the first opportunity to command whatever is going on in that situation. So in here, he's he's already lost half of his cows. He's trying he's already broadcasting these. He's trying to get the cows back together. Now all of a sudden another another bull bugles. Well, at this point. Any of his cows could just show up and be like, oh, are you the guy? You know, he, it's in his best interest to be visually on scene so that he can run interference and say, no, 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 ladies, I'm your guy and I need to keep this guy at bay. And if we wouldn't have split that herd, none of that would happen. This now, bull is a know. diabetic. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, uh, so Frank is back. I'm back. The re- year before at Treeline, where I usually like early season. Night before season, there's 150 elk in one herd below us. There's cow calling and bugling, and I'm just like, well, like tomorrow. This is awesome. I'm like, well, I just like tomorrow morning. We're just gonna sneak down here and shoot one. Like, so, and it literally is almost that simple. And when they're in that big of a group, you just got to get close enough. One will wander in front of you. Okay, now there's a qualification. One, the herd bull. No. Okay. Then that's what I'm leading up to because I I yeah. shot a three and a half year old. Five by six. So, okay, so, um, which is which is a great bull for the average person. I mean, most people are not going to be that, be complaining about that. Fifteen. That's over the counter public land OTC. Yeah. That's where we were at, and uh, one of the most heavily hunted units in Colorado. So when we found that pocket where they're safe, because we were a ways in and everything else. Next morning, we drop down. We do a little cow call, and the guy I was with he missed a couple, and then I had one bugle a couple of times, and I shot him. I, I'd like to tell a better story. That is literally what happened. We were. Bristle comb patches, oh, yeah. sneaking through those, and and Frank, you you've been there, the football field and the ski slope. We're in that football field ski slope. We just sneak in, and a Dingle Hopper missed a couple, and then I'm like, you know, I, it's my turn. Yeah, he bugled twice. I'm like, he and I again frontal shot, third bugle. I'm like, he goes full bugle. I'm killing him. The reason why I prefer to take a frontal on a full bugle, he can't hear anything. Yeah, yeah. He's screaming yep. and yep. he's opened his chest yep. up. I shot him. The end, right? That's the story. We packed them out. Fast forward a little bit of time. Um, <clears throat> same area, a little farther in. We're on a very high uh, point midday. In the bowl below us is a rut fest, right? My choice at tie time or our choice, I did not want to drop in there because of the wind. Too many elk, right? And one goes, the rest are going. I mean, there's no way around it. So we slept above that. You've been in there where the ponds were. Mm-hmm. The next morning, in the dark, we go down this godforsaken, sh- I mean, what is that, 12, 8, 12, 6? Up top? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's high. I mean, we're well above tree line. This shale cliff, basically, and go all the way down into the bottom, and they're bugling already. 
And uh, we get one that has that bugle. And yeah. I was like, so we get to the point, he drops down, and he's coming already, right? And so now, you know, I'm like, I can see him coming from, you know how you have those big strips of timber they hide in right mm -hmm. at tree line? He's in that timber. He's out, and he's running to us, right? Now, the reason I, I kind of screwed up, when we got to the plateau, I cow called to confirm he was there. Bad move, because now he's coming. So uh, Dinglehopper goes down, gets set up, and he's coming across this field, and I just cow call to stop him. We shoot it, whatever else. Those scenarios, how many times do those happen in the I mean, yeah, it's probably single digit times. If, if, if you're going, you know, looking across years and looking across all the opportunities you run into, I'll bet you it's single digit. Doesn't, yeah, it doesn't happen very often. No. Now, if you hear these stories, you're like, that is awesome. Now, let me tell you the other 974 days of not that, that not happening. And obey the, by the way, uh, don't fall asleep. Don't just stay with me and listen to all freaking nine hours of me <laughs> talking about the boring drudge, you know, exactly. Yeah. And, and that's just how it is. And I mean, Frank, you don't call at all. I don't, I don't elk hunt very much. But when you do, you just sneak <laughs> in and shoot them. Yeah. I mean, that's my preference. Yeah. Spot and stock. Yeah. And, and so, and that's if, and that's if you've a, Located them and B, you can depends keep, on the terrain. Yeah, yeah. you got to be able to keep your eyes on them or know where they're at. Or they're or they need Spot to be vocal. And stock and timber. Yeah, if, if, if they're if they're silent elk and they're in timber, it's it's a low percentage play just to still hunt through the timber with a bow and try to kill one. So as we're talking about this, as time goes on in the season, where do the elk go? Because got people ask, do I hunt early season, mid or late? In my opinion, if you hunt early season, you got a three day window. And it goes to shit from pressure. Well, and quite honestly, now that the new five-year season structure yeah, has later. changed it to September 2nd, yeah. I don't even know if you have that. Anymore, and I would agree because I haven't even tried because it of that sucks, reason. man. I hate it. But back in the day, 25th of August. It's awesome. Money. The first three days, that's how I killed the majority of my yep. bulls Same. for like 10 years straight. Same. So now, you hunt early season, mid-season or late. What I can tell you from my experience, by the mid to late season, they're in two places. Godforsaken hell holes up high or private land. There is not as much in the middle. Not always. I'm not, but that's a generalization. But when you're in trouble and you need to hide, you go to safety. Yeah. Wherever that sanctuary area that is. That sanctuary. That yeah. sanctuary where we deer hunt, we've seen that sanctuary and you're not killing a fucking bull in there. I don't give a shit who you are. That canyon, you can't get to it. I mean, I, I don't know how far from the bottom, but I mean, they're there because they're smart, right? Even if, you, even if you did kill one, you ain't getting it out. You're not going to want to get it out. And and we have seen some amazing bulls in there, and I don't know how many have been killable. I mean, and, and <clears throat> on occasion they come up to where you could you could get them, but if they're in that hole, you're not getting it. And the only reason why we see, we see them is we haven't fucked with them, and we're looking for deer, and they yeah. just happen to be feeding. If we were hunting them, I guarantee we would never see what we do see because we've blown them out. Yeah, and yeah, because yeah, we yeah. don't fuck with them, they end up where they are killable because they're safer because we're at a high out. Well, that one time I about shot a cow 11 miles in. I was smart enough not to. Remember, Frank, we were glassing. You stayed on the deer and I dropped off that hole under that flat by your place. Mm -hmm. And I went after those bulls and, that, and those cows. We only saw those. If we had been hunting those elk, they would not have been there because they would have just dropped down into that canyon. They came up to the flat. They were there. I told Frank, because I'm going to run down and kill one. I didn't call. I just snuck in, and I ended up, the bull ended up being at like 60 yards. I couldn't shoot him, and the cow was at like 12 below me. He had a lot of cows. 
they're there because they're safe. They're either there in a hidey hole in the timber or private land. Do you no, talk I, about no, that? No, 100%. I mean, they're, they're going to go where the safety is. So last year, yeah, I'm, I'm the same boat. I normally, in the past, would go uh, early season because I liked getting on those animals before they actually got locked down with their cows. And you could, I mean, you, you're right. The end of August, uh, the way the old, and we're talking about Colorado here, folks, the way the old season structure used to be, it was the last Saturday of August to essentially the last Sunday of, of September, roughly. And so depending on how the calendar fell, you could start elk season, either August 25th or something like you know, August 29th or somehow it fell in there. And on those years where it started early, that was money for me, man. You're absolutely right. My high country camp, those elk just behaviorally would naturally move out of that high country about September or excuse me, August 29th to about September 1st. And that with or without human pressure, that's just what they did. And so if on those years where it started early, man, you could get in there and you could capitalize on those first couple of days while they're there and vulnerable. But after that, they're dropping down into the timber. Well, once you put anywhere you go, you put pressure on them. You're absolutely right. If they have private property where, listen, and it's not that there's, it's private property. They don't, they don't know how to read a, a private property sign. They don't know what that fence means. All they know is over here, I don't run into danger. Over here, I'm constantly running into danger. So I'm just going to go to where there's no danger. And so as you go later into the season, you're going to have to be very critical on what you're doing and what you're looking on in the landscape and, and where you're, whether you're hunting or scouting, to find those sanctuary areas. Last year, by default on my schedule, I could only hunt those last two weeks of season. That that third week of season just sucked. I couldn't buy an elk because just the hunter pressure. I ended up getting tied up with a, a couple other guys or, you know, subscriber guys that in, you know, long story short, went over there, helped them with their hunt. And then I had about three days to or four days to, to stay down there. And we got into elk and I don't know how people didn't find them. I, I, honestly, I don't know how, I mean, I had the place to myself largely for a good better, uh, probably four days um, in places that literally every morning where I was camped and where I was staying, I'm watching the vehicles and the and the people go by, and I'm like, please, dear Lord, just keep going, keep going, keep going. And sure enough, they go. I'm like, yes. No, I mean, these these animals were in places that it was just simply overlooked. It, it, it wasn't on private. It wasn't, it just, it was an easy access area. It was simply a place that got overlooked by all the other hunters. And quite honestly, it was a place where those animals could hear the vehicle. So if you were out there at 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning when no one is around, you can hear them talking. But as soon as that first quad or the first truck starts rolling down the, wind, the road, yep, they're, they're silent. And so it didn't matter if people stopped to listen. The elk are sitting there listening and going, nope, nope. Vehicle moves on. It's only about 8 o'clock in the morning when they're up next to their bedding area do they actually squeal. Well, most of the people are way the hell away from there by then. So it's those sanctuary areas. And and for this relative, this conversation, that's the thing is uh, this particular area, talking with the two guys, because, you know, I've talked about my hunting cooperatives in the past where, you know, as far as I'm concerned, this is their area. Yeah. You know, if I want to go back and hunt there, I will call them first and say, hey, are you guys going? Um, when are you going? Do you, you want me, you know, can I come or whatever? Or if you're not going to be there, do you mind if I, I mean, this is the, they, they learned it. Um, I added some, you know, knowledge to the situation, but this is their area, but it was the last week of season. And so we were talking, they were like, all right, yeah, we, we need a game plan for next year, blah, blah, blah. When do you want to come back? And I'm like, man, I don't know. 
is this spot a late season spot? Maybe they're not here opening weekend or probably the first not. week or second yeah, week. Correct. Yeah, probably to where not. if we want to come back in and play this type of, of scenario with these particular animals, we might just have to say, okay, we'll come back here that last week. Yeah. Well, and you talk about sanctuary areas um, where, where South and I were this year. Uh, high point draw unit. We got lucky, got a landowner tag, 8 to 12 miles in. That's insane. Best elk I'll go every year. I'll walk on my hands and feet. I, it, best elk hunting I've ever seen or heard about by far. Now, not even, giant bulls. Even, even with the other unit we were talking about? Uh, multiplier of four better. Seriously? Easily, yeah. Now, big bulls? No. Where that area we were talking about has got bigger bulls. But as far as the sheer numbers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're on the same. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so they might pull a bull out of there over 350 maybe, but what I saw was a shitload of 280 to 320s. Oh, and I'd shoot that every day. Uh, oh, yeah, that's that's playground. Yeah. Now, but, you know, I've had people ask me about this, and I'm like, even if you can draw the tag, we were 8 miles to 12 miles in. Yeah. I shot my bull 12 miles in. South shot his bull 12 miles in. That is legit numbers. That is an internet shit. That is legit 12 miles in. That's disturbing. Yeah, yeah no way. And, and you, you guys have heard <laughs> the story. <laughs> we had three llamas, and I came out with 159 pounds on my back with three llamas. And South, I don't know what the hell he walked. I walked 18 miles that day for a fact. I think South did 23. And then Mike was somewhere in the midst of that with the other crew um, uh, that was with us. I am willing to pay that toll to do that. I will pay the landowner tag, and I will walk that distance. Because I'm I'm running out of time, right? I, I when I yeah, say that, yeah, meaning, yeah. Yep. you know, another ten years, I may not be another, able to. Uh, you you talk about bone on bone. Maybe in another three to five years, you're not carrying that stuff out. Yeah, and so yeah, horses that distance. Yeah. Horses could drop you back, but even then, it's it's rough. Like I did not. I should have wore mountaineering boots. Where when I say that, meaning I like a stiffer boot. But I've never seen it like that every day ever. Now. I don't want to screw the spot up. So put it yeah. into perspective. It's a very high point area, and we were at that distance. We ran into one other hunter. It took him 12 years or 14 to draw. And he was he had a horse, and he was by himself. Uh, I never actually talked to him. South did. I didn't see anyone else, I can tell you that. And so we weren't only just 12 miles in. We were also a significant amount off the trail. And so the dynamic there, I don't even want to talk about because it's that's like yeah. talking about might as well be on porn star shit. It's yeah. just not happening. You, you might as well have been on a private ranch at that point. Oh yeah, exactly. And so that's why when when like people have asked me what it was like, the one thing it was like is don't bugle a lot because they do not come to that. There's too many bulls. There's yeah. just too many. You got to see a lot of cool animal behavior. And and when I, I shot my bull. Um, it was a moment thing. Like it just it came in. We. Uh, Aaron shoots a lot of his bulls at a moment thing. Oh, it's horrible. We had, <laughs> I think we had eight or nine bulls within 300 yards, maybe five, eh, three to four, um, just screaming, cows calling. I mean, it was amazing. And so- Did you get any of it on video? Uh, Mike did, yeah. So the Jerry? bulls- What? No. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he didn't? Oh shit! Oh. So when the uh, when the bull when the bull that specific bull comes in, he's he's screaming coming in, and I mean I look at him, I'm like, that's a three or four year old bull. He's probably gonna die if he walks right to me. He walked right to me, and so I don't know what I sh nine yards or something. So it was it was one of those like I would shoot it again without a doubt because it was one of the coolest experiences. Yeah, experience. But 
with with a compound is a little bit different than a stick in the sense of not not when I say a difference of you just have a little more distance, right? So I I look back because I thought I made a bad shot. So I look back at Mike because it took off uphill, and I'm like, that's generally bad, right? And I'm like, I'm like, what the hell happened? And Mike's like, down. I thought I shot it like high liver. I pinwheeled it. I didn't. I, th- I thought I because I I was squatting as he came in. He was pivoting. I had overhead branches and where I was at, pretty good lane. And I'm pivoting. I'm like lower. And so it looks like I'm taking a shit by the time I fire the shot. Not the best form in the world. It zips through it, and I was like, that might be a track job, and dies in 75 yards. So I'm like, okay, all right. I'm waiting. I'm like, you know, just chill. I literally start walking back to Mike, and Mike's like. The giant bulls behind me at 35, 40 yards standing there with all his cows. And I literally dropped my bow because I'm like, I, I could black out right yeah, now. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. literally the entire time we cut my bull up, I don't think five, two minutes went by without a bugle. That was three hours worth of cutting and photos. And, but you don't see that shit unless but you all, pay. No, well, and, and all the places I've ever hunted, I've hunted, I mean, I, other than Arizona, <clears throat> um, I, I pro- guided, I guide in Arizona, not hunting I haven't hunted in Arizona myself yet um I've I've had that happen that's the exact scenario happened to me once and it was in way the hell BFE Wyoming okay and that same thing where where you're literally I shot after the at at the end of my hunt I finally get a a five by seven now there was other things that went on I had some equipment failures legit equipment failures and I lost opportunities on two about three two three forty bulls so here it is, the last day of my hunt. If I'm going to come home with an elk, I'm going to, I need to shoot something. So it's a five by six, probably three year old five by six, and literally same thing. The the thing runs 40, 50 yards, piles up, and then as I go over there, get some pictures, and start cutting him up. Here comes the 350, 360 bull herb, and same thing. Walks 20 yards right broadside by me with his cows. Just, no, just. I'm sitting there. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me right now? That happened with Joe Bot in the unit I was talking okay. to you about. Yep. Um, he had killed a bull that morning, I think, or anyway, and, uh, it, this is prime, you know, time. And so we, we go and, and, uh, we get like three responses at one time. And I'm like, Hey, hang here. Just squeeze that hoochie mom. I'm going to sneak in. There's just too much going on. To me. I don't want make yeah. noise. I sneak in and there's a, a standard four year old, probably two seventy bull. And I'm like, if I can sneak into 20. I'll probably kill it. I basically walk up like it's. Walmart and, sh- and, sh- and and it was funny. I went to full draw. It was pissing rain, and I had to go and blow the water out of my peep. I couldn't see through it. The bull kind of jerks his head up, runs back five yards, and stops to look back. And I'm like, "Well, you're dead." He's now. still in that same distance. So I, I shoot him. Maybe seven minutes later, I don't know what he scored, but he was pushing three sixty, three seventy. Does a bugling rut display, one hundred and fifty yards, two hundred yards. You've been in there. I mean, you've been in there a bunch. You know where the cabins are. When you go up the cabin and you hang right to the creek, I shot it right where you hang a right. He came right at the top of that and stayed the whole time we cut that bull up. Never left. Yeah. Now, I would not take that away from the world uh, in the because that's me. But if you are wanting a, a to, to shoot a trophy, talk about what you have to give up to make that happen. All the other. <laughs> you well, have, you have to be able to keep your arrows in the quiver. And and you have to let a lot of activity go by you, and you have to have a lot of patience because, again, oftentimes you got a lot of eyes around you, and you have to wade through all that riffraff to finally get to that 
final bowl. But talk about getting to that final bowl, not just what you have to give up, because obviously you're going to have to it's given. You have to give up raghorns. The times that I have killed larger bulls were by far more happenstance. Yeah. And, and, and when I say that, meaning you didn't get the bull to do what he was doing. He was doing it, and you pursued into yeah. his his space. Yeah, or, or you just flat, blind luck stumbled into it. But a lot of times, for me, if— That might have been the case for me more than anything. Yeah, it, yeah, <laughs> it, but I can think of the times, Arizona, Colorado. Uh, my biggest bull in Colorado. No, he was. This was early, early season, uh, and he was. He did not have any cows yet, so that was one of those you know once in a lifetime. I bugled that bull in. I I I went back and forth with him, and he came in screaming like, "Who the hell are you in my?" Which space? is a higher probability at times than when he has cows because he's not defending anything. Exactly. This time, especially th- when he starts roaming. But yeah, go ahead. In this, at that, in that year, in that valley, at that time period, they were still working out their pre-rut dominance. It, you know, they were still working out their pecking orders, and so he and another big bull in that valley had gone at it. He at my bull ended up busting off half his main beam, and he had a pocket of that landscape that I think he he thought was his. And when I stepped in there, oh hell no, because I I was not. And and it's very difficult to sound like a big mature bull that wants to crank. I mean, you can be you can be loud, but still the the intensity level is different. So that was one time where I was able to do a call a, a monster twelve year old bull in twenty yards and and smoke him. But every other time I've killed a large bull. I have always been either playing to his cows, trying to get the entire herd to come to me, or I've worked into where I've been able to get on the fringe edge of his bedding area and where the cows are bedded. And then midday, when he gets up to stretch his legs to to kind of just kind of do an inventory of his ladies, he just gets up and just kind of walks over and, and checks me out. But every other time, I've always played to the ladies and get the ladies to move my way, and he just is there to follow. I want to rewind something because it's informational, and you you are very good at it. And it's, I think people are very confused about this. When you talk about the stages of the elk rut, the early stage, which Colorado doesn't matter as much, is summer feeding patterns and then just starting to little tickle of testosterone. They're, they're interested in cows, but they don't have them yet, so they're very susceptible. And then you, the next phase is pecking order. Um, I would say when I say pecking, they're more, they're getting more aggressive and they're fig. Fill, they're they're defi- well. I will disagree. So you, so you'll have that pecking order, you know, especially in the summer. It bleeds into the beginning of September. Once they start getting their cows, now they're talking about establishing themselves, and they may have one cow with them or whatever. And now they're just like, okay, I'm trying to. I want to keep other bulls away. I want to maintain what we've already worked out. I, I, this relationship yeah. and that relate. We're going to maintain it. What? You're not disagreeing because I was no, no, asking. No, no. no, um, no. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right, all right. So, in yeah. that time though, there is a roaming time, like for turkeys, where they're yeah, searching. Yeah. That is not the same time every year in every unit in every Correct. state. And so, when people Correct. say, "I want to hunt," I believe the best time to kill a large bull is between the fifth to seventh time frame to maybe the twelfth in Colorado. Usually, not always, because they're not cowed up quite yet, and they're still in that pecking order. Disagree or agree? Uh, no, I won't disagree. All I'll say is what you just said is there's a plus or minus. So in many yeah. of the area where I personally hunt, I would say that sweet spot is between August 25th, and and maybe I could push it to maybe the 5th 
to the 7th of September. Uh, for instance, I know I know of a specific spot uh, where I hunt that literally, if you have not killed something by September 7th, you go stand on this particular knob and you watch this particular slope because it's almost like clockwork on September 7th. There will be a mature bull or two that cruise right through that because they're on their way through. So that 25th of, uh, of August to the first few days of September and is I, a, I is should a good have sweet caveated that if you want the sexy calling involved because, more, the 5th, 7th, 10th time frame, they're going to call more. And, and that's the other <laughs> thing, too, is because at that point, they've actually started having more interactions with cows. Yep. They actually might have one or two, and now they're like, holy shit, this is working. This is going to work. And so they, that starts to ramp up. So there's that sweet spot of in that period where they are with cows. They may not be locked down hard with those cows yet. But if as soon as you move a little bit past that, that's where they're like, okay, these are my ladies. Now it's defense mode. So, and and again, these are this is definitely not me giving it. This is asking hypotheticals or 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 when you get into the lockdown phase, like whitetail, horrible in the lockdown phase. The only way to kill them is like a plum thicket or bedded down in tall fucking grass. It sucks balls. You are not killing shit from a tree stand worth of shit in size. When you hit lockdown phase, my experience has been. Sneaking into bedding areas, not in them, but around yep, them. Yep, the edges. Um, because the the if the wind is right. Well, and I, it's a risk factor, and generally their bedding areas, the wind is swirly because they're right. not stupid. That's why they bed there. And there's a reason for all things. Our dad are no different when they're in certain bedding areas. How are we going to approach them? Uh, we're going to go back and drink because they're not going to fucking not. die. They're not. Not always though. In those certain days, and you may wait two or three days on that bedding area. For the right wind. And when you do, don't go in the fucker. Get on the edges or the outskirts. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, yeah, 100%. Keep going. So, and and again, I'm not saying you can't kill them other ways, but to kill the bull, you got to do it that way. Now, I have found it easier to kill satellite bulls at that time when they're on lockdown because they're horny. Oh, yeah, and and, and they are being a- actively excluded from the And the they're looking group. for love. And they're cruising in between cow groups trying to find that either straggler or just kind of just bouncing around between herds. And a lot of times, if you can tail or curtail on that herd, you will kill a satellite on the backside of it at a small distance, thinking one of the cows just... Or laterally, yep. Yep, and and they'll come in running sometimes because they're like, oh, I got to get ass while I can get it. And they'll... Literally, I've done calling sequences to call in satellites as the, the big herd went off. And they came in fucking hot because they didn't want their ass kicked, yep. and they knew what was going on. So were then, you were you screaming a bugle at them then? No, <laughs> no. Exactly. I'm not a big bugle guy. Exactly. I mean, when it makes sense, I will. But I want to I, I want to take this this younger age class bull that's already been had his ass whooped, who's already timid, and he's he's eager to maybe get lucky. And I'm going to come in. I'm going to punch him in the nose. Like I'm I am something. definitely yeah. going to take advantage of all of those things. And the reality is, is everything Chris <laughs> just said is true. You are taking advantage. He's weaker, uh, you know, and and yeah. and he's not so able. Don't bugle at him. Yeah, no, and if and it's funny. If you do want to kill a potential decent satellite bull um, on that, you can. I have found you can bugle and cow call, yeah. and the satellite will hook in, which may be a 300-inch satellite or a 265, yeah. not yeah. a raghorn. Yeah. You, all, you have to be able to assess what is going on and not just toot on your bugle. I mean, you got to know. And so if you have pushed a herd out, the chances of shooting a satellite or a raghorn are great, in my opinion, at that time. Or they move out of their bedding area and they're moving up to feed or whatever. 
you have a good chance of some poor unlucky fucker thinking, oh, he left a cow. And a lot of times when they come, they're coming in hot. So now late season, my experience late season, again, has been basically hunting on the edge of private land or very high. Yeah, get your, your, the your, safest areas they can be. And and the only thing I will say on that is if you're going to be doing that, you best have a strategy where you can tiptoe into their behavior and vocalizations because at that point, especially if they've been bumped and moved by other hunters into these sanctuary areas, they have a an extreme low tolerance of any any other disturbance that is going to tip them off that there's danger in the area. They are just flat gonna go. I don't know that I have. I have to think about this. I don't think I've killed other than than let's be cows past like the fifteenth of September. Yeah. I don't think I've done it because it gets so hard to kill them. It is. Um, now the only bulls, and I'll say the only bulls I've personally killed later on in the in the month are those satellite bulls. Yeah, and and that's just for you know anybody listening in. I mean, this is pertinent in in any over the counter type areas. When you get into higher draw units and things like that. The rules still apply. They're just easier to kill for to me. Yeah, you, you've got some more flexibility in there because they, they're they not are, as bothered. Yeah, they they are not on as they're not as educated to the danger threat as they are in heavily hunted over the counter areas. I'll, get, I'll give you an example, and this is far blown out of proportion. All right, go ahead. There I'm going to take a leak while you're doing. Go ahead. So there was somebody. Um, well, I'll just pause till you come back. So so here we are. We're, we're back, and now I had to go take a leak. What you were supposed to keep the now you you lost track. I, I don't know what I was. We were talking about late season bulls and sanctuaries, and and the fact that you know if you're coming in and you're going to hunt a bull late season, and I told I, my statement before I left was you've got to be very very careful during that late season because they will not tolerate yeah that disturbance. And then you had some marvelous. Is story. it like turkey hunting? I don't. I don't know, but what we let off with, yeah, no kidding. When you went and peed, what I was telling Jerry, and and I don't want any, you know, public land DIY guys to to get mad at me. Public land hunting kind of sucks. Um, in and some anymore, ways, it's getting it's getting it's, bad. It's getting man. bad. And so, I was mentioning to Jerry at times I have hunted seven to nine days, starving myself, and almost cried when I shot a raghorn. That's how bad it can be. Um, yeah. Now. Some of that is self-inflicted from choices I made, maybe from calling or, you know, whatever else. And no, he's, he, and uh, he's I don't, I, 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 I want to make sure people understand this, especially about Colorado or, or other states. When you put in to go, and I've gotten bashed a little bit for this by saying I wish all OTC went to draw or caps because I would rather have a good hunt every other year or every three rather than go hunting because the chances, and I don't know how many people we have come in here that went on a seven day hunt, didn't see an elk, right. Or, or, or you'll get the occasional guy that finds that pocket you're talking about and they do get one, but it, it, it gets to be pretty difficult. And so, you know, for, for, for me, I coming up and same as all of us are here, but the, 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 the DIY public land thing, when you are going elk hunting now on public land, OTC in Colorado, what would you say the chances of running into 10 hunters are in 10 days? Ooh, high. Okay. Very high. 20 days, or excuse me, 20 hunters. Depending on the unit, uh, likely. Okay. Now. And, 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 and I know for the people that don't normally, if you normally hunt New Mexico or you hunt 
uh, especially, well, I can't say Arizona, but if you hunt some of these other states, you're not going to really be able to appreciate the reality of that. Yeah. Um, there's been time, and I've, I've shared this story on my stuff and, and other places as well. Um, there have been numerous times, well, for this past year, where I originally wanted to start hunting, I literally could not park at the normal trailhead. I had to park at the alternative trailhead because it was double parked with vehicles uh, solid. One year, same area. Um, I, I, I know this area well, and I could perform in this area and kill stuff because I know how the it, 20 years you learn some stuff. Um, one year with our horse trailer, Kelly had driven down there. I literally sat in the parking lot on a Sunday afternoon for several hours, loaded up. We were, we were loaded up, horses loaded up, everything's packed up. I was ready to leave. We literally could not leave the parking area because people had been parked. So I had to wait till people came out of the field and move their vehicle so I could get out of there. I mean, some of these places are insane with the hunter pressure. Same, and it, but the same thing is, I know this is to be the case for some of you guys that are guys and gals that hunt, like say Oregon. Um, it's not that Colorado is unique per se. I think what people don't realize is just the level that it is. So hypothetically, and I, I'm trying to think, the last time we hunted public land elk because we had so many other hunts going Rephrase. on over the counter over the counter you're hunting yeah. public land yeah yeah i've never hunted private land for well i guess i shot one in texas so privately yeah, yeah, um, yeah but for in colorado you're hunting public land but you're talking about over the counter over the land. counter public land you and i went in mm-hmm. um this is crazy so i'm not going to mention the other person's name so frank and i go in i end up having some kind of hot flash i what remember that it was like a dehydration altitude sickness. I, I I just pushed myself too hard going Hold in, exertion, yeah. and uh, I just had night sweats. I I was fun. We hiked out, but we go in, we stop. You saw a cow. Mm-hmm. Then we run into a place where I'm like, "There's got to be elk here," and we find. And I'm talking. This is fucking in the middle of nowhere, a Plano fucking storage box. This is like as mo- remote as you can get. Actually, I can say who it was because it was Danny Ferris's. <laughs> <laughs> so happenstance we are talking about this and he starts talking about this dugout in this area and i'm like you mean this one i'm standing at right now well no this was like a year <laughs> later i'm like i found it and he's like what and he's like how'd you find that area i'm like i've hunted it off and on for years around it you know and um what would you say so frank and i being i won't say at the pinnacle of fitness but fairly fit how fucking much would that have sucked to pull a bull out of there well, there, it was pretty steep getting in there, and the way Danny had—he used to have a little shortcut he could yeah. go in from from a friend's uh, land, so it was a little bit more practical for those guys to hunt it. But yeah, had we killed an elk, it would have—it wouldn't have been very far. So, do you think we could have made that out in one trip? You probably would have made us do that, but it would—it would—it <laughs> wouldn't have been it was smart for for. And I don't—I uh, I don't mean this to sound. Uh, what, it is what it it, is. It, yeah. Well, Physically, Frank and I can carry a decent bit. It might have fucking killed us both. Going in with 60 pounds, I had a fucking hot flash all night. So coming out, there were some very larger issues. We had a wrapper in a sift of shit water to drip out into the... Remember that water? Yeah, there wasn't a lot of water. It was fucking horrible. So we wouldn't have had much water to get out to stay hydrated. It would have been a two-tripper for each of us. 
for sure. And if I would have shot an ancient bull, which isn't highly likely, but if I did, yeah, 900-pound we bull. went from five to eight, 900 pounds. 500-pound bulls, 150, 800 pounds of meat. 800-pound bull is 250 pounds of meat or more. So 250 pounds, pretty common sense, 125 each plus 50 pounds of gear. That's 175 pounds. Raise your hand if you want to carry that. So, yeah, not very far. And so I don't even want to stand up (laughs) at at the at the point like when you talk about like what it takes. Sometimes it takes more than people are able to give. I mean, you know, to get to some of these elk. I mean, where they're hiding now. Well, let me let me. Okay, but I I will I will also say in maybe a, a slight rephrase. I know, and I've seen this, and I've witnessed this numerous times, and I've actually called the game warden. I, I you know, had conversations with a game warden a couple of times where a lot of times you will see guys that can get back there, but then they get something on the ground, especially guys that are first-time elk hunters or new elk hunters. They, they get back there. Now, there's a place that I know of that I, that, that I can, even with horses, it's between 9 and 12 miles back in, and even I didn't go back in there because it was I, I don't like pack. Even with horses, I didn't like packing that far. <laughs> so, but I'd watch these guys coming in, and they're backpacking in. Like, where are you guys headed? We're going to go back to this, this spot. And I'm like, that's 10 miles. And you're like, yeah, 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 I know. Okay, do you have a – are you, you working with somebody to get it out? Oh, no, no, we, we'll, we'll get it. Okay, well, you're full of shit. And and literally, we'll sit there and watch them, and here they come out. Maybe five days later, they've got a five-by-five rack. They've got a back a set of back straps and a tenderloin yeah. between the two of them, and then the bear got the rest of it. Yeah. You're full of shit. You got that elk on the ground, and then you once you got to camp, you were done. You got all the way back in there and got to camp, and we're like, "Holy hell!" And then a bull bugle down below you, and you're like, "Let's go!" And you 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 got you put one on the ground, and had no way to get it out. So, in the, in the mathematical portion of this, is fairly simple for two guys um, to to get one out with an let's say with 180, let's say 200 pounds of meat roundup. Um, most guys, I would say 70 to 80 is the um, top the, end. The top end. So that's, um, you know, with two guys, you've got um, two trips with the meat because, you know, a little bit more, obviously, 160 pounds, you got another 40 left. So plus gear. So that's two trips total with 80 plus pounds. So if you're seven miles in or five miles, so you got five out, five back, right? So that's 10 there. And then, back. And then five back out, 15 miles. That's a pretty tall order with 80 pounds on your back in the right amount of time. And in reality, some guys might have to do it a little bit longer. You might have to not be able to carry that much weight. So it starts to add up and take a toll. And then if your base camp's five miles in, but you were two miles farther when you killed it, you're stacking on more. So I always tell people solo two to three at the most. Tops. That's what I, that's, yeah. that's where I cut myself off. Yep. Three miles. I'm trying to, Frank, when you packed out your deer, most of them have been between six and nine miles and you did it in one trip i tried to do it one yeah um and so you had 120 on you probably so frank's one of the more fit guys i've met and you live here how much did that take a toll on your body <laughs> it sucks you're you're pretty you're pretty beat for a couple of days afterwards yeah your knees have got to yeah. be shot yeah that's, and that's my weak point don't skip knee day what's that yeah, yeah don't skip knee day, knee day? yeah <laughs> Yeah, my, that's that is that is my weak spot right there. That is w- what breaks down on me is that's my arguing is, point for uh, don't hunt elk, <laughs> 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 or just don't shoot big ones. It, well, it, it's funny because I've transferred over to kind of mule deer and and and, uh, and whitetail, 
and I've hunted elk for so long. I just it's it's whitetails newer for me. And you get to eat ho hos and ding dongs and sit in the sleep in a fucking bed. And so if you kill one, you drive the truck up to it or the ranger. Can ham, yeah, yeah, throw yeah. it up there. And you you go back and you hang it up with it, a winch. That's kind of a, a joke. Obviously, that, that's not the reason, but it certainly didn't hurt my feelings. Oh, it's um, like it's like the turkey hunting of big game hunting because you're like, well, I can shoot more than one of them, and then uh, <laughs> it's not really hard to get them back to the house. Well, then, you know, you I do the it. math. One elk, kill yourself, right? X amount of miles in, whatever, whatever. Or I can shoot six whitetails for the same amount of meat (laughs) and walk like 150 yards of my tree stand. And oftentimes cheaper than the (laughs) elk tag that you spent on. No, I mean, seriously, though. like sleep in a nice bed. Elk hunting is is awesome. Um, And, you know, and I I love every part of it. But I think people that are listening to this that are going to, you know, come out west just have realistic expectations. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, when you, when you, when you head out here, it's not impossible to kill an elk. People do it every year, but it's, what's the success rate on OTC public 7% or something? Oh, is it? I, I was, I was going to say like maybe 12 to 14%, it, it but might, that might be high. I don't know. It, it might, it might be. So pretty simple. Yeah, every I mean, hundred. We're talking about the the whole gamut of, of cows, young bulls. I mean, that's just, that's just, you, you put some meat in the, you know. Yeah. So that's hundred guys, 12 to 14 of them have shot something. Could be a calf, could be a yeah. bull, could be a giant bull. So you you want to be aware of 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 that, and and I I think as time goes on, I would imagine Colorado will go to an all draw state to a certain degree. Yeah. So I don't know if you listened to that podcast I did with uh, Rob Batuto. Um, I had him on mine, and I and that was the premise because we had had you know he and I he invited me on his podcast. We had some good discussions, and then um, he, and I give him ration of crap about it. It's it's funny at this point. We had a just an incredible like three hour awesome discussion he completely forgot to hit record oh like, my oh, god lost the, or, or else lost the, i mean lost the whole discussion oh, yeah. it sucked but so we you, you know how it is you can't recreate you can never recreate it you know but anyway so part of that discussion was over the counter and then so here in colorado uh a very popular unit for a lot of people are is 80 and 81 and that just went all limited draw and it wasn't a situation where, you know, you could have had maybe over the counter with caps or it could have been something <laughs> else. Get that baby. That's what you have tools in here for. <sighs> um, so, but the, but the division of wildlife dis, or the parks and wildlife decided to make 80 and 81 in a limited draw unit. And because under their surveys, they were looking at the hunter numbers in there, not only were the hunter numbers high, but the, it was, I, I think it, I think the number was sixty seven percent of the hunters that were hunting in those two units were non resident hunters. Yeah, and so Texans one hundred percent, almost almost one hundred percent. And so the division decided to make it a limited draw unit. Well, there because that area has a lot of four wheeler and off road vehicle access. Uh, it it obviously attracts a certain type of people that oftentimes go hunt there. And the discussion was is okay. Well, you're just because they made those two units limited draw now, again, especially when we're talking non-residents, okay, in Colorado, you're limited at what, 20% non-residents or yeah. roughly, so to speak? Well, you just, how many of those non-residents did you just cut out of that particular unit? It's not like they're just going to say, well, I can't go elk hunting anymore. What are they going to do? They're going to go to another unit. They're going to go somewhere else, and they're probably going to go somewhere else that allows them to bring their fifth wheel, to bring their four-wheeler, to bring... So the the adjacent units nearby, if there are any, that allow for over-the-counter tags with, you know, uh, off-road vehicle use, 
it's just going to, that, that it's just, it's like sweeping water. You're just, you're just pushing water from one area to the other area. So the, the whole discussion was, is, is over the counter hunting uh, over time. And, and this was, it's funny. We've, I don't even know how many hours we've been talking right now, but we haven't even got to where we were actually going to talk before. Um, you know, is over the counter unit, over the counter hunting dead? You know, is it, or is it, is it a dying thing? Are we going to see Colorado over time? By default, based on how uh, popular, you know, especially bow hunting is, and that's the other thing too with eighty and eighty one, it went archery limited. It, it was limit a hundred percent limited draw for archery, but it's over the counter for rifle. So a lot of these guys, maybe they won't go archery hunting. Maybe they'll go rifle hunting. We'll, we'll see. But is over the counter hunting a thing of the past? I don't know, I, but I I can't see it sustaining itself. Well, and I, when I got bashed, I don't know, it was quite a while we did that podcast. Uh, I think Harold was on, and it was funny. One of the guys, he messaged me, said, you're a whiny little bitch. I mean, literally, <laughs> that's what he said. And I'm like, so way? you're whi- you are being a whiny little bitch about me being a whiny little bitch. That's, that's awkward. You know, <laughs> what, what am I supposed to say that? So the that's point you, was. would take one to know one. That's the meme. Yeah. 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 I know you are, but what am I? And exactly. I just was, and I didn't want to get into a shit. I just was like, dude, what, what are, you are you talking, talking about? about? And I said, you have to understand. I live here, right? I'm, yeah. I'm telling you what I'm seeing living here. And have you, one of the guys that was in, I said, have you hunted here yet? He hadn't even hunted here, right? Yeah. It was just a dream that I would take away that dream. And I'm like, well, we're not outlawing hunting. Yeah. We're making hunting better, right? Like it's not uh, origami. Um, it's not. Uh, it's not like we're taking the ability for you to hunt away. We're just taking the ability for you to hunt every, every year. year away for a better hunt. And so- for by, me, by who's okay, but this is where I put my black don't hat. You think by by whose standard? There, there will still be units you can draw every year, don't you think? Or Pro- probably it, there it, might be, and, and that may be the case. And then the other flip side is, is okay based on that. But to your point, Aaron, what is going to be the quality experience in there? What's what's the quality? What what is the level of quality experience? Well, and that was my point. Like you said, under what, according to who? As far as yeah, if sense. you just want to go out in the woods, yeah. Okay, that's not. I'm, yep. I'm talking about putting an animal on the ground. Of course, if you can't go, your quality of hunt's going to be pretty low because exactly. you didn't get to go. But meaning more interaction with elk. Bottom line. And right now, I would say in reality that if you any rifle season on an over the counter is going to have twenty to thirty vehicles at a trailhead. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot on average. Yeah. Maybe less, maybe more. Um, we are. This last year wasn't as bad. A significant amount of miles into the wilderness on an OTC elk area. And we had people that hiked in just to see if they could see elk before they bought their tag. Yeah. And we're multiple miles in. Yep. Along with other elk hunters in a horrible elk hunting spot because of what they looked at on a map or whatever. When the chances of that spot being better down low with less pressure, it's great habitat. They just get run out of there. So for me... I get it if you want to hunt out, head out west. Every, I get that, you know, and I've been spoiled. I've lived out here, so I've got to do it. But I would choose to certainly hunt every other year for elk and have a higher percentage of killing a bull than hiking with a fucking weapon in my hand for the hell of it each year okay, or now, even every three years. So let, let me take that, and, and I, I see that, and I raise you what we kind of ended on on the last podcast. People talk about hunt, you know, we don't even need to dive down the rabbit hole of R3 and recruitment and all that type of stuff. But we were talking about the fact that, you know, I, 
I'm calling bullshit on a lot of sportsmen these days on on what they're saying. So hunter crowding, overcrowding in these over-the-counter units. Well, you cannot deny that part of the crowding issue in uh, some of these over-the-counter units is because you have people from out of state hunting multiple states. So you got somebody that's hunting Colorado, and then they're going to go to Idaho, and then they're or they're going to go to Wyoming, and then they're going to go to Oregon, or they're going to go to Washington, or they're going to go to the. So they're hunting multiple states, multiple elk tags a year. What if, rather than a state saying, you know, we're going to limit this unit to, you know, we're going to make this limited draw, basically, what what if there was a Western states compact that said. A person is only allowed one elk tag a year across the Western United States. Oh so if you get, you're trying it, to start a war. <laughs> ah, see, that's the thing is, but but do you, can't. Okay, of course I'm an out. Of, I'm a non-resident now. Right? I, the only thing I would say, as far as me being the black hat, what about the guys that 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 don't, for example, for ten years, and then all of a sudden they run into some money and they want to hunt two states. Uh, Should they be penalized? Well, but they were penalized up to that point by everybody else. So wouldn't it be if you if you limited the number of other people that were running? I don't give a shit. I'm just saying that's what they would say. I know. know? I'm I'm playing devil's advocate (laughs) here, but that's the other thing too. Is because I listened to a a brief portion of a podcast. These are guys. These are whitetail hunters from back east, and they had their own podcast, and they were talking about they were bitching about. Uh, R three and and they were raising the question: Should state agencies really be putting money into recruiting other hunters, given the fact that there's so much hunter crowding and everything else? And that discussion was the second half of their podcast, where in the first part of the podcast they were talking about hunting like four different states on public land for whitetails, and then they were talking about all the you know th- it was not just them; it was them, their buddies, and everything else. So they're going to multiple states, buying tags. They're hunting public land. Now we're talking eastern United States, where there's very limited public land. So they're going out hunting multiple states on public land. They're crowding that hunting that that public land, and then they were talking about going out of state in the spring, doing out of state shed hunts. Good. Listen, your ADD is just so they're they're so they're they're going out of state to do shed hunts. They're going out of state to do all these white hunts. And then the second half of their discussion was there's too much hunter crowding going on. I'm like, are you guys are you are you not even cognizant of the hypocrisy that you're you are the quintessential problem of eastern United States public land hunting for whitetails, but the same thing can be said about elk hunting in the West is how many people are hunting multiple states and how much does that exacerbate the non-resident or, or well, it, let alone the non-resident, but how much does that exacerbate uh, hunter crowding? I, I have no idea, but it's an interesting thought exercise of like, well, okay, well, do you really need to go hunt three elk in three different states or, or is it good just to have one good one? And then is it better for everybody else to have a good hunt because you weren't out there, you know, running around the landscape? And That's a tough one because I would probably choose one good hunt. I would want one good one. So do you, So here's the question. If you want one good one, do you limit everyone in the state and allow out-of-state hunters to go bounce around and hunt multiple states? Or do you simply limit the non-resident hunter? That wants to come and bounce around, you know, again, me coming in, I, I only buy one tag. I come to Colorado or I decide to go to Idaho or I decide to go to New Mexico. Well, I had my elk tag and that, 
and that it is, and there it is. Yeah, I'm trying to think of people. Multiple state people generally are men of means, right? They got they got money. Yeah, or yeah, he, or they've yeah 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 in some so way shape or form. The shitting on the little man portion will come up in this, like you know, if, with this not with you and I because I don't I'm not. I'm just saying I'd probably just go hunt Colorado or Idaho or Wyoming or whatever. I just pick one and I go hunt a bunch of other shit. Rewinding in life to construction worker days. That's kind of shitting on the little man, right? Because the men of means, not not what you're talking about, but where it's at now, the men of means, which is my own fault, right? I got my own job and I had yeah. whatever that is that is not fair. That is how that is looked at. So you look at a Dan Evans in uh, Cameron Haynes. John Dudley and pick somebody else. Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan. The amount of money that they spend on those tags is is high, but I think it gets lost in that is that is private land. 100%. It is really not part of this equation because nope. you're not going to hunt that shit anyway. You're broke. I'm not. I can't yeah. afford it. And 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 so for the public portion, you're not necessarily shitting on the little man state to state. It's all of the states. And it doesn't really, if you do what you did, it it would not be so much shitting on the little man because the little man can only hunt one state anyway. Correct. Trying to look at the big picture here. And I am not voiced, I have not made an opinion on no, this. I, I, yeah, I, 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 same with me. Same with me. It was just one of those let's things. Let's change it to out. mule deer. I like hunting mule deer. If I only got to choose one state to hunt mule deer, that would fucking suck. I would like to hunt a few different, like next year I would like to hunt, you know, Colorado, Wyoming, potentially, South Dakota for sure. I'd like to hunt those three states. If Now, I guess the caveat would be um, if it was private land, okay, would yeah, that pri- play pri- into it? Yeah, private land, quite honestly, I could say no. Maybe you exclude that simply because you actually do want to increase the pressure on private land, especially in these landscapes where you have a good mix of public. Push them onto public. Yeah, get, them, get that disturbance, remove the sanctuary aspect of the private, and, and get those animals moved back across the landscape to where the public land hunter has a better chance of actually getting Yeah, because, I mean, they don't go to private because they know the landowner has money. Correct. They go there because they're yeah. safe, Correct. right? I mean, that's why they're there. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that there are times that, it's hard to imagine exactly how those elk go to private if you haven't been out here or seen it. I have hunted in, uh, I'll just say, I don't mind saying the unit, I've hunted in the eagle's nest and a lot of private land surrounding that. I've seen giant bulls with cows 40 yards off the pavement, the road, Oh yeah, on yeah, private yeah. land during the middle of bow season. And they know they are safe. They don't give a shit. Oh, no. that And my high country camp used to be over in that kind of neck of the woods. Different area, but similar. And that's exactly it. I mean, th- that's where they would go. I mean, it was August 29th to September 1st, somewhere around in there. They would just pick up and they would walk down the mountain and they would just get on to the private, which was very similar habit. There was like literally no difference on None. the landscape, the the <laughs> yeah. food, the forage, the, there was no. The other well, there than, was a difference. They weren't getting shot at. Uh, the, the other, <laughs> the only difference was this imaginary line where, as long as I'm over here, I don't get messed with. And give me an idea. When I was younger and used to, you know, sc- I wouldn't say skirt an ethical line. I didn't have any problem calling a bull off of private land. I used to. In the one wilderness area that you know of, you can loop into the wilderness and come back and hunt the edges of private land. They got smart and started driving four-wheelers around, and the yeah, elk yeah, still yeah, yeah. knew that they were, you know, the elk didn't care about the four-wheeler. Four-wheeler nope. didn't, yeah. 
So you could call a bull. Now you rewind 15 years to 10 years to whatever. More and more elk are going to private. 10 years ago, you could get that thing to cross the fence. Now you can watch that elk all day. Oh, yeah, stand exactly. at, he knows like that bull yep. will stand at the edge of that fence and look at you, yep. wander back and forth. But until dark, he's not crossing that fence. Yep, correct. That was my high country cap. It, it didn't matter what I did. It, yeah. I mean, they'll just, they would step out of the tree line. They would look at you. They'd bugle they, and they'd look up the hill and be like, nope, not gonna turn around, walk down. You know, yep. and I mean, it, they just no. they know where they're safe and that's where they're going to go. Now, again, we, we mentioned this a little while ago. You can find those sanctuary areas within public land and I mean, they, they will find them. However, they're going to take the path of least resistance. So are they going to try to find a chunk of real estate in the middle of public land where it's safe or are they just going to go down to that 40,000 acres where it's just stupidly easy to stumble into a safe area? Of course, they're going to go there. Well, and I, I mean, uh, you see a lot of these big movements the matt ranella brought his stuff up there's other guys you know talking about the privatization of of hunting in general and everything else and uh me it's kind of it's not weird for me trying to look at it from a ten thousand vertical foot perspective looking down on it okay i now can't afford unless my wife keeps making our house even cooler a private land tag it's not for private land when i say a private land tag it's to hunt public land but I don't have to draw it. If I can find one. Now, you, you can big... legally get into bidding wars in Colorado, which is starting to happen. And then when I say and bidding it's wars. It's going to be more and more. Yep, more and more because now, if they, um, as time goes on, let's say uh, pick a unit no one's ever going to draw 201, yeah. 10. Um, I can say that without blowing it out. What, what would a unit 10 archery tag go for right now, private land? Oh hell, you're I guarantee you're gonna be paying probably fifteen grand. Yeah, I would say ten, that's pretty, ten to fifteen grand for yeah, that tag. Say that's pretty realistic. Now let's say a guy didn't draw any other areas and he is a man of means and calls and says these tags are going for X amount, but I've sold them all. And he's like and keep in mind these farmers, right? Ranchers. Yeah, yeah. He hasn't paid you? He said he'd give you twelve, I'll give you twenty. Yeah, right now. Yeah. Cash in hand. Boom. Yeah, there you go. Which You'd be stupid not to take that. That Well, it doesn't take too many stories like that before the landowners just bump the price of those <clears throat> landowner tags up before right. they become unattainable to anyone. You think you should be able to draw a premium tag like that and sell it? Draw, you know what? I, or, or are you talking you drew that? Say you drew some premium tag like that. One, put in the years. You had the points. You drew the tag. Should you sell be able it? To, should you sell be able it to or sell give it, it away? No, should you be able to sell it and get a gain gain off of it? Yeah, yeah, monetary. Should you be able to sell it because the landowners are selling it, right? Yeah. Should you be able to sell your tag? Mm. I would like that because I would try to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> you that's, know, that's I, a, you bring a very interesting question up because I, now the argument is going to be that you know that the reason why the landowners are getting the tags and and why they have the ability to do what they do is because. Their properties are in some way, shape, or form providing habitat and food and resources for that population in that area, which is sometimes the case in some properties. But however, other properties are just by default in, you know, either so, either way, though, the tag's a tag. It, and correct. And, and the, that person is selling it and getting a monetary gain. If you've applied for 15 years, Get rid and, of and some now, of these, and now you're giving up your opportunity. I mean, you can make the argument that there's no difference in the tag. It's an animal. It's an animal. Mm-hmm. 
you're basically buying or selling your 15 years of investment and you by selling your tag. Can you, you imagine are, what that would look like on a forum? Rockslide oh, would have its own sell your tag here.com. Oh yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> We're onto something, Jerry. I mean, you're, you're, you're yeah, I mean you are you are forfeiting your future opportunity because it's not like you're going to get that tag next year. You've burned all your points. I would bet for that to happen because of the paperwork transfer, you would probably have to pay the state of Colorado an extra 250 or 500 bucks to cover the potential heading down the office clerk. The the logistics of it. But still, it's an interesting, it is a very interesting, uh, I I would think that (laughs) if Colorado, but how many people would though? Oh, I a know lot, a lot. Probably sell their points. Oh. I think so. Why well, not? well, actually, let's you know say what? hype. I, 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 well, I guess it, now it doesn't matter. So I'm sitting on what? Well, well you're I'm looking sitting this... on like 10, pre, 10 preference points for moose, but that's only because when I moved, I didn't realize this. You know, when for a non-resident hunter, at least back in the day, not anymore. Back in the day, a non-resident hunter had to put up the entire twenty five hundred dollars or whatever for the tag. I'm like, I am not doing that. So when I moved to Kansas and gave up my Colorado residency. I didn't put in for preference points anymore. Now, moose preference points are pretty much worthless, but that would have been one. You're right. That would have been one where I've been like, I'm never going to use these. Go ahead. I'll sell them. Think of the spiraling shithole this could turn into. So let's say (laughs) not just elk, right? Those are the, that's the easy ones or mule deer. Sheep. Oh, she. Yeah, that's what I would immediately you, you, you where try, my brain came you get, to. You're 65, 67 years old. All of a sudden, have to get a hip replacement or whatever. You're, you're, I, I, you can't or, get up on the mountain. Let, and you've got forty preference points. Let's use mm-hmm. use. Let's. I'm going to use me because I'm in a position in life where I've got to hunt a bunch. I've I've led a good life and I'm happy. And I know that I don't give a fuck about sheep, but I draw that tag. And when I say that. I have 16 points for pronghorn right now. <laughs> Where the hell am I going to burn them damn things? But I've shot a bunch of pronghorn, but I would sell that. But let's say I draw a... Well, you you don't sell the points. You have to have the, the tag. tag. They, let's say, yeah. though, right. I draw an S12 tag okay. it just because it popped into my brain. We're moving to Wyoming, right? I'm going to get to go hunt with my super good buddy, Ryan, and Frank's coming, and Jerry, we're going to hunt mule deer. I'm in it for the experience. I got guide now, dad. I'm going to guide this. I'm going to go. I don't fuck all these different things. I don't give a fuck about a sheep. So if I could sell that for 30 grand, which you probably could. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. I can go buy my, my, I can. Oh, so yeah, you're talking about you actually hold the tag. Oh, 30 grand? Yeah. Oh, hell no, man. You're talking 130 grand. So, uh, yeah, probably for a good look sheep at, tag. Look at the, look at the uh, Grand Slam, Ovis Club, the uh, Rocket Mountain Bighorn Society. Look, how much are those those governor's tags? Now, granted, that's multiple, multiple even, seasons, multiple even units. Even still, but in a good unit. You absolutely go so over right 100 now, grand on that. I would guess a goat hunt right now in Alaska is 8 to 12 grand. Somewhere in there? Okay, you draw, let's say, a nanny tag here, okay? You can draw a nanny tag in five to seven years in some of the units for in Colorado. And I draw that tag, and, and I've already shot four goats. Yeah. And I, let's say it's, let's say I could sell it for six to eight grand for a nanny, which I think you could sell it for six probably. Okay, so now I'm like, well, six grand. What can I do for six grand? My hot water heater just went out. Which it actually did. They're putting a new one right now. Um, I need new tires. 
money fucking talks, right? And Spe- so no matter how, let's let's just let's little just, baby just popped out, right? You got say, a kid. Let's, let's not even consider uh, the economy right now. Yeah, fuel is going to be looking like. But yeah, yeah. So I think that I I would hope that they would do it. Because honestly, there's no way they'll do it. No, but I, I would <laughs> well, like. If that's the case, then why, why isn't there a cap on how how much some of these landowners landowner tags are going for? Oh man, that that dude, you're coming in not being disrespectful. You're coming in late to that discussion. <laughs> I, I remember in the middle when I was politically active, when that uh, reauthorization does came posting up, that political was brutal... memes count as politically active? Correct. Okay. Correct. <laughs> um, the. That was a discussion, man. Now, and I was going to ask you because I wanted to know because I remember part of the discussion was people getting pissed off that a landowner could get a landowner voucher and then sell that voucher and then decline access to the land that the voucher was originally put supposed to be bond. And there was discussion saying, okay, well, a landowner voucher then should only be available and only usable on private ground. We can argue whether the the landowner voucher on Ranch A should only be allowed on Ranch A. But the flip side of that coin is you might have ranch A, B, and C, and those elk move across A, B, and C across, you know, so, okay, so ranch owner A gets the tags, but all of a sudden the elk move on B and C. Well, now that becomes superfluous. Well, maybe you just make the private land vouchers own private land only. So you can hunt any of those ranches. Well, did that, so if you buy the, the landowner vouchers that you had, did you also get access to the ranch or not? Oh, so it went. So it's not what because that was part of the conversation that was. I, well, I didn't remember how it two, translated. There's two private landowner tags, or there's two tags for private land in Colorado. Private land only. PLO, and whatever the fuck the other one's called. I think with the PLO, PLO tag, you, I'm spitting <laughs> almonds exactly. everywhere. Falling out of your beard. <laughs> you don't have. Yeah, you don't have to give them permission to the land. That's interesting. So I'm not. I mean. It, somebody, it, if I'm wrong, I'm sure I know no, I somebody will tell us. Because but. I've gotten a, a landowner deer tag before from um, whoever I've yeah. gotten it from, and you have to pay extra to, to hunt on the land, and it's a it's like a package deal. Yeah. Well, let's go back to the selling the tag thing. Yeah. This is intriguing to me. <laughs> so, if three hours in, we go down a rabbit hole. <laughs> if Colorado goes to draw only, which. That's probably going to happen. Yeah. Um, I think it should. Um, or over-the-counter a cap. Something to, to calm the numbers down. Um, and this dives into some of the Matt Brunella thing, yep. overcrowding. Yep. Solves a lot of problems. You may not get to hunt every year, but you still have the ability to, you know, the chance. If you drew in one year, which could happen, you drew mule deer, uh, elk, and uh, bighorn sheep. You can't hunt all of those. And if you're a man of means, it doesn't mean shit to you. You don't mean, need, need the money. But if that mule deer tag was, I'm going to just say unit 179, because I don't even fucking know if there's, I don't sure. even know if there is one. And that was something that was coveted to me and Frank. But that wasn't a high value tag, but you could make an extra 2,500 bucks. I would think that there would be a website developed immediately. I get well. Fuck, I don't think I know somebody's. Oh yeah, yeah. Bit on this Jerry's shit. That, on it. Yeah. That's why. Well, that's why Colorado Ill, uh, outlawed uh, brokers. Broker. Yep. Um, bit on my tag dot com. Whatever it is. If you had to pay, because money talks, the Department of Wildlife an additional five to seven hundred and fifty dollars on top of what you are purchasing price, 
that would be extremely enticing to the DOW or whatever the fuck it's called now because that would generate a lot of money oh, yeah, for them. And so when I say a man of means, that doesn't necessarily selling those not, that shit tags or shit tags. If they're not a great tag, but it's a decent tag, they're not going to go for as much. The state could put a cap on the value of those tags to where you can't sell it for any more than this. And so that would solve a lot of maybe shit crazy. Turn, turning hunting into a rich man sport. Yeah, that a... A unit three seventy one over there a counter tag that's a that's capped sooner a draw. It's a fifteen hundred dollar tag. But a unit two, one, ten. Or a moose tag. Oh, so God. moose and sheep would be the big ones. Goat, not as much. No, nope, moose and sheep. Desert. But, can you imagine desert? That's unlimited. I mean just put yeah. a dollar. I mean a million dollars. Somebody'll pay for that fucker. But um if you put a cap on it. And you just basically, you would just have a panel to decide. A panel of people know what the fuck they're doing, which seems to be more difficult in Colorado these days um, that actually it'd knew have, what it, they were doing. It would have to be go. It would have to go to random draw. There would be, I think you'd have so much interest in doing that. It would actually overwhelm the system to where it would just turn into a different tier of a draw. So, uh, you know, all, 50 people put in for this one tag. So let's just draw a name out of a hat. And that's literally what it's going to be. Or, or it goes, yeah, if, especially if you cap the, the price that you can, you know, th- th- you can't exceed a. What would a you sell? Cost, what do you think a desert cost? bighorn tag in Colorado would sell for today? Now think of the Jim, Jimmy Johns and the. Healthy mid 100s. I'd put it. I'd put it over four. You think so? Did you? Were you, have you been to a sheep show? No, I have not in a long time. No, I. That's where Frank, I, I've been out of it on that one. Well, I haven't either for a long time because I hate them. Shape Frank has though. What do those fuckers go for? Frank? Oh, <clears throat> what is Carmen Island and all that going for now? I would say anywhere from three hundred to seven hundred thousand yeah, dollars. Are insane. you serious? It's insane. I don't know it's, the Montana Bighorn tag that that one year went for. I think four seventy five. Um, <laughs> I don't know, like the Klohani Some, tag. Someone and, draws a bighorn sheep tag. It could be a life changing event. event. That's yeah. why you now you're not you're not shitting on the little man. The little man is shitting on you because oh, you baby. have money, which I prefer. So, if Jerry, you put in for you know for years for a bighorn sheep just because you had the means to put in for it, and you drew it, and and you could pay your house off with the sale of one tag, tag. would you sell it? Okay, if for drew, those who I can't drew, hear Jerry, he's saying 100% yeah, yes. Yeah, I, I drew my tag. Is he on? Can you hear me now? There yeah. he is. Um, 100%. So Even if the CPW got a percentage, if it was correct. just a percentage and it wasn't just a 10%, set fee. Yeah, yeah. They, got, they got 10% of it. I think we're on to something here. Jerry, you've been so what thinking. If, what if you're Frank and you've kicked out 10 kids and you so you apply your kids <laughs> every year since they're 12 years old. Unknowingly. For tags. Yeah. Oh, man. So they're 18. Yeah. Well, you got one that hunts. Yeah. Now you have... I just, I, I, I I think about uh, on this, there are multiple, some guy may have a moose hunt that he's always dreamed about. He's not going to sell that. I could give two fucks about bighorn sheep. I, when I say that meaning hunting them, I don't, I like photographing. I like going on the hunts. It's just not my animal. I can tell you right now, without a doubt, if I drew the most coveted tag in Colorado next year, I would sell that fucker faster than I got it because (laughs) I know what I could get for it. Yeah, um, because I, mean, I drew my my ram tag on the uh, the first year I was eligible. I, I drew it on year four, and and I was in a unit that had multiple 180 plus inch rams. rams. In it. Yeah. So what's a 180? That okay? Talking about the price of a. 
I don't know how long we've been. I know exactly. We've been on here for three hours. So, what is the price right now, top to bottom? Space. Um, what is the price of a hundred and eighty inch bighorn today? Oh, you're again. You're talking six figures. I mean, what? I mean, brutal. Minimum hundred twenty thousand dollars. I would Easy. say you get for okay. What's the price that Colorado has of a hundred and eighty to two hundred inch Shiras moose? Probably about it's the same. Got, it's same. Be, it's got to be in that ballpark. Goats down a little bit. We don't yeah, have giant yeah. goats. So, for someone working, we're and we're going to use me and Frank right now. Frank, before you worked for Kafaru, what'd you make? Forty-five, fifty thousand dollars a year. Normal. Yeah, normal. Well, I I made a little bit more money at the end of my construction career, but rewind that, beating the shit out of my body, sixty grand a year. $180,000 is it's a very life-changing yeah. yeah. dollar amount for people that are that came up blue-collar working construction or or, or ranchers yeah. or whatever. I fucking so, wouldn't even blink an eye. So I mean, I would were, sell them all. If you win a tag, if you win a hunt, if you win a hunt at a show, you can sell the tag, right? Yep. So what's the difference? I don't well, I, every state's a little different, but show. yeah. <laughs> well, so let's say what's one tag you wouldn't sell? Gunnison mule deer. Late season. Man, I don't know. I'd probably. I'm, I, you could see the thing is you could sell one of these very highly coveted tags and get a pretty cool hunt. That's elsewhere. The, yeah, that's. A that, fair I was point. just. That's what I was going to yeah. bring up. Is there is not one tag yeah. I would not sell in the state of Colorado that I couldn't find a better one somewhere else or a good one. And when I say that, if you sold a hundred eighty thousand dollar bighorn tag, you could keep. 20 of it for yourself and pay your house off and go on four kick-ass mule deer hunts. <laughs> and there are people of means that would not blink an eye to sell, to, to purchase those. And when I say that, let's say hypothetically you've get the scouts, the Robbie Denning scouts and the Doyles and whatever else. Think about it. They find, and you know this would happen, they find a 190 Shiras, 195 Shiras in a specific unit. They know that's there. That's already on this website bidding system. There's no, t it's insane. What oh, you mean? You know, now you're prostituting fucking animals 100%. But it's like, 100%, I just found this animal. When they know that there's legitimately 190 plus inch Shiras moose, what do you think that tag will now go for? Correct. And, and, <laughs> and you know, so some states. I'm afraid have, to so some states. Have, them out. Uh, like, for instance, Utah just did their the game camera or trail camera ban. But they were smart when they did it. I, I think they were, we can argue whether it's smart or not. But given how they structured the ban, I think it was It was a smart move for them to say they also outlawed the sale of pictures or information from game cameras. So they outlawed game cameras for the take of wildlife. But you can say, well, I didn't draw an elk tag in there. Okay, Frank, I've got my game cameras. Why don't you go run game cameras up there for wildlife viewing and mule deer and everything else? And oh, there by the way, I'll give you a hundred bucks for every good elk picture. Well, so that's illegal. So there's and it's massive the the amount of sportsmen that are just you, you oh, want to I've, talk about you want to talk about getting I, hate mail. I we just dove into the pig <laughs> pen. Right I do here. not want to fucking talk about this subject on this podcast. We stirred so, up enough shit. There, there's people, but this is all just thought experiment. So if you can't handle it, shut the fuck <laughs> shut, shut up. This is just a, a thought experiment, but um, it's an interesting one because I'm sitting here trying to say I'm trying to figure out how this would hurt quote unquote the little guy. Because well, what if it wasn't? We're, we're not. It, we're, I, we're not talking about. 
landowner tags. We're talking about uh, you're just drawing the tag like anybody else would be drawing the tag. And you're now, making the, the choice, though. But here's the qu- okay. Now I do know. I know exactly how this hurts the little guy, because <laughs> everybody in their freaking brother's uncle would put in for a sheep tag, a moose tag. Now it would be worth. You would, you would, you would tenfold increase the amount of applications. So that's good for the state. It's good for the state, but now the average person that does not want to sell the tag, that does want to hunt, his uh, his or her odds of drawing the tag just freaking tanked into the floor. Because you mean like now, what the Colorado Department of Wildlife already did for three dollars? Come on now, <laughs> let's, not, let's not muddy the waters. But that's that's saying. that is how that I don't is give how, a fuck it, how broke you are. You can find three dollars and change. Yeah, right? that, or whatever that's it was. Thing. That yeah. that is literally what would happen. You you would you would artificially inflate the number of people putting in for a tag, simply hoping that they could get a payday. You, you'd never be able. It would preference points might as well be completely irrelevant because Which they are anyway yeah you'd be at a hundred preference points in order to actually legitimately draw it it would just be complete random draw so next next it would, question. It would be a train wreck next question to this so i i saved all you haters out there that's, if, that's why it if if right now they did it let's say for two years and then they stop preference points it, could you sell your preference? Should you be able to sell your preference points or never, share them? I never had a problem. See, I personally never had a problem with that idea back in the day when it was originally proposed. And and I'm quite honestly, I'm one of those people that lo- I do like the idea of preference point banking. You know, I yeah. how do, how do we whittle away at some of these things? And quite honestly, if if and again, this is my opinion. You're sitting on ten preference points. No, let me. I already have me. people in Wyoming. Point, I've got sixteen points for pronghorn. I've killed a bunch of pronger. Now, have I ever killed a, a massive trophy pronger? No, but we're talking, do I care at this point? I don't know, but I've got 16 preference points. What if somebody has a private you know, ranch or whatever down in Los Animas County or Huerfano County or whatever, and they know where there's a, you know, let's say a 90 inch goat running around one of these years, all of a sudden 16 preference points. Hell yeah, I'll sell you my preference points. I have no plan to use them on my moose points, but not that they mean anything, but Pronghorn's a great example. I have no plan to use, really, my 16 preference points, but if someone wanted to use go for it. Now, how does that impact uh, the average Joe Schmedley? I don't think it does. I think think in this situation, it's a better situation because I've, I've spent the 10 years or 16 years putting in for it, and now that I give it up, I will never have it again. Rewind that a little bit. Um... Again, another portion of a website we could build. If you could share preference points, meaning should you only be able to share as a group or are you selling them, basically? So when I when you yeah, look at that, yeah. which I think it's a win-win, one, it gets this point creep problem, you know, get yeah. rid of the points. So if I have a guy that um, has 12 points in that unit you and I just talked about, okay. only takes four or five. Yep. Um, and I, ha- and I know that unit and obviously there's going to have to be a handshake agreement, but I'm like, Hey man, get me in. I'll, I'll show you where to go. Or, Hey, I'll give you 1500 bucks for five of your preference points, whatever, just make up numbers. Yeah. That would get rid of all of them quickly. Oh, yeah, um, now I'm trying to think that definitely couldn't shit on the little man. Mm, it, yeah. Well, you can't magically you're, you're, grow twenty no, points. No, but but you're still. But again, this is where you're you're still artificially 
you would be you would be you would be a player in getting one of those limited licenses where normally you would not be. Yes. So you would increase the number of people playing in the pool that want those coveted tags. Whereas if but they, you weren't playing in the pool, there'd be less people in the pool pissing in the pool. But there's only a certain amount of tags in that pool no matter what. And Correct. it's not going to increase putting in for it because you can't. I mean, and time this, is the only this, way to gather this points. Was the, this was the argument a lot of people had against the preference point banking is because there will be a period of time. And I my argument was probably short term versus long term. But there's going to be a period of time where you artificially inflate the amount of preference points that are being used in that unit. So it's yeah. going to shit on some of the people that are like, like for me, uh, I, I'm on that. I should draw I, the unit we were talking about. I should be able to draw that this year with non-resident points. Hold with your fingers how many points you have. Uh, for elk? Yeah. Uh, five or six, yeah. I believe. Yeah. For a okay. non-resident. But that's the thing is not knowing what, what this year looks like. Um, so, you know, if I'm if I'm that guy that is like, okay, I've been putting in for five years, I'm, I get to draw this tag this year, and then all of a sudden you, jackass, go, I'll buy six preference points or seven, so I know I got the tag. Yeah. Well, all of a sudden, you just bumped me out of it. So that's where it hurts the little guy a little bit. But well, the thing any is, guy at that point. But at yeah. any, correct, any guy at that point. But my argument back in the day was, okay, that's true. For a short period of time, while that recalibrates itself. Three because years we probably just, would... Do yeah. it, wouldn't it? Because I think because the people that wanted to get rid of points would have gotten rid of the points. The people who want to hang on to their points for a better option would have done that. So it would be a blip in the. It, it would. It would be a short term pain. Where, in my opinion, I, I don't have any rational behind it. I think it would be a short term pain for a, a longer term gain. gain. No, I agree with you. Just because of the amount of people with so many points, and they get nothing. When I okay, the unit you and I are talking about. Um, I, uh, well, let's let's pick three different units that are three to five points for out of state. Mm -hmm. And you've been able to afford to put in for the tag, but you haven't been able to afford to go. So you just keep buying them. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I think that what would be the, the bonus of that is the given dropping the points. But the also the gain would be obviously, you know, people, their pocketbook, they would be able to make some money off of it. And the state's already made a ton of money for not a ton. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Putting in mm -hmm. that. And you're still dealing with that tag. You're, you're not taking additional animals off the landscape. Yeah, and Wyoming does it. It works fine for them. Well, that's arguable, depending on the value set of the person that, that looks on it. And, you know, That's the thing is we're dealing with – it always comes back to competing value sets and what, yeah, what yeah, people yeah. want. And yeah. you're going to have haters anywhere Yeah, that. And I don't – I think – I'm not saying one of these is right or wrong. I'm oh, saying it is a very – or any of us have – I would. it's a very complex, dynamic – question with probably not one answer but you bring a guy in that is that that has one perspective of it and he's on frank's side of the table and then there's me and let's say i i'm the money guy i have unlimited money and then uh you know the guy in the the the, the middle or, or what everyone's coming at this from a different perspective and so getting to the bottom of it would be very and, and they're and they're and they're selfish perspective it's not it, most of these people are not going to be arguing on behalf of others and what would be good for the you know the you know the you know what is it the the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few no that's we're coming every one of us is coming at this from a standpoint of selfishness what do i what's going to impact me and what i want and what i value yeah. that's the problem with sportsmen the consumptive use model, if you will, that is the problem. Because the way of it, oh, God dang it. 
What? Because so I, <laughs> I wanted it. So we were we were we had this idea of going in a different direction when we last spoke, but this has been fun. The other thing I, I just was gonna spring on you, I was like, what if we could safely do catch and release hunting where you could put a tranquilizer dart on the end of your bow or you could go out with a tranquilizer gun and you could do catch and release hunting where you could choose to buy a tag or, or I, I, I don't even know how to go down. I mean, I haven't got, I haven't <laughs> waded into this little kiddie pool, but I know for me, there's some times where I'm not going out hunting because either I, my freezer's full or I just don't want to deal with it. But if I could go out and play and, and put my hands on that animal, like for elk season, you know how many little guys I would be laying on the ground? Yeah. You know, I mean, every little, every little small bull that came, you know, every two-year-old, three-year-old bull that came in that I'm, you know, I'm calling from here to the wall and I'm like, all right, go shoo-shoo away. I would be, and I, just, just so I could handle them, you know what I mean? You could I, only do it with a bow, though. It'd be hard to trink them with a gun as far as longer distances. But they're okay. But that's your choice. I mean, you, you could you could either use a pneumatic gun or you could use a, a an arrow or whatever. But if you could, if it was legal to do, what do you think it would change the landscape of hunting? And what and what do you think a lot of people would do? Do you think a lot of people would continue to actually kill is, the animal? So this is, or kind of, do you think they would actually go just so they could go get the grip of grin? And then it's like fly fishing. How many fly fishermen on a river are actually keeping the trout that they catch? Very probably single digit numbers. Apparently, Most people, it's frowned upon to keep the fish many, in a lot, of, a lot in, of places. In many places, it is because now catch and release has become the 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 mantra if you will the the mindset around fishing fly yeah. fly fly fishing anyway in certain rivers so would hunting then therefore kind of go the same direction <laughs> i don't know but it, it, this actually brings up to something i was talking to amy about last night not the trank but it's the same kind of thing because i ryan rotier had asked about something yeah i was i'm going to help him guide and so you know when you guide you don't get to hunt now I'm always going to get to hunt. You don't get to pull the trigger. To pull the trigger. Yeah. And don't get, I'm, I, without, I like shooting animals, but I, I like hanging out in camp. I like helping guys tune their bows. And I, you know, I like photographing. A lot of that goes to the wayside when you're trying to kill an animal. You don't have time to do all that shit. Right. So, I mean, yeah, that's why I don't have people bitch about me all the time. Chris, where's the footage? Fucker, dude, I'm doing it myself, man. Yeah. I, I, Do it I, with a stick yeah. bow. Yeah, you're lucky I got a freaking grip and grin on the ground, man. Jeez, OP. With you, it like camera in the yeah, grass because you're all by yourself. It, it's this. Here's here's my trophy pick. Click click. That, I'm sorry, it doesn't look sexy. So I, that's what it is. I oh. had and our buddy Alex Nestor, he went to Africa and shot a rhino with the trank dart. Yep. You know, yep. got pictures yep, yep, with yep. it right in there. Yep. So, but. I, I, as you change, as you as, as, as time goes on, for me, I'm like, you know, maybe next year uh, or this year, um, I'll hunt some, but I'm like, you know, maybe I'll just hang out with Rotier and guide antelope and mule deer because there's nothing better for me than creeping, whether I shoot it or not, is getting over a mule deer at 20 yards, right, in, in, in its bed. I can only do that once and kill it. If, yep, it yep. yep. You and a paintball gun. So you yeah. can mark the ones you've gotten close to. But being able to help someone in that intensity, yeah, if, you, if if you're an adrenaline junkie and the only way to find adrenaline now is that red zone on a on a mule deer or what you know, whatever, yeah. 
it's weird because I'm at a different place than I was 10 years. Well, that and I get shoot 100 year, animals a year for the last few years. I, I, I am to the point where it's like, you know, rather than just shooting everything I see, maybe I should help people shoot everything they see, right? Maybe yeah, I should start yeah, yeah. Um, doing that and see how it goes because I certainly would not mind being able to help guys tune their bows. Um, you know, like I was talking with Ryan, what Scotty and I do, do that more as far as filling the freezer. Go on that one elk hunt, shoot a buffalo or a bison, you know, which is like shooting the neighbor's cow. It's not for the gripping. It's I just like yeah. to eat the fuckers. Um, shoot a mule deer. You know, I'd still get to go shoot five or six animals, which is great. But like guiding, I don't know how many 150 animals in the last couple of years I've gotten to guide. Well, that's that's a lot of adrenaline going in over the top. So if you could trank them, you still get the same adrenaline rush as blood hitting the ground. Uh, for me, it would. For me, hunting is not about blood on the ground. For me, is the is save the, your body. It's the game, right? Or, yeah, one hundred percent of what. For me, it's it's about the 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 game, the the chess match between me and the animal. Can I say checkmate? Getting someone to check is not as satisfying as saying checkmate. You know what I mean? And so the actual tranquilizer, boom, animal lays down and be like, ha checkmate. Go over there, get a picture of him, pet him, be like, good job, buddy. All right, next time. Well, and, and then kick him loose, and I'll come back and see you next year. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but, kick him loose, and then he gets tranked right after and overdoses. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're, this, this is you're where, sick, this is, this is where all the, what if you tranked a goat and- it fell off. <laughs> okay, so yeah, you can't do all. Species. Now you're gonna get blasted <laughs> on rock slide. Yeah. Come on, let's be smart about this, man. But no, I mean that all these things Walks go into, into it. oncoming <laughs> traffic. But Come that's on, the thing Chris. is, all the all these things would 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 play into it. I'm not saying I'm advocating it <clears throat> per se. Um, I'm just saying it would be just interesting to see what would what would change in the would would anything change. Well, because I can I, see somebody like me. I, is there a limit to how many you could trank? Because there wouldn't be oh, there. I'd be fucking tranking everything. Correct. I mean, I think that's. A, it, I mean, I look at look at the the. Look, the there's movement. a three legged calf sucking on his mom's tit. Trank. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look! But there's you, my neighbor's you, dog. You, you trank. look at the whitetail world. You look at the whitetail world, and in culturally now, there's been a shift in quality deer management. You know, type of mindset where, you know, let them go so they can grow. You know, you let the younger age class grow go so that they can grow to get to that four, five, or more five, six plus year old age class. We don't have that mindset in the West. It, it's just I want to get something on the ground. We don't have that mindset of. Well, and not like I do. I, and this is what I said in the last podcast. You asked me how many elk I killed. And I said, you've killed more than me because I I will literally let a, a two or three year old bull walk by me and, and I'll go I'll let it go unless it's the last day of my hunt or whatever. And a three year old bull that had a really cool experience. OK. And my freezer needs meat. OK, I'll put him on the ground. But I, I will let a shit ton of of animals go because I just like to go after an older age class animal. How many people would transition to that mindset if they could go in and trank a two year old and get that, ha ah, that, that, you know, blow their load, so to speak of excitement on that small animal and then turn him loose and then say, okay, now that I got that out of my system, I want to go after an older <laughs> age class. Would it, would it allow an older age class of animal to mature on the landscape to where you would end up by default because you had a higher survivable survivability of your bull age class and you have greater 
uh, diversity of your age class, you'd have more bugling, you'd have more engagements, you'd have more. I mean, the entire. I got to say, out of everything we've talked about, this is the one thing that is not going to happen. No, it's not going to happen at all. But the one thing it does bring up, (laughs) and none of what we talked about is going to happen anyway. um, This one is not even in the realm. The one thing this does bring up is, um, in in kind of uh, you know the overcrowding and the Matt Ranella and why are you hunting? So oh yeah 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 okay so. For some people that see social media, people would say, we got 49 minutes, um, and we're out. Uh, it's for the gram, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so then there's other people, you know, in an age class that started where well before social media and would hunt well well after social media. So, you know, I would say, one, I like eating meat, so, I mean, we eat shit tons, and then I like the adventure, and, you know, and I like that intensity of that red zone, you know, put an animal on the ground there is a new thing, right? Or not a newer thing, you know, with the new age class of hunters and things like that and everything else, you know, obviously you eat what you kill, so on and so forth. If you divided that out, if there wasn't social media, I think it's probably overblown how many people wouldn't hunt if it wasn't for social media. I think that's in the 1%, right? I mean, I I Um, highly doubt if you- Single digits, I think you're right. It's blown out of proportion. I would say for the, um, you know, the the chest pounding- But I still don't think those people aren't going to quit, right? I mean, I, I don't know anyone, even guys that are really glorified, uh, like glory whores or whatever, um, they're not going to quit hunting that they can't no. brag about it. Be- before social media, these people still existed, and, and they was just pounding their chest at the local sporting goods store or, or magazine community. And you know, shit yeah. or whatever. Catalogs, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that, you know, I, I see a lot of people, oh, if social me- media into tomorrow, the hunting would go down. That's I don't think that's true um, at all. Even if YouTube social... Some, I guess maybe some would if their, you know, if their livelihood was off of promotion, maybe, I, I don't, I don't know. But the the reality, like when you, when you, when you look at hunting, it's a hobby for some, it gives them a reason to stay fit and gives them something to do. I don't really think that anything would take a massive nosedive if Facebook and fucking Instagram died tomorrow. Do you? No, I, I don't. I, the only issue is, is again, what we talked about before is that that community level of exposure, that that unity, that that. Um, yeah, just the, just the, the momentum of the discussion and community around it might. But then again, you flip it around to what Matt was saying is, OK, but is uh, a buddy of mine and I don't maybe you've said this, but is the juice worth the squeeze? You know what I mean? It, 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 at what cost is it? So I don't I don't know that answer, but yeah. Yeah, it, well, it's weird because, like, I've made statements, which I don't think people believe. I would just take pictures. If I couldn't hunt tomorrow, I would just photograph. And I wouldn't have any. I would just photograph other people's hunts. If there was no hunting, I'd go photograph animals and shit. I don't know. But I, I, I think it's blown out of proportion to a great degree that, like, social media is the reason why a lot of people are hunting. Maybe part of the reason, I'm sure, but I mean, I don't. I knew you way before social media. You were getting after it more so then than now, because now you got all kinds of other shit going on. Um, I know, Frank. You're not going to hunt. Stop hunting mule deer. You you post on social media for friends, the business, you know, whatever people to see our adventures, you know, all that kind of shit. At not one time, I don't know anybody hunting because of Instagram. No, I, I don't think because of Instagram, but I will say there's more people hunting now because of the the meat eaters, because of Joe Rogan, because of, you know, those people that they've seen in the public sphere 
engaged in hunting and then you know whether their value sets are aligned or you know whatever whatever the reason this is where the fine line comes in and again this is where we ha- i guess you have to separate is tv and youtube considered social media or is it a separate separate entity i don't think you are gaining many hunters based off of facebook and instagram i do think you are gaining hunters off of good accounts on YouTube and or on TV. Um, you know, there's one account that's on uh, um, YouTube, uh, Deer Meat for Dinner. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that guy. He lives in Florida and it that's his that's his page, Deer Meat for Dinner. And, and it's about, we're going to go out and have a fun time hunting and then we're going to come back to the kitchen and we're going to cook it. It's, it's very meat eater-esque. Uh, but he just brings a completely different flavor and feel and experience with it. It's it's the same thread and massive. I mean, he'll post a video and within hours, it's just the number of views is just insane. And so there's those type of accounts do so much good for us. Then you got the other flip side of of what. So I <laughs> what think. What the fuck, Chris? I think. Oh, I was pointing at you. No, I, I was. <laughs> then you have this these videos. <laughs> See, this is where some people get a little sensitive. About it. It's just no. You, it, you go back in Instagram time. Instagram or Facebook? I don't know. YouTube and TV podcasts. I think yes. All right. So who is known as the father of modern bow hunting? Fred Bear. Okay. What did Fred Bear do in his career? Oh, shit. Don't get me going on Fred Bear. <laughs> well, too late. What he, did Fred Bear do? He shot a shitload of animals he with a bow. He documented his hunts. And yes, shit, he did. He documented stuff. his hunts, and he documented his hunts to promote bear archery. Nothing nothing wrong yeah. with that. Now, I'm not, I don't want to get into the whole current time frame. You're not supposed to shoot far, and back then they were winging arrows at far distances oh with the gosh, recurve. Oh, my yeah. And whenever you bring that up, generally people say, well, now you can't do it because of the public's eye and the antis, which antis don't know what's far and close or whatever. I do generally when I'm watching a Fred Bear video, which is at least once a month, when he says, I have to get into effective bow range inside of 60 yards, I video that and post it on my page just so everybody remembers that was Fred. But he was promoting. Okay, so you fast forward and then there was more magazine ads, right? That was that was the Facebook and Instagram of today. More and more magazines, and then when I say that, you know, that's just a way to read that about was a, it. That was a communication avenue. Yeah. Then yeah. it was forums. Forums yeah. got going. Correct. Now we're at forums, social media, and podcasts. So no doubt, at a multiplier of a million or hundred, uh, way more than back in the day, that there's so many different ways. So if you took away all of that, if you took away podcasts, well, hunting podcasts. You took away magazines. You took away TV shows. I left that one out. TV shows. What you have is several hundred thousand unemployed people that work in the outdoor industry. Would you all agree with that? Yeah, probably. Okay, so when we talk about bad and good in the 10,000 vertical foot view, how bad is all this stuff for hunting? How bad is it? Because you're getting more people in it. You're getting more people to spend money. You're getting more more. Americans employed and, and, and obviously a lot of shit's made overseas, but right now, if we took away hunting, we're all out of a job or the promotion of hunting. You don't have a website anymore. Yeah. It's gone. So sometimes I look back at this and think Russia's invading fucking Ukraine 
we're at uh, $4 and something for diesel, and we're worried about podcasts and overcrowding. First world mm. problems. What's that? First world problems. Yeah, it's like, well, holy shit, is it more people hunting? Is it that big of a deal? Now, of course, overcrowding's bad and whatever else, but, I mean, if you take it away, it's a big problem. What are you thinking? I'm laughing because this is literally at three hours and 30 minutes on our previous podcast. This is the discussion we were going to wade into. And now we're three hours and 30 minutes into this podcast and we're waiting. Well, this back way on. I know we can't overrun it. So how bad is all this stuff? So you have knuckleheads on social media holding ducks in their mouth and occasional dipshit laying naked behind a deer. Bad. Debat yeah, bad debatably, though, that this has been going on before social media. It just, yeah, now but it's more obvious because it's being broadcast. It's, it, to it's the more masses. obvious to people that didn't ever consume it. Before, I'll if put, you saw something egregious in a, ma well, number one, a lot of times you didn't see anything egregious in a magazine because an editor would have would have whittled that out and said, no, we're not going to post that bullshit. But picture. let's get back to the question. I, I'm getting there. More getting numbers there. of people are here today in the outdoor and hunting industry. It, it seems than to be ever. growing, yes. It seems to be seems to back up because in my opinion of forums podcasts magazines tv shows and all the other shit correct are the bad apples is the juice worth the squeeze is it are the bad apples just trying to keep a handle on them and keep going the route we're going i agree with that the only issue is is with our successes and and the benefit of exposing more people to to ethical empathetic hunting the more attention gets put on it, the more the antis get angst, and they have ample examples from which to dive into and pull the treacherous side of all this to where I think what it is, it's, it's, it's always the yin and yang. Yeah. As one thing grows in benefit, so is going to be the offset. It's going to be balanced. There's going to be an offset. And so I, I think it's good that we have social media. So hold, hold, and so, and hold on. Rewind. Why did bear baiting and spring bear hunting get taken away in Colorado? Because there sure as fuck wasn't social media and there oh, was no okay. forums. Okay, well, then I tell you what, um, let's table that. Because, <laughs> no, I, and, I, and I say table that. No, it's a good I, question. I have, I mean, I have I, a, I've got a bunch of notes back at home because this is going to be a topic of, of one of my podcasts. Yeah. So why don't we just plan a time where I just, we do a Zoom call and let's have this conversation between, or, or, or we can, I can come down this week and we'll do another one. But this is a, that's a legit, conversation like as in a multi-hour long conversation yeah and it I, goes to the, the the nature of people uh and 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 their value sets and how they think and how they act on the landscape it's a great question and i remember that and i won't i won't dive into any of that because i remember a lot of guys saying i don't bear hunt anyway i don't care and 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 and, and not anyway there's part but the 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 reason i brought it up is that you know we're talking about what's getting taken away because of the antis being able to see it. There was a lot taken away way before all this shit. There was, but now it's going to be a lot easier for them to throw emotionally triggering items right in the face of the public. Before, it's one thing to, it, this is what I say about my my website, why I set Row Hunting Resources, the Elk Hunting Institute up and the Elk Module up is anybody can get up there and flap their gums at you. Go ahead and put an elk in front of me and show me. Yeah. So when the animal activists back in the day would claim, oh, this treachery is happening, they had very little pictures or video to actually be able to pull from. Now, 
the more we put, the more treacherous images get put but, on social media. Hold on, stop interrupting. Well, you <laughs> fucking take forever to get your point across because it <laughs> make, because I make my point vividly. There's more actual visual <laughs> items that they can pull from and then throw in the face of the non-educated person, neutral person, to where that's going to c- trigger a completely different response. Agreed. But when it goes to a vote now, from before, we have all those outlets to get everyone together. How.org or how or wildlife.org is a prime example. You wouldn't have that if you didn't have this. So is the juice worth the squeeze? Is the increased... What are we, what are we going to do tomorrow? Mail Frank. Frank, you got to vote. Fuck, we didn't even have cell phones back then. Yeah, yeah. Now, one post will go in my page in front of I don't know, a few hundred thousand people. That, the podcast is 80,000 people. The tool is phenomenal. Yeah. It all has to do with what, again, we go back to our previous discussion, the pie chart. By the way, I'm just throwing this I know, out I, there. I, I, know. I, I don't I, know. There's I, no right or wrong answer. Correct. Of course there is. It's my, my answer is the right <laughs> answer. The issue is, is what what rises to the surface as the predominant theme, thread, flow of the exposure of that tool, whether we're talking Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, what rises to the top? If we continue to move the needle in a in a constructive, beneficial way that, again, I I have been hammering on the empathy part of it. But if if we continue to move that that way. It's going to be it's going to be good. But if we continue to also have a bunch of people pulling just bullshit out there. Yeah, it's going to it's going to bite us in the ass later. on. Yeah, I don't I don't think anybody. Well, anybody with any intelligence level would argue that Um, you just can't always have your cake and eat it, too. And and to more more con. Conscientious. Yeah, conscientious, cognizant of what we're doing in, in, in Saskatchewan. I think, though, that when you look at this, Luke can't say Saskatchewan. It's comical. He just can't do it. But um, I don't think he probably could say conscientious either with enough alcohol in him. Um, I love you, Luke. If you, when you're looking at this, there's still the overcrowding portion or whatever else. So when, going back, and I bring up Steve Rinella on this one. Is everything he's done that's good, and this is him and his brother arguing, yeah, right? Yeah. I would I would argue that prob- Rennell has probably done more for hunting than anyone else. Um, Absolutely, I agree with that. I, and I don't think he's done anything bad. But no, I no. In, I, fate, let's just say he's done more positive for the positive image and movement of getting more people involved with hunting than I think anybody else has. Yeah, and I, I'm I've always said that he's done more if by far. But is the overcrowding and the you're still going to see things that 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 people may animals dying. Right. He does a very good job of portraying it. Um, But it's also gotten I mean, it's gotten more people into hunting than probably anyone. I I would assume now I would say on on my side of the fence, I need to be more empathetic or show more cooking of me. I just always for me, it's implied. Like, why the fuck do I got to show me cooking on the trigger or whatever? But should there be rules? So we're talking about hunting being kicked off of social media completely. Should there be not anti or neutral hunters that, you know, you have the fact checkers. Should Facebook and Instagram have a group of people they pay to immediately yank anything negative? 
or you have keep, a, or have a panel that votes on whether or not. Okay, so this a panel the, would the, take too long. Well, depending. I mean, if it, it, come on, Chris, many, if I post a photo of a fucking doe running around with guts hanging out, and it's got to go to a panel. It's going to go through fucking I don't know how many people yeah, before but, you pull it. Well, if you're talking a panel panel of just a handful of people, that'd go pretty quick because something egregious like that would be like, okay, that's no. But it's you know, pretty. I think a panel should decide on the rules of the road. I just think a group of people could have already decided on from that panel on what's a go or no go. Meaning, deer in the back of the truck, beer cans, it's gone. No go. Guts hanging out, gone. You know, things like Showing that. Showing a video of a coyote in a trap just doing the freaking pinwheel around the thing, just growling and well, snapping I could, at the thing. Yeah, I could say, like, right now, there is six very cool videos I have that will never see the light of day on sure. social media. Sure. When I say cool, for my buddies. Yeah. But when some people post them and don't understand the potential backblast of uh uh your negative negative side of it because they're new to social media or just don't give a shit or don't have a big platform and don't think about going viral that would be pulled immediately i'll give you an example of one i hit a a pig and it lost its it lost its compass and it did circles for like 20 minutes we're trying to get it and, and put it down or whatever but when when we hit it it was just you would have never known it was hit it looked drunk and but I can't post that, right? Yeah, I mean, that's no, that's no, horrible. No. But watching it, it's like Jesus, what's wrong? It shows one, two, how tough they are, and it, where I hit it was a very lethal shot. You can't post that, so yeah. that would be one that just goes away. I mean, I only bring that one up because pigs don't have a soul. I guess nobody seems to give a shit about turkeys, pigs, and chickens, and fish. Well, I, I, those ones don't matter. But I even have I've got a perfect example of that with a turkey with a youth hunt. She shot, and it was just like one pellet. I don't know where it hit. But it did the exact same thing. The, the turkey was completely discombobulated, had no idea. What, I had to jump out of the, the blind and try to go to tackle it. And I mean, it just, it was crazy. But yeah, that type of stuff happens. You don't show that. What did I publicly. say when you were laughing? I said, I, I masturbate every day in the shower, but I don't have to show it on YouTube. It's a given. <laughs> uh, that, that uh, and uh, you know, me being blunt, but that's it's about as fucking black and white as you can get it. There is shit you do each day. Well, I wipe my ass. Let me show everyone. You don't have to show everything. It doesn't. Glenn, Glenn Beck talks all the time. There are many things that I believe. There are many things that I believe that I'll never say, but I'll never say what I don't believe. Yeah, that's confusing, but say that three times real fast. Yeah, there's there's many things Give that you. I believe. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, but yeah, I, there's a lot of truth out there that I don't need to share, but I would prefer if I share it, it's going to be true. I would prefer that route other than anything else. Thinking about it right now, that there would be let's Jerry's on one of the panels. You got common sense. Uh, you're on one of the panels. You get paid to be on that panel. Um, you you moderate. You you look, and then there's people like Frank and I that ping Jerry. Look at this, yeah. or who you know what I mean. Yep. There's outlets. Flag it. Flag it. Uh, so when you get, which I have no fucking idea why people put ducks' faces in their mouths, bills. I just doesn't don't understand it. The thing is, they weren't that. That's the thing, though. Again, we talk. We we were talking about this last time. You can act like anyone you want to act like. You only react like your true self. And when you are just in the moment with your buddies, and you're just not, you're just flowing from a subconscious state. There's a lot of things that we do that are just dumbass stuff that you're, you know, and if you're not thinking about what it is that you're actually showing, you're like, ah, that was a fun moment. And I'm just going to put that out there because, oh, wasn't that fun? And look at it. And then completely forgetting the about the fact that 
No one was there at camp. No one was there in the duck blind or wherever it was. No one has any backstory. No one has any idea of the fun and the love and blah, blah, blah. It was just a, my, my true belief was it was just probably a dumbass you know, moment that accident that just slipped through. Think, thinking of that, is. there is a picture that would, that I have that would a hundred percent be, and it wasn't that big of a deal, but I, I had just shot a deer and I'd, uh, you know, taken it apart. We we're going to eat the heart that night. And, uh, yeah, I had pulled it out and I was going to take a po- photo. My buddy said flex. And so I flex stupid. Um, <laughs> but that but, would be one. Yeah. But, I, mean, I mean, you're just, you're in the moment. You're not thinking about, it's not like you're trying but to Jerry make would be the guy to say, Hey, dumb fucking and pull it off. Yeah. 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 And so I think that would be, and <clears throat> there would be a note that says, Hey, appreciate, you know, whatever you could have a little, you know what I mean? Your little dear John letter of, Hey, yeah. your shit got pulled for this reason. Now, there would be bitching and pissing and moaning, but I think as a whole, when that panel got together and wrote the rules of the road, the declaration of dumbfuckness yeah. uh, of hunting, I don't think that that would be that. I think that would work. I think that would fix it. Um, I don't know that Instagram and Facebook are going to hire any no. hunters to... to no, they're, they're, they're just going to go the other route and just be like, bye-bye with the... Probably, yeah, which... It is what it is. I that's, think, why I'm, that's why I'm putting my stuff. I just loaded the latest video. I'm, I'm loading my stuff on Rumble now. Rumble. That was the one I was asking you guys about was Rumble. Rumble. Um, I, I tried to. I, so uh, and I don't know how many other podcasts are on Spotify that are video. So you can go on Spotify and watch Joe Rogan's, you know, uh, yeah. video. But when I went to Spotify and, and looked at putting up video, you got to go through this whole review application process, go through their little, I mean, I'm like, gee, so, so they're going to know that you were looking at little boys peckers in 89. They're not going to let you on. <laughs> correct. <laughs> correct. <laughs> I pulled that post, damn it. Um, oh, shit. But no, I mean, to be he, fair, so, he was younger at that time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, the, now, I was granted, a boy. It was my own pecker. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't count. Uh, but obviously it's, it's a private company. They can do whatever they want with it, but we can have a discussion later on about, you know, editors versus content providers or whatever, but at least with, with the folks like rumble where they're just like, yeah, come on out. As long as you're not doing anything illegal. Yeah. Come on out and, and, and have a platform. So it's like, okay. Cause I know that's what Google, Facebook, Instagram, all those, they're, they're going to move away from this yeah. ideology mentality because we represent independent thinking, self-sufficient type of individuals and yeah, that's not where they're going. Okay, so last question. Make it quick. Uh, I get this one a ton. We'll go around the table. <clears throat> Jerry, you'll be first. If you couldn't hunt, what would you do? I get this one a ton on my Q and A's, and I mean bird hunting and all that shit. Can't hunt. Probably hiking with my dogs, taking pictures. Milf hunt. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I really. That's a tough sport. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked. Uh, I really got pretty interested in like that. Um, the alpinist. Did you watch? You watch that? Yeah, yeah. The the hardcore mountaineering stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's probably what I do. Interesting. I would eat. I would probably either fishing, or it's probably it's probably going to go that. It would probably go that direction. Maybe maybe photography, videography. Yeah. But it would be it. I've got to have that game. I've got to have that outlet of of that cerebral back and forth challenge. Yeah, and I would say uh, for me. Little bit of what Frank's talking, you know, long, long. I would Pacific Crest Trail. I would hike the the PCT. I would hit the Colorado Trail, and I would photograph it. Um, fishing, you know, all those things along the way. Not much in my life would would probably change, other than I wouldn't have as much meat. I'd be buying my meat, which is fucking strange that I can't hunt, but I can go buy meat. But I would 
probably do that. I would just stay in the outdoors and take, take photos. And I think during the rut, for example, same thing. I would just have a big camera lens and photograph it and, and, uh, and maybe, and obviously teach which you would too. I'd probably, now if hunting total was gone different, but I would, I would probably do a lot more seminars, travel around and teach about the outdoors, things like that. I don't think my world would change that much. Um, without hunting of course that could be because i've hunted for so long if i was newer at it, it'd be different my wife and i were talking about you know because she's got a pretty decent job right now where we could live anywhere and she could continue to work and you know we were talking about florida or some of these other places and you know oh what do you want to, you know or when we were in hawaii she's like oh you couldn't live here because well a there's hunting in hawaii but for me man spear fishing yeah <laughs> <laughs> underwater bow hunting are you freaking kidding me right now yeah i would I, i'm it's it's like golf it's one of those things where i don't want to do that once because i know what's going to happen yeah i, I i'm just not even going to take i'm i'll i'll do my snorkeling i'll do my dive i, I don't want to i don't want to taste that because i don't think i'm coming back that yeah. just seems just freaking <laughs> rad yeah all right it just turned red because we're down to 25 minutes so all right anybody have any parting things to say no other than we should do probably like two more podcasts before you guys leave and before i leave otherwise i don't know when i'm going to see you again when you guys move to wyoming that's really why i wanted to come down to visit because i didn't know how we'll fly you in there you go now we're talking yeah, uh, no seriously I, honestly i i mean this is you know i find i have cross-pollination with colorado to where occasionally i'm in town and so we come and do this but when you guys move up to lander i don't know how much time i'm gonna be i mean we can do the zoom calls and that type of stuff but this is this is fun man yeah so for sure we'll figure it out one way or another or you can jump in with luke when he drives up in his mobile podcast <laughs> he's starting funny. a yeah trailer so all right everybody thanks for tuning in for four hours uh again um <laughs> we'll talk to you later bye